Hey, welcome to the 304th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, comic books, and Blink-182 concerts. It's a big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently on a Silver Age Superman kick looking at some of those like classic cheesy comics, often, for some reason, often where Superman appears to be kind of a jerk. So you can hear hear about those, and sometimes I do other things, which, you know, I mix it up. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three, and that's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so what's going to be on this week's episode there is a there there's a, a a lot to talk about. The main feature I'm gonna mix things up a little bit. The main feature is actually gonna be a TV show. It's gonna be Secret Invasion, the first episode. There is a movie feature. I did not go to. I, I was gonna see Asteroid City. I I do want to see it. I just I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it's like a quote unquote podcast movie. I'm not always on the fence with the Wes Anderson movies. I I deeply appreciate you know his craft and and his skill. But I don't always love his movies as much as, as some people. Maybe they're, they're too cerebral for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a knucklehead. I, I, I don't know. So I, I will see that at some point. You know, maybe I could talk about it on, on a secret podcast eventually. We'll, we'll see. We're going to do Superman Lois. So that's back. The penultimate episode. Uh, two more episodes of Crowded Room. That's the Tom Holland, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Apple TV Plus show. So this is gonna be the last time, and then following this, we're be going doing like one episode per week, and then an episode of Silo. Um, with Black Mirror, I was gonna do two, but the third episode is like a, an hour and twenty minutes, so I decided just to do one, just you know, give myself a break and everything like that, and also because I, I knew like Friday, you know, I was gonna be busy going to a concert, which um, I'm gonna talk about. Briefly, so this is random stuff, and I, I did have have a couple people ask me like, "Hey, you going to talk about the Blink One Eighty Two concert on the podcast?" And I was like, "You know, I never really thought about doing that. You know, I, I've talked about Taylor Swift before, you know, and you know, like the Netflix documentary and and, and stuff. So I'm a, I'm a big Blink One Eighty Two fan, and I'll I'll try to keep this like not like super long, like not more than five minutes at least." Uh, so I, I, I just really love Blink-22, and, and I remember when they first came out, and I, it might have been, damn it, when, I'm trying to think if I, if I heard it, I think that's when I became aware of them, you know, where they're, they're playing on the radio, and then, you know, then Anima to Say came out, and they just, you know, what's my age again, this is a huge, so I, I've always been a fan of, of theirs, I saw them, uh, was it 2009, I, I, Weezer opened up for them, which was was amazing. It was such a, such a great concert, and that was like after they had broken up the first time. You know, they broke up and then they got back together and everything. And then they they did this tour. They put out you know some some more music after that, and then it, it they dissolved. You know, they went their separate ways for the most part. Uh, then I I, I want to say recently, but it's it's not that recently. It feels like it was recently. Uh, within the last five 
10 years, not 10 years, but then they got Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio to take Tom DeLonge's place. And, and I absolutely loved it. You know, some, some, you know, hardcore fans didn't like Matt Skiba being in the band. I, I, Alkaline Trio is, is like one of my top favorite bands. I've seen them live so many times. And Alkaline Trio is very similar to Blink-22 in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's a three-piece band. You have two singers, you know, so it, it, it there's it almost makes perfect sense. So for me, having Matt Skiba, who's who I, I feel is a great singer, he's a great songwriter. He added a lot, you know. He he could carry his weight of the band, where he could do vocals and they could do you know share vocals on the songs, and he could write his own song. Mark could write his own songs. They could all write songs. So I I really enjoyed the two albums that, that they put out. But then for whatever happened, Tom came back. I mean, in, in my my perfect world, it's like, what if we had a Blink-182 with four members and had Tom, Mark, and Matt with Travis? I think that would be crazy to have three singers and just, you could have, they would have so much music, you know, to be able to put out. So then, um, and I, you know, I, I think I just really kind of gravitated where, you know, I always really, really liked Blink-182, but... I would say like within the past few years, they, they really grew to become like my favorite band. And part of it was like when California came out, you know, I was driving my daughter around a lot and we listened to that album so much time. And then like the deluxe album came out with a whole second album. We listened to all that. So, you know, you, you have that. We just really, really, really embraced that, you know, listening to the old music as well. And I think there's there's something, you know, part of the like the nostalgia factor as well, like thinking back to like the nineties when when, you know, the, the the they originally first came on the scene. So I just really embraced it where it's just it it puts me like in a happy place. And you know, are are they like music masters, music maestros putting out you know it's it's all subjective, you know. So the, the, you know you can't really say you know who is the best. I mean, you could, I guess, if you want to get into like music theory and stuff like that. But that's just a bunch of garbage. This is a band that they they refer to themselves like is a crappy punk, you know, crappy punk rock. And and I I think that's funny. You know, they they tell a lot of immature jokes, and it's they they it just have a lot of fun. So I, I just really have embraced them as, you know, these are my favorite, this is my favorite band. And like my students, you know, I have like a Blink-182 skateboard deck that I keep them, I have keep it like as a sign on, you know, up on my wall. And, you know, I, I got like a bumper sticker, you know, that I, I have up there. And so, you know, the kids really, they know that I get, I have a you know Blink-182 tattoo on my wrist and... So I, I really like the band, and then when you know Tom coming back, and then they're touring, I was able to get tickets. Not the the, the best seats because you know I, I did the presale, and I, I debated that you know when when I, I got to the concert, I went to the concert with my brother in law. Um, shout out to Red Lamp for the old 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 school um, Comic Vine fans, if you remember Red Lamp. Uh, so we we went and saw it. when we got in our seats. I was like, wow, we're pretty high. You know, we weren't at the at the tippy tippy top, but we were we were up there. And and that's that's fine for me because I don't need to be up front, you know. I don't need to be down there, and you know, you you can get a good view. But I, I so I was like wondering, it's like, is it better to do the the pre sales or you know test your luck with general admission? Because you know, I I feel like when you do a pre sale, they like they only release like certain sections. It's not like they're opening the whole place. That could have worked against me, but I got you know two tickets. That that's what I care about. You know, originally I was going to go with my daughter, but 
she's 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 moved and but we are going to the taylor swift together so we have that that that's um i'll talk about that next month um so with with blink 182 they were amazing um my throat right now i've been drinking like tea and honey and stuff like that because i was just like you know singing at the top of my lungs and and just the whole place was there's so many people like moving and dancing. You know, I, I tried taking some video and I got like hands in a way. It's like, put your hands down. You don't need to wave your hands <laughs> to the music or whatever. But it was, it was just really something. And I, I was, it just, it put me in such a good mood. And I, you know, I, I, I did really need that. Cause you know, I, I I've been kind of down lately, which I've, I've kind of touched on and I'm, I'm not going to go into all, all that stuff. You, you know, that's no, don't, don't need to bring the vibe down of this show. You know, I try to keep it, artificially where where it's at so it was just it was an amazing show and just you know hearing the the songs and the you know just the the banter and seeing them i mean it was just i it was amazing and you know they they still got it i'm thinking about like you know how long they've been doing this and and they're still moving around and and it it was just it was a, it was a lot of fun it, it the one point it got got super emotional because uh, when they're gonna do Adam's song, so if if you know if you're familiar with, with the band, if you're familiar with the song Adam's song, it's a it's it's not the most upbeat song, you know. It talks about like being in a dark place and you know depression and suicide and everything. I listen to that music and it makes me sad, you know. Just just thinking about that, you know, just just imagine, you know, just being in that state, you know, wanting to be alone in your room or that's all you have, and and just you know you know suicide such a you know touchy subject as well but to you know mark talked about that he wrote that song when he was kind of like in, in a dark space you know place or whatever thinking about you know the songs you know, were just like 16 held such better days but then i think they've kind of changed you know tomorrow holds such you know better days or whatever and he he mentioned that when he was diagnosed with cancer and and that hit me hard too. Just the thought, you know, of of losing him, even though you know I don't know him, and it's selfish on my part. But he talked about he didn't know if he was going to survive, and you know he didn't know if he was like going to ever be on stage again. And you know it it was hard for him, as as you can imagine. And, and thank thank whoever that you know he he survived and he's here. And so then you know going to the song, it, it was. I, I, I teared up, you know, I'm not going to lie about that. So it was just, it was just really, really powerful. And, and it was just a lot of fun. I think that's, that's all I, I can say. My, my phone kind of like died. I ended up like recording so much of the concert. And then it's like, you are out of storage. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to go through like, okay, delete this, delete this, delete this. And then, you know, so it, it was, it was, it was fun time. So I'm, I'm so glad I went. I wish I went with, you know, no offense to my brother-in-law. I wish, you know, I could have gone with my daughter because, you know, we've been talking about it for years. We've been wanting to go and, but it just didn't work out. So maybe next time, hopefully. Um, now, as far as regular news, so apologies if, if you're not into the band, but you, you, you should be. There's, there's, there's a, a bit of, of news to talk about. And um, I feel like there's just a lot of angry people you know, and whether it's justifiable or not, you know, I don't want to minimize anyone's anger or frustration and stuff. But some I don't think is is necessarily justified. This could be the first first thing I'll talk about. So uh, apparently, with a uh, across the Spider Verse, uh, I, I think like a couple artists have, have like anonymously stated that like over a hundred artists left 
during you know during the process because of unstable work conditions, and it it kind of really got to be a a tough situation, you know, tough place to be because like if you left and then, then if, if they changed your work or your scene, then it's like, you didn't own it anymore. You know, you, you didn't, couldn't lay claim or, or get credit, I guess, or whatever, because it has been changed from or altered from what you had done. But part of the process uh, apparently is, is when the work was getting done and, and whatever they were, it was being like looked at and edited like right away. So then that, that, meant artists were kind of sitting around waiting rather than just doing the whole thing and doing it at the end or whatever. So then in order to make up for the time, supposedly artists were having to work like 11 hour days for like seven days a week just to make up and stay on schedule. And, and just a lot of people got you know frustrated and everything like that. I don't know. You know, it, 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 it sucks if that's it is. I mean, it's, it's an amazing looking movie but you know you don't want anyone to have to like suffer or you know whatever so I, I i don't know and apparently i don't know if it was the same person or someone else they're like there's no way the next movie is going to be done you know from in time for march so they're like it's it's like it's just not going to happen now going along with that there is also some like video effects people saying that this kind of similar with the flash that they're they're saying that some of the effects look like they were done in a week because they were, that they they were being pressured and and I, I I don't know I mean it's it's just it's it's so hard you know we don't know what the full story is and and you know when it's an anonymous person saying something you're just like yeah I I totally get why they want to remain anonymous because you don't want to you know it's it's unfortunate you can't state the facts without people like looking down at you or you know saying okay well then we're just not going to hire you if you're going to complain about it but you know you should complain about it if if you have a reason to complain so it's just i don't know but then the other thing people are complaining about is uh the secret invasion intro because apparently it used ai when i watched uh, the episode wednesday you know I, I i started at a little after midnight you know when i when i watched it i didn't even really think or realize or pay attention enough that that, that, it, that it was done with ai uh you know it wasn't the most pleasing looking animation but it was just a different style and and so i had nothing i was like okay whatever they're, they're going for you know, this very angular whatever bold you know what whatever you know trying to do mix it up from the comics as they should because this has nothing to do with the comics but word somehow got out so i I don't maybe other people are more experts on ai and people were like this is ai and people start complaining about it people drawing attention to it and and then I, i i see a lot of people like really like putting it out there that like oh you know marvel use ai this is horrible this is disgusting because you know the idea from artistics you know i i don't i'm not in favor of ai because one it it steals artist work you know it's it scrapes i don't even understand how it works but it, apparently it just takes different art from wherever across the internet or across the world and then it molds melds it together to create something i something i don't even understand how that works maybe because no one's explained to it maybe it's a it's an overly simple thing i don't know if it's just like that but basically you know so it's it's stealing other people's work in order to morph it meld and create something new which isn't okay because you know no one's getting credit and uh that's what you know people are, are saying you know happened here 
and they're, they're saying, you know, how dare Marvel do that? And, you know, whatever, what does this mean? You know, that they're going... But then it, it turned out that the studio that did the, the intro, they're the ones that decided this. I mean, it, to, from what it sounds like, it doesn't seem like Marvel or Disney, they're like, hey, we want to do this intro using AI. So there was a Method Studios, which was, a, you know, it wasn't even like Disney Studio. You know, it was like they, this was like a video effects studio that was hired to do the intro. They decided to use AI as a tool. And then they've stated that no artist jobs were replaced by AI in the creation of this. You know, they, they decided to use AI. And, yeah, I've seen some people kind of talking about this, that, that it was like almost like maybe the idea was purposely done because of the premise of the show where, you know, the idea of scrolls replacing thing where it's kind of artificial or whatever like that. And, and you know, you're not really sure like what is real and what's not. So that's the idea with using AI and animation. Maybe that was their their idea. I don't know. I mean that that's kind of clever in a way, and it it just it does kind of stand out as something different. But yeah, so it's just it's just funny that people are so quick to condemn Marvel. I feel like a lot of people just really want to attack Marvel for like the slightest thing, and I don't know. You know, maybe Marvel Disney is a horrible corporation. Treat their employees really bad. I don't know, or maybe people are just not happy that the Marvel movies are so in- insanely successful. You know, they make all this money and everything like that. I I, I don't know what what the deal is, but it, it's it, you shouldn't have an agenda. You don't like something, it's fine, but to try to I I, I don't know. It's just it seems weird that, that people just want to complain just to to try to you know knock them down a peg maybe and that, that's that's how it, it looks to me it's one thing you know if you're against a you know if it's a legitimate thing but hey what's the full story you know you're you're immediately you, you know your your gut reaction you just go out and start you know blaring your your condemnation uh against everyone when it's like it, it that that's not really how it happened you know like what what you're implying is not the, the true story so who knows? But it's just, just everyone's just, you know, just chill out. Just, you know, there, there's so much anger and hatred, and it's just like we don't need to amplify this further. I mean, if someone said, "Hey, yeah, I was supposed to do the intro," then they they let me go, and they're like, "Yeah, we're," and then they end up doing AI. Then yeah, that that's that would suck. But that's not what happened. Um, how about a rumor? <laughs> apparently, hey, so much rumors lately. But apparently, Ben Affleck was maybe on on the set for Deadpool 3. So is he visiting or does he actually have something to do with it? What could Ben Affleck possibly be doing on Deadpool 3? Could he possibly be playing Matt Murdock or Daredevil? <laughs> Which would be pretty pretty hilarious. Uh you know they they have talked about there being like variants and multiverse and you know I don't even know if there's there may be like different versions of Deadpool or Wolverine or whatever, so why not have a different Deadpool or Daredevil? <laughs> I think that that could be funny. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Superman Legacy supposedly maybe casting is going to be coming this coming this week. So maybe like when you listen to this, it, it could be out there by now. Who knows? We'll see. James Gunn has said that uh, he is going to be working on Peacemaker season two right after Superman Legacy. So you know it's going to be a little while. And I think the the Amanda Waller spinoff show is going to come out before Peacemaker 2 and there's gonna be like some of the same you know 
characters, actors that, that will be in, in, in that. Bad Bunny. So this is weird. So Bad Bunny in, in this uh, El Muerto. There's a, I feel like there's so much much confusion over this. I, I don't know what, what's happening. Because first it's like it wasn't going to happen. And then it's like, no, it is going to happen. And then I read that it was pulled from the release schedule. And, and I was like, okay, that's probably because it was supposed to come out like January or something like that. And I was like, there's no way they're going to have it done. But now apparently maybe Bad Bunny is not going to be in it. He's decided he's he's pulling out maybe. And instead of just canceling it, I guess they're going to recast but then they're like, well, is he, he might still be a producer. You know, did he leave it? Did he quit? Is he just frustrated? And a lot of, the, you know, what's, what's going on also is, is the fact that there's a writer strike. So everything is being delayed. And it could be that maybe he's like, hey, I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to we're going to studio. I, you know, I, so I can't commit. I, I don't know why. But, yeah, we, we have that. So we'll see. Oh, going back to <laughs> Michael Keaton. And uh, apparently there was supposed to be like a Batman Beyond movie planned with Michael Keaton. It was supposed to take place after The Flash. But I guess what what happens in The Flash, that's not, can't happen. Why can't it still happen? I mean, we're talking multiverse. And who, know, who knows? Uh, I don't know. Oh, um, and just, just uh, Nicolas Cage. So he, I, I won't go into specifics, but he recently had a cameo in a, in a, in a movie. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I won't go into specifics. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of people assumed that his cameo was CG. You know, it was, it was super short. But they're like, no, it wasn't a cameo. They actually had him on there, put him in a suit, and you know, dressed him up <laughs> and, and filmed the scene, which, which is, is even more amazing. So I I think that that's 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 really great. Gal Gadot has hinted that she might not be done with Wonder Woman. You know, a lot of people are complaining. Oh, James Gunn and Peter Safran Safran, they're 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 ruining everything. You know, they fired everyone and blah blah blah. All this like it's like no, no they haven't. Because <laughs> Gal Gadot she says that you know things are being worked on behind the scenes so this is this is the thing everyone's just so quick to complain about everything you do not know the full story you don't know what's happening what what's being said and and, and talked about they've even said like certain actors like you know Henry Cavill we'd love to find something else for you you know you're just not going to be superman but you know there could be something else but everyone just wants to complain and and go you know, James Gunn is even and you know it's, it's poor James Gunn he's getting like most of the the flack it's like all the blame so we'll have to see about that and then uh people are complaining about warner brothers canceling batgirl which sucks you know i i do agree that you know so many people worked on this this movie it was nearly complete and then they're like yeah we're just gonna scrape it scrap it whatever take your your pick and we're just gonna use it as a tax write-off and you know, some people were saying it w- it was not good. It it would have hurt the brand. You know, if if you put out a really bad movie, then people are gonna be like, "What what is going on here? What are you doing?" You know, and then if they tried doing something else, they're like, "Well, that's probably just gonna be bad. I'll wait. I'm not gonna go out and see this." I don't know. You know, it, it it's it's too bad. I I still I would have loved to have seen it. You know, there are some questionable things, but I I I'm so curious to see. You know, I w- I would still love to to be able to check it out. Now, 
apparently an anonymous Twitter user, I mean, he has a, I, I forgot what his, his handle was, but he's, he, they said, all right, enough's enough. I'm finally going to say it. I saw it a movie. Uh, they apparently snuck into a screening. That right there, I'm like, what, what the heck are you talking about? Now, again, this could, I'm, I'm questioning this. It, it could be totally 100% legit. I don't know. From my experience, I think it would be insanely hard to just randomly sneak into a screening. Because one, if usually when they do like the test audience, the test audience doesn't know what they're seeing. They, I, I don't even know. I again, so I'm, I'm kind of speculating a little bit. But my understanding is, you know, whether you agree, you sign up or whatever, you sign an NDA, you go, you sit in the, in the theater, and all of a sudden, doo -doo -doo, you're watching Willy Wonka, or you're watching the Smurfs. I, I, I don't know if it's something like that. I don't know if they specify genres. I don't know if they tell you ahead of time. But it, I always got the impression that you didn't really know what you were seeing because they wanted to, you know, I'm sure they, they must break it down by demographics. Like, okay, we want to see, you know, how do the young people think? How do the, you know, the whatever people think and the this people and the males and the females. And, and the other thing also, aside from that, I would think that security would be like so tight. Because usually, like, I've gone to, like, press screenings, like, at non-official places, and, and the security is, like, tight. You know, where it's like, okay, you need to turn in your cell phone. You know, here here is your ticket. You get it later. And then metal detector wand, do 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 you know, checking. You want to go popcorn? You got to get get scanned again. So it, it, I, I feel like with the the non-official, you know, the the more lenient screenings that I've been to, because I've, I've been screenings on and stood on the, on the set on, on a lot. I've been, you know, screenings like in San Francisco that, you know, whatever. I just, I feel like that there would be no way that you could just sneak in to see a screening. Because if, if, if they're going to show something like Batgirl, they don't want anyone just, you know, random to see it. It's all got to be about NDA. So it could be if this person did actually see it. But to sneak in, I find that, that kind of hard, you know, to believe. But maybe it happened. You, it's, anything's possible, right? So they said that the movie was pretty solid, even though they would give it a 6 out of 10. And there's some, you know, could use some reshoots. I don't know. But I, I just, I don't think that Warner Brothers can ever release it. They wrote it off as a tax write-off. That means it's 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 done, dead, gone. So unless it somehow leaks out and we get like a garbage version, and I'm not going to watch, you know, some pirated whatever. So who, who knows? But yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 I was wondering, it's like, when is this being released? Because, you know, I, I, I did enjoy the movie. And, you know, my, 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 I was it's like, do I want to get a steelbook for that? One, is, is it going to have a cool steelbook that I, that I would want to get? That's like the deciding factor. So it is, it, the, the release date has finally been announced. It's going to be available digitally on July 7th. And then uh, physical 4K, Blu-ray, all that stuff will be on August 1st. It's not really clear. I'm assuming it won't be on Disney necessarily on Disney Plus on July seventh. You know, I would think that they would want to wait a little bit just to you know try to get more more money out of it. We'll we'll see, but who knows? There's gonna be like deleted scenes, gag reels, and, and all all that stuff. 
So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Well, you know, I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the Ray Star Wars movie. So it it's uh, it has a title now apparently Star Wars New Jedi Order. Not to be confused with the New Jedi Order that we've had. I I, I don't know if that's the best title because I think there might be some confusion, but maybe not. And apparently it's supposed to come out May twenty second, twenty twenty six. So we'll see about that. Um, some comic book news. Tony Stark, Emma Frost are getting married. It's like, what? What the heck? I saw this. This is so bizarre. I had to actually write an article. And I don't often write articles on entertainmentfish.com because, just because of time and energy and, and stuff. But I, in, in some ways, it makes sense. You know, they, they are both, like, business savvy. And, and, and Emma, I, I do like how Emma Frost is being, like, treated lately. You know, she's, like, being evolved a bit where... Because I feel like for far too long, she had this reputation as like, oh, this is just a woman in white lingerie, you know, whatever, you know, I, but I think she's, you know, we, we've seen stories where she was actually manipulating, you know, people and, and, you know, the, the, the dumb knucklehead dudes who, you know, that that's all they, they care about to see someone like shake their rump. But she was like actually, you know, using them while they, you know, they think that they're using her type of thing. And she has helped out like Tony Stark recently and like Captain America. And, you know, so she, she's been, been a, a big help. I feel like she's about, even like with Joss Whedon of all people, like uh, Astonishing X-Men, just the, the whole like relationship between like Kitty Pride and, and Emma, where, you know, there's like this hate tension with the, you, 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 it's pretty clear that Emma does care about, about Kitty, which, which is like really nice. You know, it's a very far different, uh, you know, change from when kitty first appeared and, and emma was, was going after her so we'll see and and you know the both comics iron man and, and uh the x-men comic are being written by jerry duggan who i love i, I think his, his writing is, is brilliant so we'll see i think, I think it's like september read my article i'm pretty sure it's september comic-con is coming up everyone's skipping hall h <laughs> Pretty much. So Marvel Studios is not going to be there. Lucasfilm is not going to be there. Sony's not going to be there. Universal is not going to be there. Netflix isn't going to be there. HBO is not going to be there. All of them are saying, nope, we're not, not going to have Hall H presentations. I'm assuming it's because of the writer strike. Or, you know, whatever. Actor strike, writer strike. I think it's writer strike. Because, you know, the way it works is, like, you can't promote stuff because if by doing that it's like you're crossing the picket line so this this kind of stinks it's like what is what is going to be happening at, at comic-con and you know i'm i'm wondering is like am i going to have any interview opportunities and are there going to be any any tv shows or whatever and also if if there's not a lot available that means whatever is available is going to be a high in demand and then those press rooms are going to be like jam-packed or they're going to get filled up right away. So, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> so, that, that's a bummer for me. Um, and then, uh, kind of a bummer for all of us, maybe, is uh, they released a trailer for Craven the Hunter. <laughs> what the heck? I'm, I'm looking at this trailer. I, I mean, I only watched the trailer once. 
when I watched this trailer, I was like, did they use the same exact camera filter that they use on Morbius? Because it has like this certain kind of, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a cinematographer or whatever. But from what I remember, it kind of feels like it has like this kind of bluish tint to it. It just, it, it feels different from like the Marvel movies. It just, it has this, I don't know, this different energy or something. And it feels like from what I remember more, I've only seen Morbius once and that's, I don't, I don't think I'll, I'm ever going to watch it again. It kind of feels like the same thing. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, with, with how I, I'm remembering the movie. Uh, you know, what's his name? Aaron Taylor Johnson, right? Uh, I, I think he's, he's, he's a great actor. One of the issues I have is when he's an adult, he doesn't have an accent. I I just envision Craven having an accent, you know, some at least a hint of an accent. And I'm pretty sure there was no hint from the trailer. You know, I only watched the trailer once. So I don't know if I said that or not. I think I did. So I don't know. And then, <laughs> how there's a scene where you know he's he's supposed to be like he's hunting with his dad, Russell Crowe. And he's supposed to shoot. I think it was a was it was a lion, right? And then he decides not to shoot because probably, you know, we don't want to depict Craven as a as a cruel big game hunter who's, you know, they they think it's it makes you a man if you shoot some beast with a high powerful weapon. But then, the the lion's blood like drips on him. It's like I, someone said it. I, I don't know if I don't think it was Marco Rudy, the artist, but someone, no, maybe it was someone else. I think it was someone else said it's like, wait, <laughs> is it like, did he get bit by a radioactive lion? You know, it's like the blood mixing with his. Or, I just, I don't know what's going on. I just, I think it's weird that we have a movie based on, I, I think Craven the Hunter is like a, a cool character. You know, he could be a cool character. But to have his own movie, and if the fact that you're giving movies to villains, and then it's like, are you gonna like humanize them? You know, are we supposed to root for them? You know, I don't want to see a movie for the Joker, and then because I'm not gonna root for the Joker. It's, I don't know. What I do know is that's gonna be the news for the week. All right, with comic books at Image Comics, uh, there was that Arcade Kings number two. Um, I still, I, I still haven't read the, the first issue. So round two fight. Joe's search for his missing brother brings him to Ghost Town of Rockview. Too bad it's home turf of Plum Corana, who has a bone to pick with Joe's entire family. So I, it's uh, this is written by, I've written drawn by Dylan Burnett, and uh, I I really dig the the art style, but I just haven't had a chance to read the first issue, so I'm I gotta get caught up. I did read Bone Orchard Tenement. This is another one of those uh, Bone Orchard. There, there's been, I think there's been more than one of these. Uh, I think there's, I don't even know how many, if there's been like three or four. I know I haven't read all of these and I feel bad about this. This is Jeff Lemire and uh, Andrea Sorrentino. These these guys, man, they, they kind of freak me out when the, these two collaborate. When you see the two of their names on a book, you know it's going to be like freaky and trippy and dark and confusing not necessarily confusing but it's just it's kind of weird and uh so i remember the, the first one i think the first one there was like this big hole it was like on this off this coast like i don't know if there's a lighthouse and there's like birds and it was just it was just kind of freaky 
these are um these are a type of comics that I would love to see like adapted into like some sort of like horror movie or show or something like that. Cause often, and I know I'm totally on a tangent here, but what else is new, right? Often when you have horror, com- I mean, horror comics rarely work. And, and I, I don't know what it is. And I, I, I don't want to place the blame like on the artist or the, the colorist or the combination, but sometimes it, there's just, it just doesn't have the right vibe. And there are some books that just really capture it. And, you know, Jeff Lemire, he he's he's great at capturing that that dark vibe, especially with Andrea Sorrentino. He's his art is just so trippy. Uh, like Gideon's Falls, I mean that was just just crazy. And you know James Tyne in the fourth, he he tends to write and and find he finds great artists to really capture his stories and and that. So that, all that being said, this is another freaky book. And and from this first one, I'm not really sure what the heck is going on. It's a ten issue miniseries. And I, like I said, I feel bad for the other ones. I, I'm pretty sure I, I have the other issues. I'd have to like, whatever, I need to track those down. Okay, so the synopsis here, because this is probably going to do a better job than I, I can explain this. So from the Eisner winning creative team behind Gideon Falls, uh, Primordial, and 10,000 Black Feathers, comes, uh, that's the one I was talking about, comes uh, the biggest and most essential project yet in the bold, ambitious, new shared horror universe, The Bone Orchard Mythos. In this extra-length first issue, and it's only $3.99, Jeff Lemire and Andre Sorrentino bring you the story of seven residents in a building and the dark secrets that bind them together, beginning with a death with a death that feels much more sinister than natural. Tenement is the newest entry in a Bowen Orchard's mythos. Um, the universe features self-contained graphic novels and limited series about the horrors waiting to be discovered within the Bowen Orchard. This first issue you know it just it it's it's a lot of setup you know we we see these seven different people normal average people you know doesn't feel like it's a comic book superhero you know it's nothing at all like that so it seems like you know just regular people and then we see it turns out they live in the same building and and part of it is like the interaction that they have with other people and the, the smallest slightest briefest you know interaction they may have with each other Something is going to tie them all together, and and we we start to get a hint of it, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited in a way because it it just feels like we we don't get a lot of a lot of just creepy weird and comics and and I always you know I say I always love it when when I have no idea where it's going. That's a good thing because you know you don't want the predictability aspect. So just just check this out. I mean, it's just definitely worth worth, worth reading. Um, looking at the list. Uh, Deadly Class uh, Deluxe Hardcover Issue four, Volume 4 came out, so you should pick that up. Um, I'm still, don't talk to me about that ending, but that book being over. I, I can't, it's too soon. Can't talk about it. Um, I Hate Fairyland Issue 6 came out, so this is a new story arc. This, so Gert, Gertrude, if, if you have or haven't read the first story arc, she's an adult now. Um, in the first volume, you know, she was a kid stuck in, in Fairyland for like 42 years or something like that. Now she's an adult for very for certain reasons she goes back and then she wasn't supposed to get stuck there she's stuck there now so now it's a, a matter of what, what the heck is she going to do she doesn't want to be there and you know she's got like the worst attitude and you know just she resorts straight to violence and the, the, uh, once a certain uh, other denizen of fairyland discovers that she's there they don't want her there either but you can't just dispatcher you know it's it's not gonna be an easy thing 
So it's just kind of interesting how this uh, individual maybe plans on on uh, getting rid of her. Uh, Junkyard Joe trade paperback it came out. You should check that out. So that was uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. That was that was a really I really enjoyed that 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 comic. Um, Kaya number nine. So Kaya, this issue, I started reading it. I read the whole thing. Uh, surprisingly, right? I read the whole thing, but as I'm I'm starting to read it, I'm like, wait, what happened? So the story is about you know Kaya and her her quote unquote brother, half brother, whatever. And you know she's got this mechanical arm. We find out the the story about the arm like in recent issues. And you know she's trying to protect her brother. You know there's a reason he needs to be protected. His his fate and destiny and all this stuff like that. And he's been kidnapped. Uh, but so she you know she mounted a rescue with the lizard people friends. And this issue starts out where she her arm is missing. So I was I was like wait a minute. I go back to issue eight, and you know there's a part where they're hanging uh, off a cliff. And, you know, she's, like, hold, holding, like, a rope, you know, and there's, like, the other lizard allies are, you know, and they end up falling. So this issue starts off where she's, like, been, she's being carried away by a bird, but she doesn't have her arm. So unless, maybe, you know, I, I did glance at it. I didn't see anything. Maybe what happened is as she was holding them, her arm, as she fell, maybe the arm became un, unattached. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of you know can she get her brother and I I'm I'm really enjoying this. So this is by Wes Craig, written and drawn by Wes Craig, and you know as I've, I know I've said this before, but the more I read this, the more I get into because like with the first issue, I think part of me was just like this isn't Deadly Class, and I was maybe like sub subconsciously being a little resistant to it because i'm like who who's this kaya i was like oh she's got this metal arm like who's this brother like what the heck is going on and so i think maybe that was it but as as you get to know them i'm, I'm really i'm really digging this this world and like as we find out more about it and everything like that and so there's lizard people there's robot people and there's all sorts of weird things so you should definitely get the first trade and you'll you'll be happy uh, Rogue Sun 13 came out. I haven't read the past few issues. I really like this in the beginning. And then I, I kind of... So this is a new story arc. Uh, I, I flipped through this issue. I'm still I'm still kind of invested in this. But I think part of... you know, So this, the story is we had this kid. His, his name is Dylan, right? Yeah, Dylan. It was like, you know, Dylan and his mom. Rough life. And, you know, he's just a type of kid. He has like a couple friends and... Uh, not the best student type of thing, you know, slight chip on his shoulder because, you know, dad walked out on him when he was a kid. He finds out his dad died. It's like, oh, you know, great. So what? Good riddance type of thing. But then it turns out that his dad was a superhero. And not only was he a superhero, he had like, he had another family, like after. And, you know, he has, so Dylan finds out he has like a half sister and, you know, a brother. And and they're living like this big mansion. So it's so the whole thing is that why did he leave them to start this new family and then never you know type that stuff. And then he, then he's kind of inherited this this power stone thing. It started off where he could actually talk to his dad, like his dad's spirit or whatever you know, was trying to guide him. So interesting concept and all that. But then that what was kind of good in a way is Dylan's not your typical teenage superhero you know he he has that chip on his shoulder so he's he's still kind of like a a rough kid 
uh, you know, t- teenage kid, you know, he's, he's not the, he's not perfect. He's no angel. And, you know, we see him like the way he treats like one of his friends, he kind of like, you just trying to control him type of thing. Cause his, his friend is like kind of a nerd or whatever. And just, just like his attitude with his power, it, it just, it was a, a kind of a turnoff to me reading it. I was like, I don't know if I want to read about this guy. Cause he's, he's kind of a jerk. Then there's like stuff with the villains and everything. So I, I just, I, I missed an issue or skipped an issue and then it just built up from there. But I am still um, intrigued with this because, you know, this is part of the, the massive verse that, uh, you know, Kyle Higgins and, and, and them have, have going on. And uh, this issue definitely as, as I flip through it, because like I said, I am still interested. The, the last page reveal, it's like, w- what does this mean? Like, what the heck is going on? So, oh, I, I really don't know. This is, I need to get caught up on that. Uh, there was Stinger. Stinger? Stringer? I need my get my eyes checked. Um, Stringer came out. This is like a, a full. I didn't read this because I was opening. It's like it's like over a hundred pages, like one hundred and fifty. It's it's like it's a book. It read, um, but it sounds interesting and intriguing. Uh, Nineteen eighty three tournament tennis. A racket stringer turned small time drug dealer gets in over his head, transporting a gym bag of cocaine across Europe, carrying a half a million in narcotics, puts him on the radar of every dangerous man on a continent. Whoops. That's what it says. So, uh, is this an actual, like, you know, like I said, like, like book it's, uh, by written by Patrick Kindlin with art by Paul Tucker. If I had more time, I, f- I feel like all I'm doing is, is reading. Um, so, but, but yeah, you might want to check that out. Uh, time before time. I'm so far behind on this. I, I feel horrible about that. Cause we're in issue 24, which is just crazy. But, uh, that, that's been, it was interesting, you know, last I, last I read, but I have no idea what's going on now. Um, over at DC Comics, there was uh, Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, issue three. I, you know, as I've been saying, I'm not super duper crazy about super about Connor out in space. It, it is kind of good in a way because we have Jonathan Kent as Superboy for whatever reason, you know, as an, a, a young teen or old teen, old teen, young adult. So we have, although he's not on, on Earth anymore, or regular Earth. So we have Connor out in space trying to be the hero stuff. And he, he's met up with this group of other young, powered people. And, you know, they're, they're fighting the evil forces and all that. But obviously there's um, there's something more to it. You know, there, there's possibility of, of betrayal and stuff going on. So I'll have to see what, what happens there. Batman White Knight presents Generation Joker issue two. This has been uh, a fun series. So this is um, uh, so the story is by Sean Murphy, but Katana Collins and uh, Clay McCormick are doing the script, and then we have America and Dolfo doing the art. So basically, the Jack Napier computer essence program thing isn't going to be around forever. So this is you know it's 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 not Jack. It's not the Joker. But it's kind of it kind of is him, and I, I think it's like limited as how long it's going to be. So he kind of it he wants to you know get to know his kids and everything like that. So he kind of arranges it so they go off, then they kind of get in over their heads. And it's interesting when you know other people because they they like have a run in with some jokers who like worship the Joker. But it's like the, the sort of thing is you know these are supposed to be Joker's kids. 
people are either going to you know bow down to them or they're going to want to kill them you know if they hate the joker you know and if if joker is not around anymore then they got nothing to fear from joker if he would even care about them you know does would joker care did he have kids so there there's that interesting aspect and then you know harley's has to try to find them and you know she's with a uh, neo what's her name neo is that what or, she, they call her so good stuff titans number two this issue is dealing with i don't even know if i should mention it so uh, it starts off i uh, see they even showed on a cover death in the family so one of the teen titans is like killed in the first issue so it's like uh, what that was like my reaction it's like you can't do this you can't kill this character because we all know how i feel about comic book deaths but I was like, there's, it's, I, but it's like clearly there. So how are you going to do it? So they, they kind of address that. There's also some stuff going on with Brother Blood. And at first I'm like, oh, dear Lord. After uh, the last the final season of Titans, which was fine with Brother Blood, you know, the way they handle him. But he, it was what those, what my complaint about the show is you, know, you get these characters, these villains or whatever that, that last the entire season. So it just, it feels like they, you know, wear out their welcome. So we, we have Brother Blood here, and there's kind of like a different angle going on. So that that could be interesting, but yeah. Um, uh, Rip, R.I.P., the who, character, maybe? What? Catwoman 56. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, that's how I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still on the fence with, with this, where I'm, I, you know, I love the character, and I, I'm intrigued with what's going on, but the whole thing, you know, and I, I, I guess I kind of like that she has Alleytown, you know, she wants her own little corner to not necessarily rule over, but to protect, you know, and everything. And, you know, so she's, you know, separate from Batman and trying to do the right thing. I don't like the idea that, you know, Selena Kyle was in prison and then she escapes. So it's like, what does that mean? And I thought, I was under the impression that everyone knew Selena Kyle was Catwoman. That was one of my, my big confusions about Selena and Bruce Wayne, if they got married and then you have Selena as Catwoman hanging out with Batman. It's like, wouldn't people be like, wait, what is Mrs. Wayne swinging around town with another dude? You know, emphasis on swinging, but I guess people don't. And, and that's, that's one of the problems with shaking up continuity all the time with merging and rebooting and combining or whatever. I thought everyone knew. Because, you know, I, I thought at, you know, just like everyone knows Penguin is Oswald Cobblepot. Or everyone knows Riddler is, is Edward Nigma. So I, I figured that people knew Selena Kyle was Catwoman, but I guess not. Okay. But now, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where it's going to go. And, um, uh, yeah, so there's stuff going on. I, and I, I won't go into detail because if, if you're reading it, you know, if you're not... Yeah, we'll see. But I, I feel like they're hinting that she may have another, like Batman may be coming up in the next issue. And I don't read, I try to avoid solicits. So you may know what's what's coming up in the next issue. But, you know, he did recently appear, but I think she may be having to have a serious conversation with him or something like that. So I don't know. Uh, Nightwing, Nightwing um, 105. This, at first, I think I remember hearing about this, uh, Tom, um, Tom Taylor talking about this. And when I first started, re I was I was a little confused because I didn't know that was this issue. This issue is called "You Are Nightwing," 
And when I first read this, I'm like, what's going? It was like weird because, you know, it, it starts off with, uh, you know, first of all, I, I dig the cover. You know, you look at that cover, you see, uh, looking like Nightwing's looking over the city, and you can see like his chest and his feet. And he's got his mask in his hand like he's about to put it on. So it's kind of cool. We see like the inside of the mask and, you know, whatever. But then the way it it, it starts off where, you know, he he's in bed. He gets up in the morning. You know, Barbara's there and the dog and everything. And it was weird because she like talks. And when, when he's talking, the word balloon is a little different. And I was like, wait a minute. Is something, did something happen? Can... Nightwing no not talk and is he talking somehow telepathically or is there what what is going on here? And the reason the word balloon is different is because I it, I guess it would be kind of awkward or weird or look bad to try to angle the word balloon to you because we're seeing basically the entire issue is you're seeing this day in the life or whatever through Dick Grayson's perspective. So, you know, hence the title, you are Nightwing, you know, you're seeing it from his, his point of view. So it starts off where, you know, you, you're woke, woken up, you're, you know, vertically you're laying and, and you're seeing there's Barbara Gordon facing at you. And then, the, you know, bite wing um, jumps in his face and licks him. And then, cause what, then what kind of threw me off is, there's a scene where he's like going in the bathroom to brush his teeth and you see him in the mirror. I just thought it was, you know, cause I didn't really look carefully. It's just like, it's like, Oh, that's a doorway to the bathroom. But it's like, no, that's actually the mirror that, that, and, and so forth. So it was, um, it was, it was actually pretty cool. And when I first realized I was like, Oh, this is that issue where we're seeing through his perspective. Gotcha. And I was like, eh, is, is this a gimmick? You know, whatever, is this going to be kind of cutesy or whatever? And, but it was actually pretty cool. So um, I definitely will recommend that. Wonder Woman 800. So I have been really on the fence with Wonder Woman lately. Just, you know, the one Wonder Woman in Asgard didn't really do it for me. And uh, the whole Wonder Woman versus Dr. Psycho and his evil milk company milk like seven selling evil milk or I, I don't even understand what was going on so i haven't been super crazy i, I mean wonder was another character i really love the character and you know we've had some really good um you know story arcs before you know creative teams and and stuff like that but just like lately i i just haven't really been been digging it and i don't really know like if you're asking okay then tony what do you want in in a wonder woman you know direction story and I don't, I don't really know how I would answer that because I think the same thing with Thor and Asgardian stories. You know, I, I'm not super crazy about Thor and Asgard. I don't really care so much about like the backup stories. There's been a lot of like young Diana, young Wonder Woman on Asgard, and, and that's cool and everything. You know, I, I can respect it and appreciate it. I just, it's not really what I care to read, and I, you know, I don't really need to see that. I, I. I'd much rather see her, I don't know, fighting. I don't know what, what kind of direction. <sighs> so here it starts off where Wonder Woman and Yara Floor are like fighting side by side. And that's cool because there's something about Yara Floor that I, I think is really cool. Did we, do we, do we, did we need another Wonder Girl? No. I think she's a cool character though. And and I don't know if it's just because of her ethnicity where I think that that's kind of cool as well. But there's, there's something about the character that from what I feel like we haven't really had a chance to see very much of her. But 
I, I kind of like her attitude and, and just how she's kind of come to be who she is and, you know, with accepting her power and learning and everything like that. So I, I really like the, the aspect of, of them. And it's, it's always cool seeing them side by side because they, they don't have a lot of shared moments. You know, it's, it's not like Diana's like, like, Oh, let me take you under my wing and guide you because Yara Flora kind of had to learn on her own and kind of, you know, come into being her own character. So I, that kind of makes not no offense to like Cassie or, or Donna or anything like that, but it kind of makes me respect Yara in that way where she's had to deal with all this on her own. So I, I think there's some cool things there. So we, we get all that. Then it, it, it kind of cuts to she's inside the, the cave of Everwyn. She's like in this trance and then she starts having like visions or whatever. Cause then, you know, she sees Donna Troy and she's talking about that. And then for a couple pages, I, I really love this. We get some Todd knock art and then Cassie Sandsmark's there. So it, it's, it's just that young justice vibe. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Just, just seeing, you know, Todd's art and just, you know, Todd, the way he, he, he the detail with, with, I mean, there's almost kind of, Kind of like uh, he was channeling a, a John Byrne Wonder Woman, you know, with like just the two stars on, on the pants because, you know, that was that that era. That's when uh, when Cassie Sandsmark first came because wasn't she created by John Byrne? I could be totally wrong. I think so. So I, I love the fact that Todd took that design where instead of drawing a bunch of stars on her her shorts or bottoms or whatever you want to call them, there's just two big stars. Which I would totally, I would, I think that's brilliant from like an artistic standpoint. It's like, heck no, I do not want to draw like, you know, 22 stars. I'll just draw two instead. So that, that was really cool, cool to see that. And then, you know, then it goes into some other stuff and, and she has some interactions with other people and kind of like you see her influence on them, which is really cool and all that. And, um, Batman and Superman will say that, you know, the, the, the Trinity aspect of it. So there's some cool parts with that. And then if all that wasn't enough, you know, that we get, uh, like at the end, it, it's kind of jumps forward a little bit and, you know, cause the story ends sort of the, the final bit of it last few pages is, uh, the Tom King story. So this is where we meet, uh, Trinity as, as her code name is where we meet Wonder Woman's daughter. And I'll be honest, uh, the, the idea of Wonder Woman's daughter, I mean, I, I guess I'm not against the idea of Wonder Woman's daughter, of Wonder Woman having a daughter. I mean, why not? You know, it, it, it seems like she should. Um, I guess the big question, I, I guess Themyscirians can have children, obviously. Well, because, I mean, Wonder Woman has a brother. Because, you know, Diana, was she natural or she made from clay? You know, what, what what's the deal with her, with the, the storytelling? So you don't really often think about Themyscirans having children because it's an island full of women. There's no dudes there. And so the idea of one woman having a kid, I mean, part of me, I would be like, if she wants to have a kid, why not? Why shouldn't she have a child? Why shouldn't she know the joys of motherhood if that's what she wants? I'm not saying she has to. You know, there, there's a lot of ideas, you know, it's like, oh, a woman has to have children. And, you know, like I remember when... when you know, I, I first got married. That was like the, so many people were like, "When are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have kids? When are you have kids?" You know, because we didn't have kids right away, and you know, at the, the time, we it wasn't it wasn't right. You know, it wasn't when it was you know whatever. 
the idea of Wonder Woman having a kid, I think if that's, if whatever, wherever she's at, whenever this is going to happen, if, if so, that's great. That's awesome. Let her have a kid. Let her have the joy of, you know, someone to care for and all that. Not that she doesn't care for Donna or Cassie or anyone. So I'm okay with the idea. The big question is who would be the father? You know, would it be Steve Trevor? Steve seems to be the love of her life and everything. But it also got me thinking as I was reading this. I was like, remember when just fairly recently and by fairly recently, probably like last seven years or whatever. Remember when Wonder Woman and Superman were a couple? And it was like so weird because it's like, well, what does this mean for poor Lois and and, and Steve? And because, you know, you think about Superman and Wonder Woman, it's like, it's like yeah, you know, they're, they're like perfect match because they're both super powered and all this and... Uh, so part of me would be like, like, oh yeah, okay, why not? You know, the idea of Wonder Woman and Superman having a child—that would be crazy. That would be, I mean, by crazy, I mean crazy cool. Or, or speaking of Trinity, and because whatever, I, I, I feel even bad for even entertaining these thoughts. I, I feel like it's an insult to to Wonder Woman. It was like, what about Wonder Woman and Batman having a kid? <laughs> because, and the only reason I bring that up, there was an issue of. What was the comic? It wasn't Brave and the Bold. Maybe it was a Brave and the Bold comic. I remember getting this comic series for my daughter, and there was an issue. I, I know I've mentioned this before. There was an issue where Wonder Woman and Batman got married, and there was hints of that in a Justice League cartoon. So they got married, and then my my daughter, being young when she read this comic, so she, in her head she was like, "They should be married." You know, they, they and you know, like later they you know they weren't. She's like kind of like, "Why aren't they married?" Because she read that in a comic. So, but whatever. And uh, spoiler, we don't necessarily find out who the father is. Is there a hint of it? Um, I, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued with this. The only problem is this is going like to be a future story. Do a, a comic series set in the future. That I have no problem with that. Just do not do some sort of time rip, bubble, whatever, warp, where all of a sudden she's back in time or... She gets aged like Jonathan got aged. Well, we'll have to see. So I'm I'm curious what what this means. If you're gonna do Wonder Woman stories, do Wonder Woman stories and do like backup stories set in the future. You know why not? You got nothing to lose, and you know you don't have to. It's it's not like the sitcoms where you it's not, you know characters have a baby and then you have to age them. I just think that's so stupid when 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 they do that. Okay, now here. Um, it turned. I I thought I was doing pretty well. I thought I actually read everything that I I normally read. It turns out I didn't. Uh, normally, so the way I do it, I usually read DC Comics first, and then sometimes I'll I'll uh, jump into like Image Comics and then Marvel Comics, you know, back and forth, whatever. I usually end with with Marvel, but it it turns out I kind of jumped around a little bit and I didn't read all DC first because like the vigil number two, I meant to read that, but I, I, was, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and read that. I didn't read issue two. I'm trying to remember how the first issue, what the first issue was. I remember, I think there was like a bit of a twist at the end. So I'm, I'm not super crazy about the idea of reading another series, but I, I, I feel like there was a hook, even though I can't remember it. I'm sure once I read it, I'll remember, but I think there was like some things like, okay, well, there's that. Um, Superman issue five. This is uh, dealing with uh, Silver Banshee. And um, in case you're unaware, it should be out there now. Silver Banshee and Jimmy Olsen are dating. 
<laughs> poor Jimmy, like, what the heck are you doing? Always getting into trouble somehow. And basically, she's kind of getting manipulated by these enemies of Lex Luthor. And they, like, they've been, they amped up Parasite and they amped up uh, Silver Banshee. And they're kind of forcing her, like, you know, you're going to do this or we're going to kill those, you know, your loved ones type of thing. So Superman has to fight her. And Jimmy's like, no, don't do that. So I also Cyborg 2 came out. I was going to read that. I didn't read that. I don't read Black Adam issue 12. I think if that's the last issue, I'm kind of curious to see like where it's going to end. Um, I also didn't read Batgirls 19, which I, I do like that one. So I meant to read Cyborg and, and Batgirls. But I did read Super, Super Batman Superman World's Finest 16 because Dan Moore's art is just amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, and uh, Mark Way's writing is really cool. So I, that World's Finest is, is really fun. I don't know if this is the last, if, if things are, if the series is going to end. Because if Dan Mora is doing Shazam now with Mark Wade, I, mean, I feel like he's, I, I don't understand. I don't know how long ago he did these books. But, you know, for a while, because he's, he's been on like several things. And <laughs> if he's like, if he's a powerhouse like that, that's awesome. But his, I just, I really dig his style. So, um, but if um, he is going to be doing Shazam instead and not doing World's Finest, that's going to suck. Because I just, I, I, I really like the, the, so the idea with the World's Finest, it kind of feels like, you know, it's set a little in the past. And, there's just, just that style is just just really something. If they got someone else to draw it, I mean, if Mark Wade is still writing, you know that 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 could be good because you know keep keep that vibe going. But if all of a sudden they're like, okay, let's get a new writer artist team, then it's it's kind of gonna be like, okay, well, what's the point of this? Because then it, it that's what how I feel like with with Superman Batman or Batman Superman whatever when those series came out. Because after a while, it just felt like. This is just another Batman Superman book just to, you know, try to sell money. And a lot of the stories weren't that great. They didn't really feel necessary. Versus in the beginning, you know, like Jeff Loeb, Michael Turner, you know, all, all, all those, like the, the first, you know, two years of that book, at least, maybe three years even, you know, they, they felt like they were big, important stories that mattered to the whole continuity. And by matter, I meant, you know, there was an impact, you know, in that, that series. That's when we've had Supergirl you know, come into the main con the current continuity at the time. So I, I just would hate this series to turn into just mediocre Batman, Superman. And, and I don't mean that as an insult to whoever next, I don't, maybe there it's already been announced. Cause like I said, I don't read solicit, so I, I should, but I just don't, I, I spoiled so much that I don't want to spoil everything. But anyways, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I'm, I'm a little concerned if there's a, uh, what what the future of that whole I would almost rather it end if if they're not going to be on it but if Mark Wade is on it I already said that all right then at Marvel let's just keep going we have the Avengers issue 2 so we have this new version new new not new new version new team of Avengers and it's interesting at first you know when the first issue we saw that Steve Rogers is going to be on Avengers I'm just like oh man Cause I, I I love Steve Rogers. He's he's probably my top. I mean, I love Spidey. I I think I would have to say Spidey is my favorite Marvel character. I mean, uh, well, there's Moon Knight, of course. Moon Knight Moon Knight is a whole different 
aspect. You know, Moon Knight's totally different. I, I, I feel like Moon Knight just kind of stands on his own. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, if I'm going to say top, Moon Knight doesn't play well with others. So, you know, when I'm thinking about, like, like who should be, like, an Avengers or who do I want in this big, massive crossover story arc, I don't want Moon Knight in those because he doesn't play well. You know, he works better on his own. So, I, you know, I, I do love Spidey. So, yeah, Moon Knight is my favorite Marvel character. Second, it's got to be Spidey. But Captain, there's, it's, it's close with Captain America. There's something about Captain America per, uh, provided he's written well. You know, there's been some that's like, eh. So, it's weird to, to have an Avengers series without Captain America. But that being said, it's also cool because now we get Carol Danvers kind of in the lead. Uh, you know, so she's leading the team. And, you know, we do have Sam Wilson, Captain America. So we do still have a Captain America. So that that's fine. And I just think it's it's really cool to have Carol leading the book, even though Thor is on there. Thor doesn't want to be a leader. You know, even though he was the king of Asgard or whatever, he doesn't care to, to lead a team. He's just like, just tell me, you know, what to hit or whatever. We have Iron Man, which is, it's you know, kind of good that he's like, yeah, go ahead, you know, take the reins type of thing. And even like Black Panther, you know, because he's dealing with some stuff. I'm really intrigued with vision of scarlet witch being on a team you know how we get to see so some more dynamics there but unfortunately they kind of got their hands full with some king to conquer mumbo jumbo stuff happening you know he is a not he's not in good shape i don't even know if he's gonna survive but he basically has them running around you know he gives them some information type of thing and uh so, so they kind of have their hands full and it's so it's some interesting things definitely uh captain britain issue five came out um i'm just i'm not not reading that uh bloodline daughter blade issue five so this is the last issue this was a this was a a, a decent series i i guess you know i i can't say i absolutely 100 percent loved it i'm still curious about the other daughter blade that we were supposed to get i think it was like 2016 or 15 when they announced it and then it just never happened um but this was this was an interesting and i i'm okay with this character and i wouldn't mind seeing her again you know if blade's gonna have a daughter that that's fine but as i'm reading this you know blade is you know takes a plays a role in this story now because you know he, he comes to town type of thing but i'm, I'm thinking it's like wasn't Blade supposed to be like the sheriff of Vampire Town in Russia or whatever, where Count Dracula is like leading, ruling this little vampire nation? But I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, yeah, so we have this issue. So it's 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 um. There's some definitely some interesting stuff here. Uh, Cult of Carnage, Misery. Nope, <laughs> didn't, didn't read that. Uh, Edge of Spider Verse, Spider Smasher. I'm like, okay, who the heck is Spider Smasher? Um, and why should I care? You know, is this just another random spider character who, uh, you know, whatever? It's it's like, I, I don't care about these other random characters. I could be wrong, but I think Spider Smasher, I could be totally wrong. Because I didn't read it. I refused to read it. You know, I did kind of flip through the pages. I don't know if this Spider Smasher is Miles' sister. Why Miles has a sister? I, I'm waiting for some like payout. Like, what was the point of that? You know, is that really 
adding to his character growth, whatever. But the reason, only reason I read this, because I haven't read the first couple issues, is we have a Spider-Boy story. So Spider-Boy, this dance lot and Humberto Ramos's baby, there's creation. And in, uh, which I, I'm also wondering, like, why we still have this Edge of Spider-Verse book when that Spider-whatever-verse story is over? So in that, when certain characters were brought back from the dead or from limbo or dissolved or whatever, we had this character spider boy appear and it's like, who the heck is this? You know, cause he, he claims, he says that he was Spider-Man's sidekick and he's in the right, you know, he knows who miles is. He knows Spider-Man's Peter Parker. He has some sort of, he doesn't have webs, but he, he's strong. He has abilities and everything, but no one knows who he is. So somehow what the, the deal is, he was supposedly, this is kind of like Century, you know, when, when Century was introduced. This is a character that's been around, but when he disappeared, like his existence was just kind of erased. So no one has any recollection of him. So even though he was supposed to be Spider-Man's sidekick, Spider-Man has no idea who he is. And there hasn't even really been any interaction between, between them. So we, we get a little more here. We, we do find out like you know, big question is who the heck is Spider Boy? You know, what is he? We see what he looks like under the mask. So we, we find it because I I think in the uh, in in Dan Slott's Spider Man when we you know he's made some appearances, I think it was Dan Slott's. Uh, you know, we we heard we we found out what his name was, his first name. So we we get more information here. My only thing is, it just seems weird. I don't know if Spider Man would have a sidekick. You know, would would he? Even though the kid has powers, it just seems... Because, like, when would he have time to mentor someone? And would he put someone at risk even if they're capable? I don't know. So I'm, I'm curious where, where it's going to go. But it's also it's like, okay, why do we have Spider-Boy when we have Miles Morales? So even though Miles Morales isn't really a sidekick, but it just... I don't know. We'll see. Guardians of the Galaxy, issue three... I'm I'm on the fence with this this volume. I thought you know I was really curious when when this we got the the previews of this. I was like, oh, this this what what's going on here? Something's different. But all this Groot fall stuff, I don't know what the heck's going on there. And things are a little dark, dark which is fine. But yeah, so I'm I'm not super duper crazy about that. But I'm I'm gonna, obviously going to keep reading it to see what's happening. Uh, Ghost Rider Dan Ketch. I'm not reading that. You know, this is only the second issue. I thought, or maybe I was thinking the, the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. I'm not reading that. I, uh, for some reason, for some reason, I'm reading Hollow's Eve. Can't believe there is a, a, a series. She has a series, miniseries, whatever you want to call it. So Janine, uh, Ben Riley's girlfriend. So Janine has her own book. Ben Riley's in comic book limbo. He's literally in limbo. It's it's just so ridiculous. So Janine got these uh, magic evil, like plastic Halloween masks from Madeline Pryor somehow in Limbo, and when she puts these masks on, it gives her these abilities. So she puts on a werewolf mask. She has abilities of a werewolf. She puts on a vampire mask. She's like a vampire. She can fly and 
and uh, she puts on a witch mask. She can cast spells, and <laughs> so okay, yeah, that made us kind of neat. It's it's, it's kind of cheesy, but in a, a kind of clever way. That you know, just she's got these bag of plastic masks. But the, but the I think what I really don't like about that is or about the series is that you know she's having interactions with. I totally am blinking on uh, the the what's her name book. Um, uh, I feel like that's what her name was. So whatever the evil woman who was in charge of beyond, she's like, she's out to get, I, what I think what bothered me is, so when, when Janine had this interaction, you know, she's trying to rob a, a bank vault and something happens and the guard ends up getting werewolf powers from her mask. Cause I don't think she bit him wearing a mask or something like that. And then Janine immediately she's like, "Well, I want, I want to know who this this powered person is. You know, where does werewolf come from?" And and she wants to analyze him. She wants to, you know, basically arranges so she goes on scene and and, and kidnaps this dude. And it's like, well, what on what authority do you have to do this? Uh, which is just ridiculous. And then once she figures out Janine has these masks, whatever. So she's like, "Well, however you you got these masks, you know, you did that on beyond." property using whatever technology to go to limbo so that means those masks belong to me because it's our resource it's it's like no madeline Pryor gave them to her <laughs> it's just <laughs> hellcat issue four uh, i'm i'm not super crazy about this i i, I think part of it because i don't really get what's going on you know there's, a, there's a, a lot of stuff with hell which hence the name hellcat but it's weird that we have Sleepwalker in here and, you know, there's mystery of, like, who murdered who and why, what's with these, like, Sleepwalker badges and whatever they're called. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, I do like the, the flashbacks that we're seeing into Patsy's, like, teenage years. There's, you know, an interesting little little story arc going on there, which takes, like, a dark turn in this issue. I, I think it's just weird because I, I like... I think Patsy can be a cool character and I don't really like the dark angle aspect. You know, it, it does add a twist to her character, make, you know, maybe kind of make her, I don't think she needs to be made more interesting, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm used to like when, when Patsy was in the She-Hulk book where it was kind of fun and, and not maybe a little goofy and that and like here, it's just like, Oh my goodness. And you look at that cover. It's like, some dark things going on. And then the, the evil talking bunny, which um, maybe Damon, I don't remember. Uh, there's a new Incredible Hulk series, issue one. And um, I'm on the fence with this. And the, the Hulk is another character. You know, with with a spaceship Hulk, whatever, planet Hulk. And I can appreciate it, you know, for being something different. But... It's you know it's it's not really what I want from my my Hulk stories, and um, with this you know even like the Immortal Hulk, you know I I wasn't super crazy about that. I know a lot of people love that, and again I can appreciate the stories and just the dark direction and just it was you know something different. It's it just it wasn't what I wanted, and not that I want to go back to Professor Hulk and the pantheon and all that but th- those are just really fun stories for me and I, I i you know maybe maybe that's what it is that nostalgia part of me is like longing for that you know peter david writing and 
and uh you know Dale Keon and Gary Frank and all that. So here Hulk is back on Earth and it it's kind of has a dark angle to it, which is cool. They're really embracing the idea that Hulk is a monster and there's like a little like a uh, part of the back where you know Philip uh, Kennedy Johnson is talking about like the the cover of the first issue, like is he man or is he monster? And it's like no, he's a monster, and and you know they, they really talk about that. And uh, it's interesting. It's always you know the the dynamic between Bruce and the Hulk is is always fascinating. And Hulk is not going to be super crazy about what he was doing. It's interesting when when they they describe what happened, like in in the the like the recap part. They say that you know Hulk was being was like captured and, and tortured and being used basically, which is kind of true. But what I I'm not super crazy. There's a lot of stuff about like the green door, and there are other people trying to access that. I don't really know where these other people are coming from, and you know what what this means. So we'll we'll see. Um, I I'm 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 trying to be optimistic, but I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. Then there's Miles Morales Spider Man. Um, I'm not reading this, but. I decided, uh, may I'll check this issue out. And, uh, yeah, this is one where, uh, <laughs> spoiler, Miles Morales gets, like, impaled. And he's, like, he's about to die. So, uh, you may have seen the news. Like, well, maybe, you know, Iron Man's nearby. Maybe he can try to help. <laughs> um, so, I'm just, I guess I'll just spoil it because it's, it's out there. Where... To try to save the bleed, you know, nanobite, nanotech, whatever, and armor. So Miles gets a a spider armor outfit. It's just like, are you freaking serious? So is is this just like repeating everything that that Peter Parker has done? You know, like they they just recently we we had the whole clone saga, and and when it was first announced, I was like, oh, this is cool. I because I know a lot of people don't like it. I I dug the original clone saga, so it's Miles getting his own clone saga. That's cool. I'm I'm down to see what we're gonna do with it. It didn't really go where I cared for it to go, but it's like okay, so we have that. So we get that spider armor for Miles. We have it. Just it feels like we're getting a lot of repetition. It, it, I mean, I don't know. Are, so are we just like recycling Peter Parker Spider-Man stories and just giving it a Miles Morales twist to it? Maybe not, but I don't know. Um, New Mutants, Lethal Legion. I'm I'm not reading this, uh, even though Gabby, uh, I I love hun, Honey. What's her name? Honey Bear? No, not Honey. Honey. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, I'm not reading that. Um, Scarlet Witch. When I start reading this, I'm like, wait, there's another artist already? And I was like, what issue number is this? And then I was like, oh, this is an annual. So we, we have an annual. How, how do we have an annual? I mean, hasn't there only been like four issues? If, I don't even know. I can't keep track. So we have this, um, this issue. And uh, we have Agatha Harkness. Okay, cool. I guess. I'm, I'm not the biggest Agatha fan. But we get this is like younger Agatha that we have seen recently, and the thing with this younger Agatha and and even Agatha in general, I think part of my my hesitation with Agatha is what are her motives? You know, it, it's like you can never tell is she good or is she bad, and by or bad is she evil? 
that kind of comes into question here. And, you know, we, so, yeah. So now we have younger Agatha to, I guess, sort of mirror what's happening in MCU, maybe. I, I don't know. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I kind of flipped through Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Issue 35, that's crazy that it's at that high. As I, I've said many times, I don't care about this. What's his name now? Vance? Valance? I don't care. <laughs> but basically, uh, if you look at the cover, how are you going to get Tony to read this? Put put Boba Fett on the cover. So <laughs> even the cover is like, Boba Fett is back. It's not only is Boba Fett here. We have like pretty much every other bounty hunter. And they're like, our target, we're going to go after Boba Fett. Which is like, okay, you guys are a bunch of idiots. So we're going to have all that. And uh, one thing that really bothered me. So basically, spoiler it comes a point where all these several bounty hunters, including Bosk, Dengar, um, who else was there? But I mean, there's just like a bunch of bounty hunters. They're all fighting Boba Fett. And at one point, he gets knocked from behind and his helmet goes flying off. Is, is it that easy? And, you know, I've, I've wondered about this on the show. Is it just a matter Because if, if you can just like whoop, take it off, if there's like no chin strap or anything like that, then... If there's a sudden noise to your right and you look in there, isn't it going to be like all wobbly and loose? So the the fact that like we've for the longest time we never knew what Boa Fett looked like under the mask, and then here there there's his face. Because at first I was like, wait, is it really Boa Fett? Then I was like, okay, I guess that's supposed to be, you know, Boa Fett. Uh, Don't take his helmet off. then there's a which is weird there's star wars the mandalorian so i haven't been reading the mandalorian comic because they've just been doing the, the the tv show episodes which is like i don't need to read that because i watched the show but it's weird because this is an issue number one it's like how could this be issue number one and and they're ready to the, the marshall cobb vanth was that that early i don't know so if you're reading that great um, I'm going to jump to X-Force. So X-Force 41. This is continuing the story with old man Kid Omega. Where uh, it's, it's dealing more with like beast stuff, his evil plans. And he's really thinking far out. Like he, he's basically burying copies of himself. Like in play, It's a kind of smart in a way. Like places that won't, won't get disturbed. Uh, like underneath like, you know, major landmarks and stuff like that. So... You know, Kid, uh, Kid, Kid Omega is, um, he's, he's taking the team, the X-Force teams to like the, the future and, uh, um, but yeah, things are just, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. So I, and there, the, the, what I really like about this is Colossus and Domino have a conversation and, you know, the, the question comes up like, like Peter, Pior, Pior, whatever he's, how you say his name. He's wondering, like, is this really Beast? You know, and she's like, what are you saying? Or it could be like Dark Beast or, you know, something like that. Because he he doesn't like the idea that their friend could be like this evil. Because, you know, he wants to think of Beast, you know, the, the good times type of thing. And that's a, my, my big thing is I think it's so bizarre that he's so incredibly evil. And, you know, he's trying to do the right, what he believes is the right thing for the good of, of mutant kind. But... I just think it's it's so extreme, which is just just kind of crazy. So we'll we'll see. I, I have no idea where this beast story. I, I feel like there's no coming back from this. 
So unless they they reveal it's something like that, I, I just I don't I don't get it. And then there is a uh, ultimate invasion. So we have Jonathan Hickman, Brian Hitch, they're back. Um, gorgeous colors by Alex Sinclair. I d- haven't read a whole lot about like the 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 news when this was first announced. I believe there we're gonna get a bunch of like ultimate books and I really don't know how I feel about that because you know part of me is it's, it's like why ultimate universe it was great you know it, it but it kind of ran its course you know after a while there wasn't a whole lot that it had to offer because you know they were just recycling stories you know adding different twists like a modern twist or whatever it just you know the, the only thing that was really good from it was Miles Morales and so when they decided to merge the worlds, like Miles Morales is pretty much the only one that came over, except for uh, the maker, the evil Reed Richards, which is weird. And uh, if you look at the cover, that's where this is going. I wasn't really sure what, what this meant um, because I didn't read the, the full, um, whatever, the, the news announcement. I don't know why I can't... <laughs> Think of that, how to word that. So, yeah, I wasn't sure where this is going. So it turns out, you know, it's it's in the 616 universe. And basically, Evil Reed, he, like, wants to go back. But it's like, wait, it doesn't exist. So how can he? And that's where we're going to go from here. And um, so my big thing is, if we are going to revisit the Ultimate Universe, and if this is, I don't know, I, I feel like, I thought, or I'm thinking that this is spinning off into other ultimate books, you know, whether they're miniseries or not. I think part of me is like, I don't need more books to read. And I know it could be like, well, then don't read them, Tony. But I feel like I have to read them to to discuss them. But it's also like, do we really need more? And uh, I mean, unless they're going to be like quality, like, you know, they were in the beginning, I don't need to read Avengers and Ultimate Avengers. I don't need to read Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man. I don't need to read Captain America Ultimate. It's like, you know, we're, we're just doubling up reading different versions of the same character with this, like a slight twist. It's it's one thing if you're going to do like Ultimate Avengers or, you know, the Ultimates, whatever, and you can bring in other characters and, you know, do stuff like that. But if all of a sudden we're... Because, you know... Even like Ultimate Fantastic Four, that just seemed like it got weird. And and Ultimate X Men was it was okay. I mean, it was it was good in the beginning, but that just kind of went down. And then when the, like Cable was Wolverine, <laughs> I was like, what? I then I was confused. It, it's it's an interesting first first book. One minor thing that bothers me is like, oh, the wait, the Baxter Building's there. So is this taking place before Fantastic Four or after current Fantastic Four? Because Baxter Building is kind of not there for now. So I don't, I don't know. So it, it was, um, it's, it's a, it's a good start, I guess for, for all my hesitation or reluctance, whatever it, it was, it was a, a good book, but I just really don't know where this is going to go. But where I do know that this, and by this, I mean this, this episode, this is going to go into TV talk because that is it for comics this week. All right. And now, Silo, Season 1, Episode 8, Hannah. And um, as far as book update, 
I have haven't I haven't listened to a book all week. Um, part of it is because I'm not you know driving to, to school anymore. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm hesitant. But one thing that happens here is one thing that was mentioned in the book. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll mention. I don't think I mentioned that before. Jumping into it, Juliet. Uh, we, we we see a flashback. It's Juliet and her mom. They're walking through like a cornfield level, which is pretty big, but. Uh, it makes me wonder, you know, how big is the silo? Because we know there's like the staircase in the middle, but it's got to go out. And it's it's not just like, you know, what is basically what's the diameter of the silos is what I'm curious about. So we see this pretty, pretty big cornfield. They're walking through and they meet some dude and he's not happy that Hannah, um, Juliet's mom, isn't alone. And she's like, oh, my daughter can keep secret. So she gives him a, a bottle of pills or aspirin or something like that because, you know, she's like, unless, you know, you don't want these type of thing. He, he gives her this like metal case, this metal box. And he's like, well, you're going to say you found it if you get caught. And she's like, no one's getting caught. And he's like, don't be too sure. He's like, the silo always wins. So they're they're walking up the stairs and Juliet offers to carry the box. And she opens it. She's like, you got me a rabbit? And mom's like, it's not for you. And then Juliet's like, we're not going to eat it, are we? And mom's like, chuckles. She's like, no. And she's like, well, it's barely moving. And she's like, I think it's sick. And her mom's like, that's the point, Bean. She called her Bean. So in the present, there's the soldiers are, are shining lights in the nursery because you know they're looking for Juliet. And one says the others are like, we're not looking for a baby. So Juliet was actually in the nursery. She was like hiding behind a desk. Nurse tries getting Gloria to sleep. Sims comes in and the nurse like leaves him there. And he sees that the vents open. He's like, you weren't very co- cooperative with my agent. And he takes like the blanket off the mirror. He's like, I hope you'll be more cooperative with me, Gloria. And she's like, you're the security man. She's like, your wife had a miscarriage. And he's like, oh, your memory is sharp. That bodes well for us. She's like, you two are about to give up on a family, but you still had time on your lottery. I gave you some, he's like, folic acid. And she's like, one drop in your tea every night. Did it work? He's like, our boy turns six next month. And then he's like, I need your help. If you cooperate to help me, I'll personally guarantee that you're never kept from your dreams again. And she's like, if I don't help you, you're going to send an old woman out to clean? He's like, no. He's like, I'll leave her in this room unmedicated to spend the rest of her days staring at these walls. And she's like, why should I trust you? He's like, because thanks to you, I have my son. He's like, I take no pleasure in putting you in this position. But the situation is of grave importance to the silo. Juliet Nichols paid you a visit, took something out of that vent. I need to know what that was. And so she's like, a bag. And he's like, did Sheriff um, Holston hide the bag in there? And she's like, yes. Then he's like, what was inside the bag? Then it cuts to the hallway. Nurse is uh, out there with some soldiers. Sims comes out and he nods to the nurse. And she like picks up a tray and goes inside. He's like, give her the good stuff. Every dose, every day. Anyone tries to pull her out, they go through me. And then she's like, or he says, he, you know, he's like, and he's like, thank you, Miss Hildebrandt, for everything. So he turns to leave. And then she's like, do you really think you'll win? And he's like, we have to. She gets injected with the stuff. Then this dude tells Sims outside that, you know, they had her, they had Juliet on the camera going down. Then they lost her. Uh, Sims says that when he finds her, secure her, that she has a red level relic with her. He's like, tell your team, nobody touches it. But in the nursery, um, she plugs in the the hard drive into the computer, which could be crazy. And it, but it says this terminal is not authorized to run a sysdoc or something drive. 
So then there's a flashback of her mom with like several lenses line, lined up on these like kind of movable arms so she can like line them up. Julia's holding the rabbit and asks what's going to happen. Mom says she thinks that there's a small hole in its heart and she's Julia's like, like Jacob has. I don't know if she said has or had. And she's like, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm going to find it and sew it up. And she's like, how are you going to see it? And her mom's like, with this. So she takes a rabbit and must be like knocked out or something like that. She cuts into it. And then she's like, do you want to see its heart? So she looks, she's like, how? And she looks through and she explains that the magnifier is like the first one in the silo, makes things look big. And she's like, if this works, then we can use it to help other people. So Juliet's sleeping on the floor. Billings tries calling on a radio and wakes her up. So she's still in like the nursery. And then he tells her that she needs to come to the office. So she walks in, finds several guys uh, looking through desks and file cabinets. So it's like judicial security. They're making a mess. And she's like, she yells. She's like, what the fudge is going on here? And the main dude's like, you need to wait here until we finish. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, this is our office. So she asks Billings, she's like, how can he do this? And Billings says, Meadows ordered a search for unregistered relics. And she's like, sounds like a load of rat poop to me. So he's like, the real question is, you know, why did she do it? And she's like, why are you looking at me? And she's like, Sims took the last relic. She's like, I don't think anything has come in since. And he's like, uh-huh. He's like, what happened at your little visit, you know, with her yesterday? She's like, nothing. I brought her bacon and eggs, like you said. You know, she's sick as a dog. So Juliet, she's, she's a, she lies. I mean, she, she's trying to cover things up and he, he doesn't need to know the truth. But it's, it's funny how, how she's so quick to lie. This dude drops like a paper basket on the floor and Billings yells at him, be careful. He's like, you realize this is a blatant violation of the pact, right? He's like, law enforcement premises cannot be searched without extreme probable cause. He's like, do you hear what I'm saying? And there's a flashback to soldiers searching through Juliet's apartment when she was a kid. Um, she's like hiding in the back room. Um, and this a chair gets knocked over. So I think that might be where the chair that Juliet fixes got broke. They're like just ripping things off shelves. You know, they don't care, knocking things on the floor. And this dude's like, you know, he says to one of his underlings, like, make sure you chuck under the flooring. So Hannah talks to her husband, you know, in the, in the back room. She's like, you know, she says how, you know, lost she felt. And, you know, this is the one thing that she could do. She's like, imagine if they'd had something like this for Jacob. So it must be after Jacob died. And she's like, oh, you know, all I want is stop other families from going through the same thing. And he's like, you don't think I felt lost too? But that doesn't mean you can start making unsanctioned devices. And she's like, that device could help fix heart defects. You know, it could save lives. Why is the magnifier even illegal in the first place? He's like, I don't know, but there are rules. And she's like, oh, you're, you know, you're good at following rules. I'll give you that. He's like, what's that supposed to mean? And she's like, no one else knew what I was doing besides you and Jules. He's like, what? You think I told judicial? And she's like, well, I'm sure there's something in a pact about reports, you know, to your family. And he's like, how can you even suggest that? She's like, how else could they have known? He's like, because there are fudging whispers everywhere. You haven't exactly been subtle. Glass and metal deliveries to our door, taking our daughter to the farm after hours. He's like, just please give them what they want before they tear down our entire home. And she's like, I hope whatever you're getting out of this is worth it. So she goes out and tells him to stop. She's like, I'll give it to you. And she takes a few things and, you know, like sets them on a table. And the dude's like, what's all this? She starts putting them together. And then when she finishes it, he like looks at it. You know, the, the, the microscope, basically what it is. Snaps his fingers, his guy, gives him a tool. He smashes the whole thing. And he's like, now the animal. He's like, tell, tell us where it is and we'll drop the charges against the farmer. And Hannah's like, it died. We ate the meat, compost, composted the rest. 
So dude looks at Juliet's dad and he like nods. So dude's like, the judicial department thanks you for your time and your cooperation. And then they leave, leave the mess there. And then dad's like, Pete, he's like, I swear to you, I didn't. And mom just walks in the other room. Juliet starts to clean and he's like, it's okay. He's like, I got it. But then in a room, Juliet like pulls out the box and the rabbit's still in there and she's like holding it. So they lied about the rabbit. In the present, dude goes up to Juliet, says that he wants to check her bag. And she's like, that's not going to happen. He says to the other, he's like, a little help here? Because I guess, you know, he can't handle it on his own. She can't believe him. She dumps her bag in a desk. She's like, there, you happy, a-hole? And there's just like a thermos, like a food tin, a couple other things. He like shakes her bag and he's just empty. He just looks at her and he like tells him and he's like, let's go. And then she says to Billings, he's like, and you used to work with these people? He's like, I was in administration, not one of these overcompensating fudgewads. So she looks at him. And he's like, what? I cuss. She's like, scoffs at him. He says it doesn't feel like a regular toss and turn. This feels, she's like, this is personal. Meadows isn't responsible. She didn't order this. And he's like, she signed a warrant. Julia's like, when I was there, something didn't feel right. I don't think she's the one calling the shots. He's like, then who is? And she's like, Sims. Billings like, Robert? He enforces a pact. He's not some power hungry. She's like, no, he wanted to get rid of me since I arrived. This here, this is just a warm up. He's not going to stop until I'm either in that cell or over the fudging rail. He's like, you said this was an illegal search and seizure, right? And he's like, they skipped about 10 steps. You know, there should have been an initial notice or request for evidence. She's like, you're coming with me to judicial. He's like, to do what? So Sims like holding up a clock radio or some, some device to this dude. He's like, does this look like a hard drive to you? He's like, what about this? Does this look like it plugs into computer? No, sir. He's like, did the warrant say to bring back useless fudging office supplies? He's like, that's all we found in her office. Then you didn't look hard enough. He like tosses like a stapler or something. He's like, new plan. He's like, I want you to find every porter who worked between level one and 50. Find out if she handed off anything or talked to anyone. He's like, that's what. Reception comes in. She's like, I tried to stop her, sir. So Juliet Billings barge in. He's like, Miss Nichols, you can't just barge into my. She's like, Robert Sims, you're under arrest. And he's like, wait, is this about your office? I told Meadows you'd be pissed. She's like, fudge Meadows. You're under arrest for breaking packed investigation protocol. And he's like, what, are we making up crimes now? And she's like, deputy buildings. He's like, section 14, subsection 3, paragraph 12B. And then, then Julia's like, and illegal search and seizure. And then Billings like, section 23, subsection 19, paragraph 6. Sim says to, to Billings, he's like, all those pack bees you won while you were a kid finally paid off, huh, Paul? And he's like, seems that way. So Sim's like, Miss Nichols, I had nothing to do with that search order. She's like, your agents broke protocol, and I'm holding you responsible. You don't like it, you can take it up with medals. And to Paul, she's like, cuff him and take him upstairs. So Paul walks up to him, and Sim's like, you sure you want to do this? And Billings, Paul is like, wants got nothing to do with it, she's the boss. So Sims holds out his fist. He's like, for the moment. So it sounds like a threat. So she tells the dude, and she's like, take all this back upstairs and put it where you found it. The dude doesn't move. And she's like, hey, do you want to join your boss in jail? I've got more cuffs. Sims is like, you'll regret this. And she's like, I doubt that. And then she shuts the door behind the dude. She starts looking around through like Sims papers and drawers. There's a, a file cabinet that won't like open all the way, but she finds like some sort of like hidden button or like whatever lease. So then she finds folders marked Campbell Shirley, so that's her friend Shirley, Walker Martha, which is Walk, and then Nichols Hannah, her mom. So she opens her mom's, and there's like restricted access. So this was interesting. 
the birthday, when I was first looking at the birthday, it was 10-25-83. So I'm like, wait, was she born in 1983? But then it says she was married 6-22-108. And it's like person of interest 2-22-122 through 7-20-122. Um, stuff about relics and magnification device. It seems like they started like year one, year two, year three, when they started living in the silo. So the fact that if her mom was born in 83, that means 83 years into the silo, which is because at first I'm like, is this some sort of hint? Because my question, and I don't remember if, if I talked about this on a show or if I talked about it with a coworker is, you know, when, when is this taking place? Is this taking place like right now? Or is this taking place a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, you know, we don't know what is out outside. And I, I just find it really weird that all, you know, if, if this is supposed to be in the future, why are so many of the computers like old fashioned? So it kind of makes me feel like that these computers are from like the seventies or, or something like that. And I, I get that you're trying to, you know, keep it, you know, whatever, like not locked into a specific time period, but they have some modern stuff, but a lot of, so you get what I'm saying. But that wasn't a clue. She turns a page and she guesses. So we don't see at that moment. Jewel surprises her dad with another visit. And then she's like, why didn't you want mom to build a magnifier? And he sighs. He's like, I know you have very strong feelings. She's like, no, I want to know why she killed herself. I know I wasn't willing to listen to before. I am now. He shuts the door and he whispers. He's like, it wasn't about the magnifier. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, a couple times a year, I have to break the news to a young, happy couple that their newborn has died. It's my job, but it's not the hardest part. The hardest is running into them and seeing what it's done to them. Loss affects people differently sometimes. It shrinks your world. It draws you inward. He's like, and that's what it was for me, you know, after we lost your brother. I spent a lot more time in here than when I should have been there for you and your mother. I always regret that, and I'm sorry. But your mother... Grief turned her outward towards dangerous things. She so desperately wanted answers. She stopped caring about the lines she had to cross to get them. Julia's like, but she still wanted to help people. And he's like, help her, you know, protect her. That, that's all I cared about. Not the magnifier, not anything else. But it wasn't enough. I should have stopped them. Judicial, when they came to our home, I should have done something besides bowing to their will. When those agents crushed her machine, they crushed her spirit. And I tried to bring her back but she didn't want to listen to me so i gave up i failed her and that's why i left you in mechanical you're like your mom in so many ways when you went down there it wrecked me but i knew it was for the best even if it meant you'd hate me i knew that down there you could put your talent to fixing real things in, in front of you instead of chasing impossible dreams like your mother did and julia's like and yet here i am and he's like here you are so julia's like she blamed you you know she thought you had reported her i did too He's like, I know, I swear to you, I never, ever. She, and Julia's like, no, I know. Judicial were watching mom with sensors through the mirrors. I found her file. They had their own cameras and they listened, not just with porters and other people. They have devices. That's how they knew about the magnifier. That's how they know everything. And he's like, she never believed me. And Julia's like, I know, I do. And he's like, oh, Juliet. And they hug. And he's like, I still miss her so much. And she's like, I do too. Then this nurse comes in apologizing for interrupting, says maintenance is here. And dad's like, what for? And she, the nurse is like, something about checking the vents. 
she's like, he's very insistent. Juliet asks if uh, he sent for a work order. And her dad's like, no. He asks the nurse if she did. And she's like, no. Juliet's like, can you tell him to come back later? And to her dad, she's like, when we brought Gloria here, you said that you thought that there were no listeners. She's like, there are no cameras. Um, This maintenance guy, he's here to put one in right now. This is a dead spot for them. So she goes to baby cart thing and she pulls out the hard drive from under the blanket. He asks, like, what's that? And she's like, a hard drive. And he's like, what's on it? She's like, I don't know. I tried using your computer to find out, but I couldn't open it. Requires some authorization. She's like, I'm going to take it to walk. If anyone can get around it, she can. Like, you know, could you let her know I'll be coming? I should be able to get there by six. So he asks her to be safe. And then she gives him another hug. So on her way down the stairs, she sees like a line and there's a dude checking IDs. So she asks a you know dude in front of her, you know, like what's going on? He's like, I should be asking you that. He's mad about his job. He's like, if I'm late for my job, then I'm late for the next job and so forth. She just goes back up. Sims calls out from his cell to like a deputy named Jerry. Yes, you know, for a cup of coffee. There's a few other guys, you know, there are one not. So like, okay, why not? Then he asks if he could use his radio for a second. And the other guys like shake their head no. And Jerry says, he's like, well, I really think we should wait until someone gets back. So Billings is at his apartment, you know, and he's like, oh, I figured I missed what, what you know, her daughter again. Kath's like, yeah, I just put her down. And she's like, busy day. He's like, you have no idea. She's like, dinner's almost ready. Um, he grabs a, c- a couple plates. Then his hand kind of seizes up and he drops plates. She's like, the tremors have gotten worse since you've gone upstairs. He's like, I'm fine. She's like, the job is? He's like, it's not the job. He's like, I like the job. It's just she put me in a position today where I had to choose between her and Sims. And she's like, how's that even a choice? And he's like, it's it's complicated. She's like, people think that she's laying the groundwork for another rebellion. He's like, where'd you hear that? And she's like, everyone's on edge. You know, everything that's been happening, all these deaths in a week, it's not normal. And he's like, if you're worried about me, she's like, I am. Clearly, the stress is making you worse. He's like, I'll be fine. He's like, I promise you. So Walk reads a message from Pete. Runaway heading to you. Urgent ETA 6 p.m. Dr. Pete Nichols. She looks at the clock. It's 7.05. So Juliet's over an hour late. She slowly opens the door and calls out, asking if anyone's around. There's no one there. And she slowly takes a, a, like, like a step outside. Like barely outside she's like at the at the edge she breathes deep she closes her eyes she curses she's almost about to take a step so she's not actually out there but then shirley comes by and walk asks if she sees jules she's like should i have and walks like she was supposed to be here like an hour ago lucas is mapping out the lights in the cafeteria porter comes up to him with a note might have answers to w and more so w is what he the lights or whatever the, the pattern and she, it says talk now at 6.13. So he thinks back to him and Juliet looking at the map and screen. And she says, you know, she sees a W. So he folds a note and ties up his book. He knocks on her door. She asks if, if he was followed. And he's like, no, whatever. Well, she's like, in five minutes, judicial raiders are, you know, about to be here. And so she's got three to talk. She goes, turns on the faucet. And he's confused. She's like, they can hear us. And she takes out the hard drive. She's like, I need to get into it, but it requires some kind of authorization I don't have. He's like, what kind of auth? And she's like, sis something. So he's like, surprised. He's like, sysop? She's like, yeah, that's it. He's like, that's like reserved for the head of IT. So he's like, judicial security. And she's like, and the sheriff? He's like, yes. She's like, I tried it. It didn't work. He's like, that's because you need to take it up to your workplace computer. 
And she's like, no, I can't go there. Is there any way you can work around it? She's like, please. I think this holds the answers to a lot of questions. He's like, what kind of questions? She's like, like why Holston's wife went out to clean? What happened to George? Why John's and Marn's were killed? He's like, they were, I'm, I'm sorry, they were what? She's like, yeah, they were murdered. He's like, why? And who's George? She's like, he was a friend. He's like, oh, well, that explains a lot. She's like, no, I don't have time for this. To use me, clearly. She's like, yeah, you know what? Right, right now I'm using you because I have no other choice and you should want to help me. You're the one sitting in the cafeteria every single night wondering what's out there. What if the answers to your questions are on this drive? He's like, I don't think I should be trying to opening, you know, open something I'm not authorized to. She's like, but I am. He's like, yes, but the rules apply to everyone. She goes over to the mirror, pulls off the blanket, grabs a lamp and smashes the mirror and yanks out the camera. She's like, look at this, a sensor, a camera. This is how they look at us. This is how they control us. And she like shoves it at him. She's like, he's like, these are in our homes. She's like, these are everywhere. And if we don't figure out the truth, no one else will. So please help me. He's like, I, I, even if I could, my mom, she's like, your mom? He's like, yes, I'm the only one ta- you know, taking care of her right now. He's like, if something happens to me, she's like, time's up. You better leave you know, too for your mom's sake. So she takes off, he sets down the camera and goes out and she's already like jogging away. So he like looks he's, and he goes in the opposite direction. Then he almost gets trampled by like like five judicial security. Um, they're like knock upon him door. They're like, Juliet Nichols by judicial order. Open the door immediately. Lucas like turns, you know, he goes like around, around the, 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 the corner and he can like hear them pounding, at, you know, knocking the door down. Juliet goes down the stairs and this lady guard asked for ID and bag. And she's like, my bag was just checked upstairs. She's like, I'm in a hurry. And the lady's like, ID and bag, please. She's like, are you serious? Do you know who I am? And she's like, ma'am. She, and she points to her badge. She's like, this is my ID. Open your bag. And she's like, where's your supervisor? Are you fudging kidding me? Then Bernard walks down. He's like, wherever they are, they won't be pleased. And to the lady, he's like, this is your sheriff. And she's with me. And she's like, but he's like, now you're questioning the mayor too? So she just steps aside and into Juliet, he's like, you arrested Sims. And he's like, now there are checkpoints. What the fudge is going on, Sheriff? And Juliet's like, you are right. Okay, Judicial is planning a takeover, but Meadows is not the one behind it. It's Sims. He's like, it can't be. Robert's so by the book. you know. And he says that he knows a place that they can talk. Um, it's a bit of a walk. So during the cornfield, he says that they're about as alone as you can get in the silo. And he's like, walk me through it. She's like, you think Sims is secretly running judicial? And she's like, yeah, it's not the judge. And he's like, well, what does Sims want? She's like, I don't know. Control at a silo? Cover up a crime? I don't know whatever it is. He wants me gone. And he's like, after you, me. He's like, I never wanted this budging job. He's like, you know, what are they looking for? And she's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, since they searched your apartment, now there's checkpoints everywhere. He's like, what do you have that's so threatening? But it's like, how does he know that he checked her apartment? And she's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, the clock is running, Juliet. There isn't much time. If you have the hard drive, then fudge me. I said hard drive. And he's like, how would I know that it's a hard drive? And then you can see Sims walking out behind her. He's like, oops. So she goes to run the other way, but then she like runs right into Sims. And then she looks at Bernard. She's like, you, you're the one? He's like, I'm sorry, Sheriff Nichols. Did you say you wanted to go outside? And she looks at Sim. She's like, no, no, I didn't. And Bernard's like, I distinctly heard you say you wanted to go outside. Robert, did you hear that? Sure did. And she's like, no. And then 
Sims like, that's two sheriffs in as many weeks. What is it about being sheriff these days? He, she looks at Bernard. She's like, you're the one. Meadows isn't afraid of him. She's afraid of you. He's like, yeah, the founders knew someone would have to make the hard decisions to keep our silo alive. A person that possessed the knowledge, the intelligence, the information about everything that happens here. Lucky me. And she's like, why would you kill all those people? I don't understand. He's like, Miss Nichols, throughout our entire existence, problems have arisen that must be taken care of. The needs of the many require the sacrifices of the few. And she's like, for what? For a hard drive and some fudging heat tape? And he's like, this isn't about the heat tape. This is about survival. And that hard drive threatens the lives of everyone in the silo. And you are the greatest threat to our home in 140 years. And then like judicial security start walking you know, up, up through the cornfield. He's like, well, you were. So she starts running. She runs like, um, you know, off to the side. Sims and the other are like running parallel. Then she gets tackled by one of the, the guards. She gets on top of him, slams his head down. This other comes up from behind um, with like a baton to her throat. She elbows him and another one comes up and grabs her. She like, grabs and kicks him to the ground, you know, the, the guy as he's coming up to her. Then she's held by two on either side and they force her down flat. Then there's a, a flashback. We see young Juliet. Um, she's out of her mom's grave, maybe or like that. And she asks, her, like, where are her friends? You know, her sister, her aunt. And dad's like, you know why they're not? And she's like, they're cowards. And he's like, that's not. If she died of a heart attack, they'd all be here. I know it feels like more should be done. but And she's like, but nothing. They're cowards. So was she. And she picks up the rabbit box and she runs. And she goes to the cornfield. She sets you know, the rabbit out. And she tells it to leave. And she yells at it. She's like, leave. And it like hops away. Sims comes up to Juliet. She's on the ground. He stupidly is like, I told you you'd regret arresting me. Bernard walks up. And Sims opens Juliet's bags. And he like nods to Bernard. So I guess they got the hard drive. Shirley walks, talks to Walk. Um, they got information from Hank. Like all the sheriff stations got a message like minutes ago. Walk says, that doesn't make sense. She was on her way there. And she asked, you know, who were the witnesses? And sure, like the mayor and some judicial raiders. She's like, yeah, let's believe them. Like they never lied to us before. Shirley says, you know, Knox said that eventually they'd eventually punish them for the rebellion. She's like, I always thought that he was crazy. So what happens next? So I think they got word that Juliet wants to go out, supposedly. So Juliet tries talking to Paul as she's taking up and he's like, no, I'm done trying to make sense of you. And he's like, you want me to enforce a pact when it suits you and not when it doesn't? She's like, I never said I wanted to go out. And Sim's like, I heard it, as did the mayor and my agents. And she's like, no. He's like, more than enough evidence, I think, Sheriff Billings. And he's like, I'm not sheriff until we finish. He, and she's like, no, they're just trying to set me up. And Sim's like, shut up. And she's like, you're lying. And Billings like, hey, if you believe you're misheard, you have the right to request a hearing. And she's like, do I? Do I? With who? With judicial? He is fudging judicial. And then Sims punches her in the gut and she goes down. Billings is like shocked. And Sims like, I said, shut up. Billings says, he's like, that was uncalled for Robert. He's like, I warned her. Make sure you mention that in your report. Then he sees this old man and a kid watching them. He's like, what are you looking at? And they go into her apartment. They continue up. And then Billings' arm starts like shaking and he like curses. Juliet notices. She like shoves him and she shoves Sims as she like runs past him. And then she goes to the railing. She friggin' jumps over the railing. And that's the end of the episode. Because they're like, ah! and she's, she, she just killed herself. Or did she? So now here's the thing. 
I, you know, I got I got this whole episode, the, the, the podcast to record, but it's like the next episode is out. I could be watching it, but I have to record this. So I blame you, <laughs> but thank you for listening. Um, so I, there's, see, there's something that happens. I won't mention what happened in the book because it, it, it might be a spoiler and I won't say anything else, but well, we'll wait on there. But I haven't, re- yeah, so I haven't listened to the book in a while because I don't want any more. When I got to this one part, I think I may have, I don't think I mentioned the spoiler or what it, what it, I alluded to it. But when I got that, I'm like, holy crap. Because, you know, they, they mentioned this, and then it, it jumps back. So maybe this is something coming, unless they're going to change it. But we'll see. So that was, uh, that was episode eight. With the crowded room, so we're going to... Uh, I'm going to talk about episodes three and four this week. And then be sort of almost caught up. Episode five came out Friday. So we'll be like uh, half, half a week behind. So... Um, and something occurred to me, I started thinking about this, and, and this is the problem with now that I, I'm not at work, so I don't have like anyone to talk about this, and you know, people I talk to, whatever, like, no, I basically, I, have, I don't know anyone that's watching this show that I could talk to in person about something, because I started thinking about something, and, and some ideas, it's like, maybe we'll, we'll get to it by the end of the fourth episode things start becoming really clear. But at, at first I'm like, could it be like, no. Cause I, I feel like, you know, we're always looking like, Oh, there's gotta be some big twist. What's going to be the big twist. And, you know, anyways, season one, episode three murder. So Raya, I think her name's, I think they say Raya. So Amanda Seyfried's character, she's talking to some dude at home. It must be her boyfriend or husband or whatever about going to the old boarding house that Danny lived in. And the guy's concerned and asks if anyone let her in and she's like well the door was unlocked that makes a difference he's like no but that's breaking entering and she's like oops so she shows uh, the sketchbook that she found in the fireplace and she turns a a page she's like do you recognize her and it's the he's the guy's like this that's the girl from the rockefeller center this right here so one of the things that I, i don't know if i mentioned this last week but i was starting to think what if Ariana is not real. What if she is like, uh, like a, a figment of Danny's imagination, like a coping mechanism? Because one of the things that that Raya keeps saying is like, oh, it's kind of convenient that they were really there. So I'm I'm starting to think it's like, well, what if none of this is real? You know, she said that she went to the old boarding house. So you know, later I'm starting to think it's like, well, what if what if um, what's his name uh, wasn't isn't real too? What if like no one moved in because when Danny goes up to after the, the party, when he first sees Annabelle and his stepdad's waiting in the car, he's like, oh, someone's moving into the ghost house. And his dad, then his dad's like, who are you looking at? So I was like, what if he, no, 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 no one was real. And maybe he's just living in this abandoned house. But it's like, that doesn't make sense because people are there. Cause then, but then I was thinking, it's like that, that would be like a really cool twist. But that part where Danny was fighting or when, um, Billy or whatever his name was, Brian King came up to him. Then the you know the the dude scared them away. So, anyways, so right here is, is like if he's like, oh, that's the 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 girl, whatever. And so that that kind of you know kind of ruins my my theory. Although he does say if the description is accurate, that's a girl from the Rockefeller Center. 
So then he's like, wait a minute. And he flips the page. It's like, you know, do you think these are all victims? And then it cuts to the intro. So Danny's sitting with Ariana in a restaurant after she came to her room. So last, the last episode, she said that, you know, she's like in tears. She's like, I need help. And so he's having a Coke. She's like, he's like, you sure you don't want one? She's like, you realize it's eight in the morning, whatever. And then he's like, well, we don't need to talk, you know, about it. If you don't want to, we can just sit here in silence. And she's like, in for a penny, in for a pound. And he's like, my mom used to say that, which is like, hmm, his mom used to some, you know, his mom made BLT sandwiches like she did that first day. And he's like, this is just like my mom's. So Raya asks, how long was this before um, the incident? And he's like, can we stop calling it that? And she's like, what would you prefer? The shooting? He's like, no. He's like, it was about a week. And she's like, but you didn't talk about it? He's like, not yet. And she's like, why not? He's like, because I guess it was what she said to me that gave me the idea in the first place. If we hadn't gone out that morning, none of this would have ever happened. So she tells him about this guy that she likes, Jerome. And she says that, you know, she really likes him. But every time they get close, she screws up royalty. And anytime anyone starts to matter to her like this, she gets cold. And then she says that she feels like she's in a, like a, a metal box that's getting smaller. And if she doesn't get out, she'll die. And it only happens when she really likes someone. Uh, she's like, so good news for casual sex anyways. And then he's like, well, what happened to you? And she's like, well, I figure it's pretty obvious. You know, it's, it's not rocket science or anything. So he's like, well, who was it? And she's like, a friend of my dad's. He'd come into my room at night. The thing was, he was actually pretty nice about it. He never told me he loved me or anything like that. And she's like, sorry. And he's like, it's okay. He's like, I get it. And she's like, you must think I'm pretty disgusting now, huh? And he's like, like I said, I get it. And then she's like, say more words, Danny Sullivan. And so it's like, you know, this, this is what I, so my, my thought is like, did his stepfather do something to him? Cause like, why is he so like scared of him or whatever? But then Danny's like my brother, when he was a kid and she's like, I didn't know you had a brother. And he's like, I don't not anymore. He's like, I guess one day Adam couldn't take it anymore. So she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. He's like, well, I don't think about it much though. And she's like, not me. He's always on, on top of me. And she's like, see what I did there? She's like, I feel him over my shoulder breathing on me. I smell him. And that's when the, the metal box comes and he's jammed right inside with me. And that's when I, why I'm always running. Why I can never seem to run far enough. She's like, I would do anything to make him disappear. Dun, dun, dun. So then present, Danny, don't think it's time. Don't you think it's time we talk about what happened to Adam? He's like, no. So now it's like, was there actually an Adam? So she asks, well, what was the plan then? He's like, I wanted to give Ari a second chance to be happy. And me too. She's like, you too? How's that? He's like, a second chance at saving someone. So in the past, Danny's playing basketball with Mike. They're like in a gym. Johnny comes in. And he so he goes to talk to him privately about wanting to meet their guy. And Johnny's like, uh, why? And he's like, that's what you have me for. And Danny's like, well, what if I want to buy something besides pot? And Johnny's like, what, Coke? He's like, I could get you Coke. He's like, you think we should start selling Coke? And Danny's like, no, I don't want to start selling Coke. I just want to talk to him, okay? And Johnny's like, well, you know, he lives out in Brooklyn now. He's like, we can go, whatever. And Danny's like, just don't tell Mike. So they go, knock on apartment door. You know, now the other thing is like, is there really a Johnny? Is there, because is there really a Mike? Did Danny have any friends? Did he make them up? So they go, they knock on apartment door. They go inside and Angelo, he's like, well, what do you want? And he asks, he's like, what do you want? Coke? You want to, you know, it's a bigger profit margin, but I'm going to need a bigger deposit. And Danny's like, can you get me a gun? And Johnny's like, what? 
because he's like he surprised and angelo's like what is this what makes you think I, I can get you a gun and danny's like i can pay you you can pay me and danny's like that's right and angelo's like are you setting me up he yells at johnny and he's like he's like we would never set you up and he's like you really want a gun and danny nods and he's like i got a gun but it's expensive it's gonna cost you way more than money and johnny's like no danny's like shut up and he's like i have 350 bucks right here and angela's like hmm money ain't enough and danny's like i can't angela's like you can't i'm looking at your mouth right now and i'm feeling like i know better i don't understand where this is going or i do know where it's going but it's like okay then Danny's like, this was, was a mistake. I'm sorry, I waste your time. And he's like, whoa, don't be sorry, sit down. He's like, sit. And he says, he's like, you come to my house asking for a firearm and you disrespect me? He's like, do you want the gun or no? So Danny's like, I'll give you a hand job. You know, okay? And then he, um, Angelo pulls out a gun from under where Danny's sitting. He's like, but we have to go elsewhere because I think there's someone else in the house. They, they get weird about this stuff. So as they're walking, Johnny's like, you know, Angela's ahead of them. And Johnny's like questioning. He's like, you know, what are you doing? Whatever like that. He's like, you don't want to get near Angela like that. Whatever. And he keeps like pushing the, uh, Danny and stuff like that. And Danny's like, what are you, jealous? And Johnny's like, he's like, well, fine. He's like, then I'm out of here. And he just like leaves. So they go over by like, the water. And they're like kind of like, sketchy town. There's other people. So I guess this is where, because this is the 70s. So I guess this is where where homosexuals could go to get some privacy get away and it was like okay it's accepted here because this is like their little little community area so um he asked for the money they, they go in like is like almost like a sh- like a not really a shipping container it's like some little opening things but it's like it's wide open you know anyone walking by can just look in there but again i guess it's accepted that you're in a perform sexual acts here even though it's daylight and you know it's it's okay so he asked for the money and he's he's like you really want the gun and then he starts um, changing the terms. So, because he, he's like, okay, open your mouth, whatever. And then he like sticks the gun in Danny's mouth and he like makes him kneel. And because he's like, no, he doesn't want to do this, but he's got the gun in his mouth. Then Johnny comes running up with like a two by four, slams Angela in the face. And he's like, my nose. And Johnny tells Danny, he's like, like run. So he grabs a gun and they run. And then they get on the subway and they get away. So it's like, uh, this is kind of crazy. Uh, they have no more pot now because Angelo, he's going to be pissed off. So Danny sits at the house. Ariana walks in. He like hides a gun and she's, she's like, why are you acting so weird? He's like, where have you been? He's like, nowhere. I was getting you a gift. And she's like, just because we talked yesterday morning doesn't make us fudging sweethearts. And then she's like, okay, fine. Show me. So he pulls out the gun and she's like, holy poop. So he tells Raya it wasn't to use. He just thought having it would make her feel safe. And he asks her if she likes it. And she's like, this is what you're giving me? He's like, yeah. And she's like, what the hell do I need a gun for? And he's like, so you won't be scared all the time in case he comes back, you know? And she's like, uh, "It's that's oddly sweet. So Raya says, you stole a gun for Ariana not to use. He's like, I know how it looks, but I'm telling you the truth. So then we see her like, she's practicing holding the gun like in the mirror, like in the living room. She's like, bang, bang. She's like, hands up, mofo. She's like, I'll blow your fudging head off. And then, then she's like, I don't want this. She's like, just get rid of it, okay? So it's like all that, and she doesn't even want it. So Raya's like, did you even try getting rid of it? And he's like, no. So she's like, let's review the facts. And she asks, like, can you see how from where I'm sitting, it can all seem like 
it was your idea in the first place. So then in the past, Danny wakes up with a start and Mike's like standing there with the gun in his hand. And he's like, you know, maybe you shouldn't leave this out. Uh, he's like, Angelo's, I assume. He's like, Johnny, tell me what happened. He's like, balls of steel, but dumb as a rock. And then he says that, you know, you should probably do some laundry. And he's like, why? He's like, well, you told Annabelle Thursday. And he's like, wait, she's coming here? So it's like Danny doesn't even remember that he told her to come or whatever. So Rhea's like, does that happen a lot? You know, forgetting things? And Danny's like, why do you keep asking me that? It's like, people forget things all the time. I just have a not so great memory. He's like, then he's like, you don't want to write that down in your little pad? And she's like, no. So Annabelle comes over and she brought a kite. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm not really a kite person. And she's like, everyone is. And she's like, I bet that I can change your mind. And he's like, kites aren't really my thing. She grabs him, kisses him. He's like, I love kites. And she's like, yeah, as expected. So later um, they're out and he asks if she likes college. She's like, yeah, but it's not what she expected. And she says, uh, um, you know, she's like, you could go. And he's like, well, what I, what I do? And she mentions that he used to draw a lot. Or he says that, and he's like, I still do. They fly the kite. Later, it's raining. You know, they're ducking under the kite. Then at the house at night, he's like, it's official. She's like, I'm a kite person now. Then she asks if anyone else is home. And he's like, no. And then she, like, takes off her pants as, you know, he's stoking the fire because, you know, her pants are all wet. And she tells him to dry them. And then she goes to get something to drink. And then, you know, she's, like, silent because it calls out to her. She found a sketchbook. He's like, oh, that's nothing. She's like, they're amazing. Then, he, you know, he's like, wait, someone's coming. He's like, grab your pants. So they run upstairs. So they're lying in bed as she's, like, looking at his book. And then he, she starts talking about, like, different artists and stuff like that. And she sees uh, one of Danny and Adam. And she says that, you know, she's like, my dad has a friend who's an art professor at Baruch or something like that. And she's like, can I show him these? And he's like, he's like, really? And she's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, you're really good. And then they start kissing and then, you know, they start getting more intimate. Then she's like, I need to shower first. She's like, can I borrow a t-shirt? So she goes to the drawer. She goes to the drawer with the gun where he was going to put the gun, whatever. And he's like, not that drawer. And he's like, you know, next one. And she's like, what do you got in there? Dirty magazines? But he doesn't answer. So she goes, she takes a shower. When she comes out, he's asleep. So she just turns off the lights and then she like, you know, puts her head on his chest and, and goes to sleep. Rhea asks, she's like, well, what happened that night? He's like, we just went to sleep. And she's like, come on, Danny, what happened in that house? So during the night, a window busts open, like with the baseball bat. Danny wakes up at the noise. And when someone enters, you know, just stepping on broken glass, it's Angelo. So he must know where, where Danny's living. So he, he looks around. Danny slowly gets up. Angelo yells, where the fudge you at, freak? He's like, you broke my fudging nose. Then Danny wakes up Annabelle. He tells her to hide in the closet, but she's like, what? You know, she's resisting. And he's like, he asks her, he's like, please just stop talking. He's like, he's after me, not you. Just stay there. And Angelo, you know, because he hears like a bump. He's like, I can hear you. So Danny digs out the gun and he yells down. He's like, you can have the gun back. He's like, I'm sorry. He like, in the, like the landing in the hallway, he opens like the, the, the gun and the bullets fall on the floor. And then he, um, he gets grabbed from behind. Yitzhak is there. And he, so he puts his hand over Danny's mouth and Angela yells. He's like, you're sorry? He's like, I'm going to show you sorry. He comes upstairs, sees the bullets on the floor. Annabelle's like peeking out of the closet. She tr like tries going back, closing it. But she like kind of bumps something and like some art stuff falls or whatever. So Angela hears that because he was about to go in like in the other room. So he goes in there, grabs Annabelle. He's like, what have we got here? So she's like screaming. He yells at her to shut up. Then Yitzhak comes out, grabs Angela, 
throws him out of the room into the hall. Then he gets up. Yitzhak slams a fist in his face. And he picks up Angelo's bat. And he hits him in the side with it. And he picks him up. He hits him with his fist like, boom, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And he pulls out the gun. He's like, you looking for this, huh? Angelo's like begging him and everything. Yitzhak, you know, picks up a bullet off the floor. He's like, who's bitch now? And Annabelle's like staring in shock from the bedroom. He's like, who's bitch now? And he's like, no. And then, Phew! You are a bitch. But he shot above uh, Angelo. And he's like, you pee on yourself. He's like, then he's like, run. So then he looks in in, the, in um, Danny's room, then to Annabelle. He's like, you are safe now. And he like walks down the hall. Then Danny comes like right in, tells her, he's like, you're safe now. And she's like cowering back from him. He's like, it's okay. She's like, don't touch me. Don't. She's like, get away from me. He's like, you're safe. Annabelle's okay. It's like, what? And she's like, get away. And she runs down the stairs. He's like, Annabelle, please. She's like, get away from me. Leave me alone. And Yitzhak's like, stupid boy, you bring a gun into my house? Why? Look at what you made me do. And Ariana comes out. So wait, it's like, I thought no one was home. And she's like, what's going on? And Yitzhak's like, he brought a gun here. And then she's like, he got it for me. He's like, you part of this too? You break my rules? You must leave. I'm sorry. And Danny's like, you can't just kick me out. He's like, today, both of you. And to Ariana, he's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, yeah, sorry doesn't keep a roof over your head, does it? So, you know, the question is, why, why is Annabelle so scared about what happened here? You know, why is she freaking out from Danny when it was Yitzhak who punched and shot and did all this stuff? Or was it? Next day, he's sitting on, on the steps, like, inside the gate, like, smoking. His stepdad drives by. Then he's like, hey, Danny. He's like, what are you still doing in that house? So, again, now I'm, I'm thinking at this point, it's like, is it really a ghost house? Is, is it, you know, is there anyone there? Is it a or, you know, condemned house or whatever? So he's like, come home. He's like, your mom misses you. He's like, we can talk things over. And Danny just doesn't say anything. And he's like, all right, suit yourself. And he just drives off. So later, Ariana says, sorry to Danny. You know, as he's packing up his clothes, she's like, I tried to get him to let you stay too. And he says that, you know, maybe, you know, he was right about getting the gun. He's like, really? So Raya asked if he felt manipulated by Ariana to doing what she wanted him to do. He's like, not at the time. And then she's like, and now? He's like, maybe. So in the past, she's like, what if I could end it? What if I knew he was going to come back for me? Not ever. He's like, well, then you could actually have a life. And she's like, yeah. So she pulls out the gun. She sets it on the floor. And she's like, Yitzhak literally hides poop in his sock drawer. Not, not poop. She's like, can you believe it? And then he's like, that was for just in case. And she's like, well, what if I don't wait? What if I scare him first so I know he's never going to come back? But just scare him, right? But but good. No one has to get hurt. I just don't think I can do it alone. So he tells Rhea, he's like, the thing they never tell you is that when you're doing something crazy, it doesn't feel crazy at the time. She's like, what was the, the plan exactly? And he's like, wave the gun, shoot over his head, scare him. And she's like, you know, the incident with Angelo and Yitzhak kicking you out, is it possible that you felt like you had reached the limit? You know, maybe felt compelled to attack? And Danny's like, you're making it seem like this was all me again. He's like, I didn't do this alone. You know that. And we get flashes back to the day, you know, at the beginning of the show when, how it started. And then she's like, did Ariana tell you where you could find him? Like, you know, the man who raped her. And he said that, she said he liked to go to the OTB on Friday after work. I don't know what the OTB is. I should look it up. And she's, then she's like, doesn't that strike you as strange? And he's like, no, why would it? Lots of people go to the OTB. It's 
I just thought it was a coincidence. So we see him, you know, following the guy. And then she's like, who was it? So he walks up behind him. He's like, hey, stop. He slowly starts to turn his head. It's this stepfather, right? So she's like, who was it? And then we see it is his stepfather. And Danny like freezes like when he recognizes him. Then then Ariana is like standing right next to like the stepdad, which is like, wait, because she went the other way. They split up. And then, you know, it's like weird how she, she came up there. So he's like, it was Marlon. And Raya's like, how could it be Marlon, Danny? So then in the past, Ariana's yelling. And she's like, what are you doing, Danny? Just shoot. So Marlon runs. Ariana grabs a gun, shoots. Raya's like, I'm going to ask you again. How could Ariana's rapist be your stepfather? And Danny's like, I don't know. I thought maybe that Marlon knew her dad. And she's like, both you and Ariana lived in the same house. How? By coincidence? It seems unlikely, doesn't it? And she's like, come on, Danny. You must have thought about that, right? How could that be? And he's like, what do you want me to say? She's like, I don't want you to say anything. He's like, that this whole thing was a setup from the start? Is that it? And she's like, what if it was? And he's like, what? And she's like, a setup. But a setup for what? So then we see Yitzhak giving Danny the money. tells him, take the passport. Go find your father. So then he's like, well, isn't it obvious? That's what they wanted for me all along since the moment they showed up at the house. They wanted me to go and find my father. So that's what I did. So then we see a plane takes off and there's a British flag on the side. That's the end of the third episode. Episode four, London. So we see a little kid catching fireflies, which you know we saw this before. We see Danny pulling the gun out of the paper bag from the first episode. We see Ariana yelling at him to shoot. And then he wakes up on a plane, like kind of like startles up. Is at the airport in London. He sees a couple of police officers and kind of panics. You know, he kind of like ducks his face because he thinks he's on, you know, they're going to be looking for him. Goes, exchanges some money at the whatever, you know, exchange place. So Raya asks, she's like, after Rockefeller, why London? And he's like, Yitzhak told me to go. She's like, but you, you've never even left the country before. How, how do you even get a passport? And he's like, Yitzhak got me one. And she's like, how? He's like, I don't know. How does he do anything? And she's like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. And Danny's like, he's connected. And she's like, okay. So she starts writing some stuff. Then he's like, my dad was there. So he calls the Royal London Travel Agency from a payphone. So I don't know if this was like on a pamphlet thing that Yitzhak gave him with the passport and the money. He gets the answer machine, leaves a message. You know, his Danny Sullivan looking for his father, Pete Sullivan, blah, blah, blah. Raya says, you haven't spoken much of your biological father. And Danny's like, well, there's not much to say. He wasn't around much. And then he was just gone. And she's like, when was that? And he's like, Adam and I were young before everything. So she's like, that was before you left you know, school. He's like, I was maybe six. Then she's like, did you have any idea that Yitzhak knew your father? He's like, no, not before then. He's like, I was in trouble. And Yitzhak sent me to, to my dad for help. But and she's like, and where was Ariana? He's like, I told you already. She bailed on me right when I needed her. And Raya's like, almost as if on cue. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? She's like, she left you when you were vulnerable and when Yitzhak stepped in to provide you exactly what you needed. He's like, oh yeah, and what's that? And Raya's like, a passport and apparently salvation. So on busy streets of London, it's raining. He goes to the travel agency, asks for Pete Sullivan, the like reception secretary or whatever, says that, you know, they're closed when he walks in. She's like, Pete Sullivan, she's like, I never heard of him. So he's like, well, I, this is the address I have for him. And she's like, well, my boss will be through here in a bit. You can ask him. Then this dude steps out. He's like, Doreen. She's like, you remember the Yank I used to work with? And he's like, you must be the one and only Danny Sullivan. He extends his hand. He's like, my name is Jack. 
And he, he's like, this calls for a drink. He's like, you're the spitting image of your father. So they're at this like bar. It's like almost like a hotel bar or something like that. He gets Danny a beer. And he, he Danny asks, he's like, does my dad know I'm he- here? Is he coming? And Jack's like, slow down. He's like, we're business associates. And Danny's like, travel agents? And he's like, no, uh, we worked out of the back room. He's like, well, we did. It's just me there now. Your father's not here. He's not been in London for some time. And Danny, so he doesn't know where he is. or He hasn't spoken to him in years. And Danny's like, where'd he go? So Jack's like, we had some business abroad. It didn't go as we'd hoped. And we went our separate ways. So Danny's like, is he dead? Good God, no. Nothing as dramatic as that. He, so he just thought it was wise to stay away from London. Danny's like, why? Quite the curious one, aren't you? He's like, what's your story, Danny boy? He, he's like, I needed some help. He's like, the guy I ran a room off of told me I should come to London to find my dad. And who is this mystery man? His name is Yitzhak. Safty? Yitzhak Safty? And Danny's like, wait, you know him too? He's like, bugger me. Good for him. He kept his promise. And Danny's like, what promise? So Rhea's like, can I stop you for a second? She's like, I want you to consider what you're asking me to believe, which is that your father's business associate, the man who lived down the block from you, from who you rented a room, knew each other by coincidence? And Danny's like, no. He's like, you're not listening to me. Jack said that they'd work together. And my dad always talked about retiring and moving back to New York. Yitzhak bought into it, the American dream BS. He said that if he came back to America before my dad, then he would keep an eye on me. And she's like, hmm. He's like, I'm just telling you what he said. I'm not saying that what he said was all true. She's like, okay, you believed him. And he's like, yeah. So Jack's telling stories. There's some others like staring at them. And then Jack's like, like, says that his dad, um, you know, really missed him. Then he whispers and he asks if he's going to tell him why he's on the run. Then he asks, you know, if he has a place to stay. Um, Danny's been drinking. You know, he's had a few, he like knocks his beer over because he's like on his fourth or fifth one or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, there must be stronger here or something. And then one of the other guys that are watching comes up to Danny. He whispers, he's like, wanker. And he goes to the bar and Jack stares at Danny. Then at them, he gets up takes off his glasses. He's like, what did you say? I was like, I didn't hear you. He's like, what did you say? And he starts adjusting like the guy's tie. He's like, because my friend over there is visiting from across the pond. And I know that you don't want to come across as uncourteous, do you? The bartender's like, is there a problem? And he's like, no, there won't be a problem once this fudging cretin has apologized. He's like, sorry. He's like, no, I'm sorry. Didn't quite catch that. One more time, loud enough for everyone in here to hear you. Dude's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I don't think he can hear you. One more time. And he takes has like a switchblade out. He presses it to the guy. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. He's like, there you go. Wasn't so hard, was it? I simply cannot abide rudeness. The bartender's like, I think it's it's time for you to leave. And Jack calls out, Danny, let's go. Rhea says she doesn't understand. It's like, you know, what was the truth? And Danny says that he guesses that the three work together and that they what they, they did have a plan. It's just that the plan was not, you know, just to protect him or something like that. So Jack takes Danny to this like seedy part of London. And then uh, Danny Hicks, uh, stares down some dude that gets into like a rolls. And Danny's like, who was that? Um, but then Jack's like, never mind. So he gets him a place to stay. And then um, he call, gets on a, a phone outside. And he says that he put the boy to bed. The voice says, 
it, it seems like it's a bad idea to drink before the job. And Jack's like, this is a job, Yitzhak. So he's talking to Yitzhak. He's like, I'm earning his trust. And Yitzhak's like, this is the job. And Jack's like, it's been one day. I'll deliver. He's like, it's not you. He must deliver. So it's like, um, I'm not sure what that was. So then Rhea's like, wait, you saw him out the window on the phone? And Danny's like, no, I saw the booth. And she's like, so how could you know who he, he called, let alone what he was saying? And Danny's like, I don't know. Maybe he told me later. It's like, I had a lot to drink that night. And there's a good chance I'm, I'm getting things out of order. It's all a bit of a blur. So she's like, so what happened the day after? Danny wakes up. There's a note. Uh, he notices like it's almost noon. The note says the meat for fish and chips at noon. So he hustles over to this place. He's like out of breath. And Jack's like, oh, right on time. So they're walking. They, um, Jack orders fish and chips, gives like a big tip. He just gets like one order for Danny, I guess. So they're walking and Danny's like eating. And Jack um, says that he wants his help. And he asks if, you know, he, he was, he asked like, he's like, if you were hit in the chest by an arrow, would it hurt? And Danny's like, what? He's like, simple question. Does it hurt? Yes or no? And Danny's like, yeah, sure. He's like, all right. Second one hits you exactly the same spot. Hurts more or less? And Danny's like, more. So Jack's like, see, Buddha says the first arrow you can't avoid, it's pain. It's the poop life throws at you. The second one is fear, anxiety. It's a story we tell ourselves about the first arrow. It hurts as much as you let it or it doesn't exist at all. A couple police officers start walking by and, and Danny kind of like looks away like off to the side. Jack's like, how bad is the jam you're in? He's like, I want to help. So Rhea says that she can see why, you know, he trusted him. You know, he was everything he needed in that moment. But she can say the same thing about Yitzhak and Ariana. And Danny says that, you know, that's his point, that they're all in this together. So she's like, an Israeli expat, a British businessman, and an American girl. Oh, and your father. And he's like, well, Ariana probably got roped into it later. They used her to, to get to me. He's, and he's like, what, you have a better theory? And he's like, wait, do you think that I'm the one pulling the strings? And she's like, what if I said I do? He's like, I'm, but I'm not. And she's like, but what if you are just not in a way? He's like, I'm not. And she nods and she sighs. He's like, I needed help. I needed someone to help me. But there are people in this world, when they see people in need, all they see is an opportunity. So Yitzhak calls. He's talking to him on the phone. He wants to know if it's done. Jack says, like, one more day. Yitzhak says, get it done. So then later over tea, Jack says that, you know, there was, what, what if there was a way his dad could help him? And Danny's like, I thought you didn't know where he was. He's like, I don't. But what do you need when you're in a bind? Money, right? He's like, play your cards right. You could walk away from this with 3,000 quid. But it's not going to be easy. He mentions uh, the man in the Rolls Royce last night. His name is Reggie uh, Silver. He happens to owe your father a rather or an awful lot of cash. This business abroad that your father was involved in, it was an illegal import job for Reggie. Your dad, Yitzhak, and I were supposed to meet and split up the takings due to an unfortunate series of events. Your father attracted the attention of the authorities. That's why he'd be arrested if he came back to England. So he did not go and claim his stake. Reggie still has it. Reggie is a mean bastard, but he's a family man. If you turned up, splitting image of Pete and asked for his share, I think he might feel honor-bound to pay up. Danny's like, why can't you just ask him? It's not for me to ask, is it? Also, Reggie and I are not exactly seeing eye to eye at the moment. And Danny's like, is that why we walked past there last night? 
it's an awful lot of money, 6,000 pounds. Danny's like, you said 3,000. Well, my commission, it's you know part of doing business. 3,000 pounds will allow you to lie low for a while or look for your dad. You can start in Paris. It'd give you options, which is what you need right now. But Reggie's a dangerous man. It'd take a lot of balls. I'd understand. And Danny's like, I'll do it. So Jack tells him, you know, stand straight, march in there, demand what's his. So he goes into, it must be like a gentleman's club. You know, there's like dancers or whatever. There's a guy, which is weird. He's got his back to the entrance, sitting at this table in the back. So Danny goes up to him. He's like, excuse me. Uh, and he's like, the mop and bucket are under whatever. And Danny's like, I'm Pete Sullivan's son. He's like, he was a friend of yours. And Reggie, you know, without turning around, he's like, never heard of him. Piss off. And Danny's like, he did a job for you. He, he went into hiding. I'm just here to collect his takings. Reggie like scoffs. He's like, what job? He's like, who sent you? So then he like motions for some guys to come up. And he's like, Jack. And he then he tells you know, the boys. He's like, oh, listen to this. And he's like, Jack who? And Danny's like, I don't know his last name. I'm just asking you to give me what's what you owe my father. So then a guy goes to grab him. He's like, don't touch me. And Reggie like gets up and he says, you know, no to the guy. He's like, just let him say his piece. So Danny's like, it's a matter of principle. He's like, I'm the only family he has left. And I can't see him anymore because of you, because of what he did for you. So just give me my money and I'll leave you alone. So then he's just like, get him out of here. So they, they grab him. They toss him out on, onto the street. He gets up. He looks down the alley. There's no sign of Jack. So then he goes down the hall, goes to like a phone, calls a travel agency from a booth, asks Doreen if Jack is there. She just hangs up on him. So he goes to... Like the one bar, he asks the bartender, he's like, I'm looking for my friend, you know, I think he's a regular here. Bartender's like, get out, get out now or I'll call the police. So then he um, he goes to like the fish and chips place, you know, he's like, the guy that gave you tip. And then there's a guy with her, or she's like, I'm not giving it back. He's like, I'm not asking for it. And then the dude is like, it's like, don't talk to her like that. Stanny just leaves. He goes back to where he's staying. He asks the dude at the counter, he's like, you know, do you have the number of the guy who was with last night? And the guy's like, well, you mentioned with discretion here, so bugger off. So then he goes to his room. He starts like tearing a travel pamphlet up that Yitzhak gave him, whatever, with the address. And then Jackson Durway, he's like, I understand you've been looking for me. And Danny's like, where the hell did you go? I thought I'd give you a little time for self-reflection. Danny's like, please stop acting like you give a poop about me when this has been about the money the whole time. Jack's like, I found your attitude disappointing. So Danny says that, you know, as soon as he saw you failed, he ditched him. Is that what you think? That you failed? And Danny's like, where am I supposed to, you know, what am I supposed to, where am I supposed to go? I don't have any money. And he's like, calm down. I don't want to calm down. And Jack says that his life hasn't been easy. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but the past is a past. He has to find a way to stop feeling sorry for himself. He says that, you know, this has been about a lesson in courage. And he's like, why are you still here? He's like, why don't you go home? And Danny's like, because they'll arrest me. Yes. And what's the worst that can happen? You were scared to face Reggie, but you did it anyways. You survived. You didn't get what, what you wanted, but it was still a victory. Don't keep running. Your dad ran. Ran from your you from you, your brother. And Danny's like, what the fudge do you care? And Jack's like, be the man your father never was. I know you can do it. Get rid of your passport, any connection to me, and go home. But it's like if he gets rid of his passport, how can he go home? So Danny goes out, hails a cab. And Rhea says, that was the last time you saw Jack? You know, because, uh, and then he's like, when, when you got back, there's no sign of Ariana. And Jack, Danny's like, no. And then she's like, and Yitzhak? He's like, no. They were both just gone when I got back. 
And Raya's like, why do you think they just leave everything that they owned and just disappear? He's like, I don't know. So he sits in his room and he goes downstairs, burns a passport, has a sketchbook in his hand. He hears something, tosses a, the book in a in the fireplace, but it's like a big clunk. So it doesn't, it's like too big, kind of smothers the fire. So that's how I, um, Ray was able to get it out to so then the uh, police are like, come out with your hands up and everything like that. So then we, he goes out like we saw in the first episode, gets down on the ground. So Ray is like, I'm going to ask you again. Why do you think they would just do that? Just vanish and leave all their things behind silence. Then he like looks at the door. There's like no one there. He gets up, moves closer to her, like another seat. And this was like, okay, what, what's going on? He whispers. He's like, do you really think that I killed her? That I killed both of them? Why would I do that? I loved her. And did you catch that? She's like, past tense. And he's like, love, loved. What fudging difference does it make? She's gone, isn't she? I know what you're thinking. And she's like, why don't you tell me? Danny's like, you think that I killed them both? That I came home and I killed Yitzhak and Ariana out of revenge for, I don't know, economy or sending me to Jack? Only I didn't do any of those things. Why would anyone do that? Anyways, invest years, move to my block, look out for me, pretend to defend me, to care for me for what? 3,000 pounds and a lesson about courage? It doesn't make any sense. And she's like, no, it doesn't. He's like, unless it wasn't just for 3,000 pounds, unless there's a lot more at stake. And she's like, Danny, what happened to Adam? And he's like, we spoke about Adam. And she's like, not really, we didn't. And Danny's like, he died. And she's like, how did he die? And he's like, I'm done. And he gets up out of his chair. So then at her place, she takes a note. She looks at the sketchbook. The next day, shots in New York City. It's like actual like shots from the 70. She walks back to see Danny. Uh, she walks in. She's like, sorry, I'm, I was running late this morning. But Danny's not in there. Jack's sitting in a chair and says that he, I really don't appreciate having to come in here like this. And Rhea's like, nice to see you again, Jack. He's like, is it? She's like, your reluctance to being here, notwithstanding, Danny is clearly in a lot of trouble. And I'm hoping that you can help me. He's like, well, I made him come back, didn't I? Told him he had to face the music. And she's like, I think it's time he knows the truth. I think that is a catastrophic idea. She's like, is it? Well, what if that's his only way out? What then? So there is no Jack. Jack is really Danny. So then that must mean there is no Ariana. There is no Yitzhak. Those are all like personalities of Danny, his way of coping with everything. So was there really an Adam? I, I mean, I think because, you know, this is based off a true story. I think, you know, it's based off of this, this book, which I haven't been wanting to read too much into it. So I think basically this crime is committed or whatever. And... I think Danny basically has split personalities and this is how he deals with this. So he thinks so. So now everything that we've seen up until this point, it's like, what is actually real or not? So that's why I question, is there even like a Johnny? You know, and maybe Mike, you know, maybe there could be a Mike because Mike doesn't seem to know too much about it. Maybe there's an, an Annabelle. I'm just probably an Annabelle. She's probably real. But I, I think like the, there's no one living in the house. There's no Yitzhak. Oh man. We'll see what the next episode. I don't even know what the next episode is called. I don't even want to look yet. But uh, yeah, that was um, that was episodes three and four. All right, then with Superman and Lois. So I think we have two more episodes this week and um, this one, next one. Season three, episode twelve, Injustice. 
Lois is typing in bed. She's either finishing or reading the story about Mannheim confessing. Um, she's like narrating, you know, time heals all wound, but it, you know, it's more complicated than that because healing is a full-time job. Clark, we see he's taking care of her. He's like washing her hair. Um, you know, he, she looks at her profile in the mirror, you know, she's like, how long until, you know, you get your confidence back and it feels like an injustice, which is the name of the episode. At some point you have to decide that who you are now has to be enough. So they talk about Lex, his team had the information for a week now, and she says that you know she'll be one of the people that Lex will blame. And Clark says that if he tries something, he'll deal with it. And she's like, "It's not if, it's when," you know, because what Pia said about him, you know, being the devil, she, you know, she was right. So she says that you know they should go over the old files, try to get ahead of this. And Clark doesn't want her to push herself, and she says that you know he's been locked up for two decades. He's had all that time to plot stuff, and you know if, if there's ever a time to push herself, it's right now. But we see, you know, Lex is doing push-ups in his prison cell. There's a picture of some girl, his daughter, I guess, on the wall. He eats breakfast, gets a message from his lawyer, a certificate of discharge. Then he's like, gather my things. I'm a free man. So then at the high school, Junior's going on to Sarah about whoever saved that, you know, stuff like that. And he's like, she, he's like, it wasn't Superman. And she's like, well, so what? You know, let's just move on. And he's like, it means that there's someone else out there, you know, with, with powers. And he thinks that, you know, people should know about that. And she's like, what, are you going to do a podcast or something? <laughs> and he's like, no, did an interview, though. And then she's like, the Gazette? He's like, no, bigger. So the other kids, including J Jordan Jonathan, come up. A kid asked Junior uh, to tell him what he told him earlier. And, and he's like, I promise, I'm not making fun. So Junior says that he thinks that whoever saved them is their age. Because, you know, he had a hoodie and goggles on. And then one kid makes fun of him, he's like, goggles? And Jordan's like, oh, maybe it's to hide his identity. And, you know, he says that, you know, maybe, maybe there's just someone our age who's a total badass. And the kid's like, but goggles? And he starts laughing. So Lois is getting ready to go to Gazette. And then a, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, Janet, calls Lois, says she's got a story to cover about a new person with powers, a kid in Smallville. You know, has she heard anything? And, you know, because she thinks that the, the story could be huge. Sarah goes to Lana's office. She's like exasperated. You know, she tells her mom that, you know, her, her bad days, you know, Jordan. And then she's like, oh, don't worry. And she's like, no, it's not about us. You know, he was talking about the superhero thing, saying that there, you know, if there was someone, you know, it, it could be a hero. And she, she's like, he's like bragging about it. And Lana's like, that's not okay that he's doing this. And Sarah's like, you know, if he doesn't care about a secret, then I shouldn't either. Lex is thinking back when he was first brought to prison, you know, so you see Lois like by like a news van outside this dude, maybe the warden says that, you know, the press won't be alerted to his release until later in the day, just like he asked. Lex puts on a watch. He looks at the picture of his daughter and he's like holding a, a wedding ring. So there's like the only thing he has. He just like drops the wedding ring. Jonathan brings bazoombas to the firehouse and whatever chicken food. This one guy is upset that his sandwich isn't there. And he tells Jonathan, he's like, go back and get it. And Kyle's like, no, he's going to finish his food first. So this guy's upset. And then he keeps like pushing. And Kyle's like, I said that he's going to finish his food. And he's like, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, how about, you know, you're just done for today. You can just go home. And he's like, you know, I'm tired of all this hazing crap anyways. So he's giving Jonathan special treatment because he's Superman's kid. Sam talks to Lois and Clark says that, that, you know, they can erase satellite footage and stuff like that. But when, you know, Jordan saved those kids, you know, he, he let himself be seen. And Lois says, you know, 
um, Junior won't stop talking about it. And Sam's like, you know, that's why her Daily Planet pals keep calling the DOD wanting a comment. And Lois says that, you know, she trained Janet herself. And Clark's like, well, how do we fix this? And Sam's like, you know, we, we put the kibosh on Jordan right now. No more saves. Not until all this dies down. Then Lana um, comes in. They're at the Gazette. And um, she says that, you know, Sarah's not doing too well since the accident. Cause, and Jordan's not helping. You know, it's his alter ego. And she thinks that he's enjoying it a little too much. So Lex is just walking down the road. He, he was like, where's his ride? <laughs> he's just like walking and he's weird because he's wearing like a denim jacket and jeans. It's like not what you'd expect Lex to wear. Flashback to like his early day in prison. He goes to this dude who has like tremors. And Lex says that, you know, because he the guy's like, well, you could wait in line or something like that. Or, 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 you know, what do you have to offer? And he's like, no, I do my own hair. This other dude's like, he wants your money maker because this guy must make, you know, money or whatever. cutting people's hair. And Lex is like, I'll give you $5 with an opportunity for more. Then the dude's like... Or he says, he tells the dude, he's like, and you can keep your cell to this one guy. And he looks at another, and you can keep your teeth. And then like the first guy that was like talking, he's like, and maybe you can still talk. So the, bar t- or the barber guy looks at him, at Lex, and then the, the two dudes like hold him up. And then, bam, hits him right across the face. And Lex like turns him. He's like, you should have taken my offer. Dude punches Lex like four more times. And it's like cheek and his mouth are bleeding. And Lex just chuckles. So I was like, is he crazy? Jonathan says, Jordan, you know, talking in the kitchen at the, at the, the farm. He's like, you know, all I want is a fair shot. He's like, you know, why should it matter who my dad is? And, you know, he's, he's like, it's like any other team. You know, people talk trash. They make fun of a new guy. You know, I was like part of something until Mr. Cushing started treating me differently. Lois and Clark walk in. They're like, is everything all right? And Jordan's like, Jonathan is mad because people aren't being mean to him. And he's like, no. He's like, I just want it to be normal. He's like, but you can't be normal when your dad is, is Superman. Lois like, we can talk about that later. It's like, right now we need to talk to Jordan alone. So Jonathan's like, oh, he just leaves, goes upstairs. And Jordan's like, am I in trouble? Then they're, they're sitting talking. He's like, oh, but the mask covered up my face. So what if someone saw? And Lois like, so what? It's like the Daily Planet won't stop calling my dad about the Smallville Samaritan. And Jordan's like, well, people talk about Superman all the time. Is it really the end of the world that I'm getting a little bit of credit? Clark's like, it's not about the credit. I thought you knew better than that. So he says that he, he knows that. Lois is like, then why are you bragging your friends about it? And he's like, wait, did Sarah say something, Miss Lang? And she's like, or Clark's like, it doesn't matter who said what. And he's like, great. So now I'm in trouble because my ex-girlfriend can't handle reality. It's like, was she ever really his ex-girlfriend? Like, hardly. And Lois is like, you are in trouble because you are not being responsible. If you're not careful, this could ruin your life. Jordan like smiles. He's like, that's a little dramatic. And she's like, your behavior is a massive red flag, young man. He's like, all I said was whoever saved Sarah Jr. did an awesome job because I did. And Clark's like, all right, enough. We're done talking about it. I thought you understood the responsibility coming with what you could do. Obviously, I was wrong. Until we say otherwise, you are done. No using your powers in public. You need to hand in your suit. And so then Clark gets the suit. But see, so here's the thing that's, that's annoying as this continues. What Jordan doesn't realize, because he's such a stupid, annoying kid, such a stupid, annoying character. And I don't want to just blame it because as a kid, you know, part of it, that, that is that. But it's like, okay, you have superpowers. If people find out the identity, then that means 
all of Superman's enemies, any enemies that Jordan may have superpower, any any people, if they find out that, that means Jonathan's in danger, that means uh, Lois is in danger, that's going to mean Sarah's in danger. All of Smallville is going to be in danger if they know that these are people that they care about. This is the whole point of the secret identity. And Jordan is just such a knucklehead that he can't see that that he is putting everyone at risk because he just wants the attention. So Clark gets a suit. He says, you know, Jordan was pretty upset. And he says that, you know, maybe that'll change when, um, or she says that maybe it'll change when he sees a Daily Planet article, the Smallville Samaritan, the next great superhero. Which I always was told, you're not supposed to put question marks in headlines, even though I, I do it from time to time, because it's you need to, but whatever. So he's surprised that Janet posted it. Clark's surprised that Janet posted already. And Lois is like, you know, I did the same thing. And he says that, well, we'll just have to wait for this to die down. And Lois is like, when I published mine, it was the biggest story in the world. Clark, like, worried that it's all too soon. And she says, you know, it, it would have happened eventually. And, you know, because he's already training him. Clark says, yeah, but I, I thought it would give him a taste and that, that would be enough. But if he's bragging at school, if it's about the recognition... She's like, so we have one son who wants to be treated specially and one who doesn't. Clark thinks he, he can do something about the later. So Clark goes to talk to Kyle. He has to speak in private because Kyle's like, oh, do you want a tour? Can I show you around? What can I do for you? And so he's all smiley. He says, you know, it goes without saying, but, you know, he's like, whatever Superman needs, you know, you just need to ask. So Clark's like, that's great. Because, uh, you know, when Jonathan's here, if you just forget about who he is, and he's like, you want to write that, run that by me again? And Clark's like, you know, maybe you've been treating him a little differently because of me. And, he, and he's like, John said that? Clark's like, John's the kind of kid who wants to earn his spot. And Kyle almost seems upset. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that, that, you know, I can help. So Sarah's like, has her diner uniform on. You know, she's trying to call her mom, trying to call Lana. She gets an answering machine. And then uh, Lana comes in. She's like, I'm going to be late, Mom. And she's like, I got to pee. She's like, I I'm late because, you know, I had to stop by the Gazette and tell Lois and Clark about Jordan. And Sarah's like, you told him? She's like, honey, what he's doing is dangerous. They, you know, already published an article about him in the Daily Planet. And she's like, it's like, now he's going to know I told you. And Lana's like, I'm sorry, but this is way more important than his feelings. And Sarah's like, yeah, and apparently mine. She's like, Sarah? And then Lana, or, or Sarah's like, don't worry about driving me. I'll walk. And we see, speaking of walking, Lex is still walking. <laughs> flashback, Warden said, I don't know if, if the guy with the trimmer was Otis, because Lex mentions Otis. We know there's Otis. I don't think, I don't know if his name was Otis, but he's like, you know, him and his boys sure did a number on him. He's like, you know, maybe next time don't go making demands. And Lex's like, he has something I want, and you're going to help me get it. And the Warden's like, well, if you come to me, if you come here to bribe me, then I'm all ears. <laughs> and Lex is like, I'm not going to pay you anything. And then the Warren's like, I think we're done here. So Lex is like, I'm here to make you an offer. Call this number. He has a little like folded piece of paper. Call this number. What happens next is up to you. But your time is running out. So he, the Warren's just like, what are you talking about? He, then he takes a folded paper, looks at it. That's my home number. Lex just stares at him. Warren picks up the phone. His kid answers, Dad, help me. They're going to kill me if you don't do what he says. And then he's like, where's your mom? Some men, men took mom. He's like, Dad, please, I'm scared. The line goes dead. Lex hung up on it. He's like, they'll wait five minutes. Then he's like, okay. So Lex, you know, stands up. Now, let me explain how things are going to work around here. So just like that, 
Lexus is in control. Sam's at the farm, takes the suit back. You know, he's got the box. He apologizes. He says, you know, he thought he was ready. He'll keep it safe until, you know, when he is ready. Janet calls Lois. And then she's like, what? When? So Clark's like, what did Jordan do now? And she's like, it wasn't him. So she's like, it turns out Luther was released from prison this morning. And Sam's like, why didn't the warden give you a heads up? And she's like, you know, the press are already gathering around Luther court. So he should be arriving there any minute. She turns on the TV. Clark says that he's like, I'm not going to fly you to Metropolis in your condition. And Sam says that, you know, she would just be giving him what he wanted, the villain to the story. And she's like, you know, I have to face it. You know, it was my story to help put him away. Flashback, trimmer guy, if his name's Otis or not, whatever, he gets pulled out during the night, gets beat up by several guards. Lex is just sitting, standing there watching. Then the warden hands him the trimmers. He's like, as promised, you know, should I tell my men to stop? And Lex is like, no, we're going to be here for a while. So he keeps walking down the middle of the road. <laughs> Jonathan is at the, the firehouse. Kyle wants to speak to him and he, he looks pissed. He's like, spoke to your dad a bit ago. He seems to think that you're getting special, treat from, special treatment from me. And John's like, what? It's like, that's not what I said. He's like, look, no one's in trouble here. Maybe I did treat you a little bit, you know, a little different after everything I learned. He's like, that's on me. Just know that from here on out, that won't happen again. And John's like, I didn't say anything. He's like, I understand why you'd go to your dad. But around here, I run things. You should have come to me first. And he's like, I promise I didn't go to him. He overheard me talking and sort of ran with it. And he's like, if there's a problem here, we'll handle it. Copy? And he's like, yes, sir. So now he's mad at him. Lois watching the news. No sign of Lex yet. Janice says that you know, people there are surprised that he was released. You know, why would he just do that? That's not his style. Sarah's at the diner. Oh, here we go again. Jordan walks in. It's like, okay, first of all, dude, she's at her, her workplace. You can't just come in talking to her about this. And so she's just like, sit wherever you want. He's like, why'd you send your mom to talk to my parents? Which is like, are you such a complete idiot? She's like, I didn't send her. She just went. He's like, now I'm being grounded from, you know. She's like, I'm sorry, but that's not really my fault. And she walks to the other side of the counter. He like follows because he's such an annoying little, he's like, it kind of is. And she's like, hey, I kept your secret. Can you try not to make that harder than it already is? He's like, sorry for saving your life. Which is, mm. And she's like, which I've thanked you for multiple times, but every time you get all weird about it, which is fine, whatever, but maybe stop bragging about Smallville's new superhero. And he's like, I was sticking up for Junior. She's like, you hate Junior. You just couldn't resist talking about how awesome you are. It wasn't like that. All I know is that accident almost ruined my life. I'm trying to make things better, and it feels like you're trying to drag me down. He's like, wow, all right. It's impressive how you're able to make this all about you. She's like, it is about me. It's my life and you're not helping. So can you just stay out of it? And then there's like an alarm and she's like, that's a tornado warning. But oh my gosh, Jordan, just go away. Just fly up, go, go somewhere else. So it got windy like really fast. We see like Lana, you know, she's in her office looking at, noticing the wind. Kyle and Jonathan are at the firehouse and uh, Lois and Clark, they're looking around. He tells Lois to take cover in the basement. He zips off. Sarah's looking out the window, just time to see like a street light, you know, the bulb explode. She looks back, Jordan's gone. And she tells, uh, she takes charge, which is kind of, kind of cool about her character. And she tells the customer, she's like, okay, just get away from the window right now. 
Sam's driving and he's, he's like almost parallel to the tornado. I don't know if he just didn't notice it before. Cause then he's like driving and all of a sudden he looks at, it, he's like driving, looking, has to slam on his brakes because two stupid cars are blocking the road. At first I'm like, wait, what is going on? Is, is this something with Lex? It's like a roadblock, but no, it's like two stupid cars. I don't know if they got an accident or something like that, but the people in the cars, they're just standing outside, like looking at the train. It's like, really? So Sam has to tell him to get off to the side, you know, to get down like in a ditch or, you know, whatever. Superman flies overhead. Cars um, start like, getting lifted up. Sam's SUV starts like headed, like flying to where the people are huddled. But then it gets hit by Jordan. And then he just like st- stands there staring at Sam. So it's a good thing that like no one else is looking. You know, they're like, there's like an overpass or something like that. So they're like kind of like, crouched ducking by the, the, the side of the overpass. Um, and then Jordan sees his goggles are in the, in the, in the backseat of the car. So, you know, he was carrying the box. Superman's flying and blowing at the tornado. So I don't know if he's trying to freeze it or if it's some temperature thing. I, I, I don't don't know. And then Jordan flies up, starts blowing too. And Clark's Superman's like, you shouldn't be here. And he's like, I can help you. He's like, I don't need your help. Go home, Jordan. But he doesn't go home. Eventually, you know, they're flying around blowing and stuff like that. Eventually, tornado's gone. Jordan lands hard. Boom. Right right next to Sam. And then people come running out to thank him. And they like hug him. They're taking selfies. You know, they all have their phones out p- taking pictures of him. He has this big stupid smile on his face. And then Superman lands, looks over at Jordan, and then Jordan even kind of like kind of nods at him. And Superman's not happy. So Jordan's all over social media. Sam says that it's nearly everywhere. You know, they had a ch- chance to stop it before. But now with all the you know, footage, he's like, the whole world knows you exist, kiddo. And Stupid Jordan's just sitting, sulking. And Clark's like, you completely disobeyed me. I was just trying to help. He's like, I didn't need your help. And Lois like, on top of that, why don't you just fly away? You could have disappeared before anyone even realized you were there. He just shakes his head. I don't know. You don't know? And Superman, Clark, he's like, you landed right in front of them. I saved their lives. That's, that's not the point. Yes, it is. So Lois like, so after everything we talked about, after everything we warned you would happen, if the world find out you exist right now, you just forgot? I didn't forget, Mom. I just didn't care. Well, you better start caring. Why? Because you're telling me to? And Lois like, we are your parents. So what? All your rules? Hiding who I am? Telling me what, what I sh- who I should be? I, I can't do it anymore. And Clark's like, as long as this is, this is how, like, at the end of Rose's rope he is, he's pulling this card. As long as you live under this roof, you will do what your mother and I tell you to do. Whatever. He's like, Jordan. And then Jordan goes walk. He goes to, like, to grab him. He's like, he, like, kind of shrugs him, like, super strength or whatever. And he's like, hey. He's like, stare down. And Clark's like, you go up to your room and you do not come down until we tell you to. Don't you ever do that to me again. And then stupid baby Jordan zips up the stairs. Sam's like, you have to rein him in. He's not as careful as you are, Clark. You know, people see him around town. You know, they see him enough, track his flight path. Someone's going to put two and two together. He's like, he is such, such, such an idiot. Such an idiot. (laughs) Oh, man. Sarah's like sweeping at the diner. Junior comes in. Did you see it? And she's like, it was a tornado. The whole town saw it. I mean, the, the footage of who stopped it. And he pulls out his phone. It's like, he didn't stop it. He barely helped. He's like, this proves I was right. And she's like, 
Yeah, I guess it looks like the guy you described. You guess? Don't you get it? This is the second time he showed up to Smallville. It means he probably lives here. We might even know him. It's like, why? Superman's there. Does it mean Superman's there? He does. But it's so stupid. Jordan's reading the comments about him on his phone. He has a big smile on his face. It's like, you are such a loser. Jonathan comes in and Jordan says that he's sick of all this crap from mom and dad. And he says, Jonathan's like, well, I get it, whatever. And then Jordan's like, well, at least they're not treating you like a baby. Jonathan mentions dad talking to Mr. Cushing about how he was going easy on him. He's like, really? Whatever. Clark says to Lois that if he's not going to stop using his powers, they have to you know, keep him busy doing something else. And she's like, the more we push back, the more he's going to defy us. He's just at that stage right now. Clark just changes up. She's like, did Lex ever show up at Luther Court? And she's like, doesn't look like it. Any idea where he went? And he's listening. Then he's here. They both go outside. And she's like, like, you know, says to Clark, she's like, like I said, I knew I was going to have to face him at some point. Now's as good a time as any. And so he walks up. He's like, it's been a long time. And she's like, I see you managed to keep your release a secret. Lex says, the warden made a few calls. Helps having powerful friends. Living out in the country, not what I expected from you. Lots changed since I went away. You got pregnant, had kids. Twins are what, 16 now? She's like, you and I are not discussing my children. He's like, what about your cancer? Is that off limits too? And she's like, my doctors are optimistic. And Lex is like, funny how that worked. You got sick and your cancer led you to Bruno Mannheim's wife and my acquittal. I should be grateful. And she's like, for what part exactly? You know, the acquittal or the cancer? He's like, you should have listened to me in the first place. I always said I was innocent. And Lois is like, the evidence at the time didn't support your story. I guess times have changed. She's like, what do you want? He's like, you're going to tell me you're sorry. And she's like, is that what you're here for? An apology? Okay, I got it wrong. And I'm, I was innocent. 17 years of my life gone. And you think I want words? My daughter, she was 14. Now she won't talk to me. You think your words can fix that? And then Clark's like, that's enough. He's like, shut your mouth. And to Lois, he's like, your words are what put me away. What I want is to never have to read your words again. And she's like, you're asking me to retire? Not asking. I'm telling you what needs to happen. How it happens, I don't give a damn. She's like, I was wrong about what happened to Moxie, but I wasn't wrong about what you are. And he's like, it's easy to be brave with Superman and the DOD watching out for you. Clark takes like a step forward. He's like, you need to leave now. And there's like a stare down and then headlights. Looks like my ride's here. And Lois is like, don't ever come back. And then he's like, then you'd better retire. So it's like too bad they weren't recording this. And he like locks eyes with Clark, steps down off the porch. And he's like, as he's walking to the car, tell Superman he's next. <laughs> it's like, what's that mean? So it flashback, Lex used the trimmers to shave his head. And then he's, he's like, sweep it up to the guy who said that he'd be lucky if he could walk because he's like in a wheelchair. Then uh, then he's sitting at a table. There's a tablecloth. He has a bottle of wine. Uh, inmate asks if he has any requests from the kitchen. He has like a napkin over his arm. Then um, he starts like hitting like the, the, the bench or whatever he's sitting on, which you know why he's doing this, right? He hits it a few times. He's like, oh, I was just adjusting my chair. He's like, I'll have my usual. And it's like, it'll be 20 minutes. So the camera pans back and a chair is just a, a dude like kneeling over, like on his hands and knees. And Lex is like sitting on his back.
So Lex, now Otis is driving. I don't know if Otis is the same guy that had the, the trimmers or whatever. Maybe he got out earlier. But he asked Otis if he found Dr. Hook. He hands Lex a ha- handkerchief in the back seat. He opens up. There's like bloody glasses inside. Lex is like, and Orr was telling the truth about what he was doing for Mannheim. Otis is like, doctor confirmed it. Thing is still alive down there. And Lex is like, I want to see it for myself. Lana's like reading some of the posts. Sarah comes in. So she like closed her computer. She's like, you know, sorry about earlier. And Sarah's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Now that Superboy is trending online. And uh, she says that, you know, Junior came came by the diner and practically called her a liar. And for what? So Jordan can feel like a hero for half a second. Lana says that, you know, she understands, you know, it's complicated, but, you know, they agreed to keep the Kent secret. And she's like, I'm just so over it all. And then Lana's like, hey, if you could do anything right now, what would it be? And she's like, get a tattoo. And Lana's like, yeah, no, something that's actually possible. She's like, she's sitting there, she has her hair in her hand. She looks at it. She's like, I kind of want to dye my hair. And she's like, sweetie, everywhere's clothes right now. Then Sarah's like, then you do it. You used to color my hair all the time. She's like, that was years ago. And she's like, so I kind of just you know, want to put this version of me in the past. You know, No more Jordan, no more secrets. So then Lana's like, okay, just like, let me see what I've got. Lois says, uh, she's like, I'm obviously not quitting the Gazette. And Clark's like, of course you're not. And she's like, which means he's going to come back here. And then Jonathan, or Jonathan comes down. <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan comes down. And he's like, Jordan told me what Luther said. And Clark's like, he really should have been listening to us. And Jonathan's like, except maybe when someone's threatening to kill our parents. And Lois is like, that's not what he said exactly. And Jonathan's like, well, it sure sounded like it. And she's like, listen, we knew Luther was going to be a problem once he, he was released. What's important is that we're ready for whatever he's planning. And John's like, okay. Any idea what that might be? So now imagine this. So Luther's is mad at Lois. Now, what if every other villain, every other bad guy that Superman's locked up, if they knew, they would come for the farm? And see, this is what stupid Jordan doesn't realize. Luther's looking underground with Otis and during like in a wreckage. And he's like, you know, Bruno had ambition. I'll give him that. And he's like, be ready. And then, you know, shining flashlights, dark. And then in a subway car, Bizarro's like chomping on a rat, catches another one. Then he looks at them. His eyes are glowing blue. And Otis like, how do you want to approach? Then Bizarro whoosh, darts forward, grabs Otis. You, you just, you know, drops a flashlight. You just hear a yelling, gurgling, and maybe chomping. So I don't know if he's like eating him. Uh, and how is Lex going to control that? Hopefully he gets eaten. It's not going to happen. And that's the end. So, um. Season finale next week, or this this week, which we'll talk about next week. All right, with uh, Black Mirror. So I was going to do two episodes of Black Mirror. I was going to do episode three and four. This episode was like an hour and 20 minutes, so it was a little longer. And I'm also thinking, one, because of the time it takes to watch everything and you read all the comics, record all this and everything. And then also, you know, the concert Friday night and then whatever. So those are my excuses. So I'm going to talk about uh, episode three next week. Um, I don't know if maybe, I, I don't know if I'll do four and five next week. I think I, I looked and I think one of them is, is a longer episode two. But with Superman and Lois ending, you know, maybe maybe it would be good to stretch it out. to You know, so each episode's not longer and one's like short, whatever. So, uh, episode 603, uh, this, this one was interesting. So, so we have Josh Hartnett's in this, also Kate Mara and um, Aaron Paul. So, I mean, it, it's, it's cool. That 
I don't know if, I mean, it, it is a tiny distracting at first. Cause you know, when I see Aaron Paul, you know, I just think breaking bad, you know, no matter what, even though you know, he's been in so many other things and, you know, he was in Westworld for you know a couple seasons and all that, but this was an interesting episode. Uh, it take, I think it takes place. I think uh, the synopsis is 1969, like alternate 1969. So we see Josh Hartnett, you know, he's this, this guy, David Ross. He's like making the kids sit on a couch so he can draw them. He's like, Oh, don't move or whatever like that. And then Aaron Paul, his name's Cliff, Cliff Stanfield. He's like chopping wood, like this, you know, big stump or whatever. He has a son, Henry, and he's married to Kate Mara, who's Lana. David, Josh Hartnett, takes his wife and kids to the movie. This young couple like recognizes him. So at first I was like, what is he, like a famous artist or something like that? So they say, you know, after movie, they're like, oh, we're honored to meet you and everything. And the kid, you know, shakes his hand. He's like, oh, you're so real. So I was like, was it real that he's like actually there in person, whatever. And the girl's like, can I touch your hand too? Whatever. And then, then she's like, so you're just sleeping up there. And he's yeah, kind of. And then says something like, you know, human experiences, the survival of the human body of life and what's really central to the mission. And then his wife's like, <clears throat> so they, they can leave. Then we see Cliff is saying grace at the, you know, their kitchen table, but only Lana and Henry, the kid are eating. So he has no food in front of him. Uh, David, his wife and kids, they drive this fancy house and, um, his wife says, I like, oh, they're so rude, you know, there's people, whatever. And then as they, they get out of the house and about to go in, she notices this like old van parked across the street with like, you know, blankets covering the wind, window, but you know, she's just like, that's weird. And then they, they go inside. David tucks the kids in bed. Jessica's making a drink. David pulls her up to start dancing and Cliff and Lana are doing the dishes. So as, uh. David and his wife are, are, you know, getting passionate, whatever. Then his watch beeps. He's like, oh, I got to go. Cliff's watch beeps, too. He's like, I'm sorry, I got to go. So they both get into these, like, kind of weird chairs. Not quite like a dental, you know, doctor chairs or something like that. Um, hit some button to close their eyes. Then they both wake up separately, like in these kind of like futuristic, like, pods, like a little bed thing. So they're obviously, like, in a spaceship because, you know, when a kid says, like, oh, you're up there sleeping. So then Cliff is at the computer or was it Cliff? One of them at the computer. He says that, uh, I, I think David was at the computer. He tells Cliff there was like a minor impact, probably just debris, but there seems to be a crack in a solar coating or something like that. So Cliff puts on a spaceship or spacesuit. He goes out to repair it. So then uh, David asks Cliff, how's the new place? And Cliff says that, you know, they're settling in, you know, the, then they go back to their pods, back to their earth bodies. So the idea is they're out in space and whatever mission but when they're not needed and in downtime, they can somehow beam their consciousness into fake bodies. You know, that's why the kids at the theater, it's like, oh, it feels so real. Lana suggests to Cliff that they should have a party. And he's like, who's going to drive all the way out here? Because, you know, they're just like a farm in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, it could be for the local folk. You know, it could be good for Henry to meet some kids around here. They're in bed or whatever. Then he just like lies on his side as Lana continues reading. And then, you know, like, that's it, nothing. So David's lying in bed, and he hears a noise. He gets up. He hears, like, man or woman, like, laughing. So he grabs, like, a baseball bat. There's, like, muffled chattered. Then there's, like, two women and a dude. He's like, get out of my house. But there's actually, there's, there's two two men, two women. And dude's like, oh, it's a machine man. And dude's like, I'm Kappa. This is Sigma, Theta, and that's Ep- Epsilon. So then we see, like, the other dude, like, kind of, like, hiding behind him. So David says, he's like, I don't give a poop. He's like, you're in my house. And Sigma vulgarly asks about his like anatomy. He's like, do you have a 
a wiener. And then they start surrounding him. So he like starts swinging and they're like toying with him and everything like that. Then they end up like, you know, one gets a bat from him. Then they start like grabbing him. And then, uh, um, one pulls out like a big blade to see like what's inside his hand. So they pin his arm down They chop his arm, like at the forearm and it keeps like moving. And there's like this kind of green oil liquid inside. They're like, Oh, that's, that's gross, whatever. And then, um, he's like, that's unnatural. So then he grabs a hammer he tells the other to get the family. He's like, no, smashes a hammer down. So David wakes up on the ship, you know, so whatever must've like instantly, sh- you know, shunt him back up, but then he hits the controls just so he can go back. So now his machine body is kind of like hogtied and gagged on a sofa. The family's there. Um, his wife, Jessica, she's like, not my children. And then they're like, that, that, that's interesting words. That's what we want to know. So he's like, we just want to see, you know, who else's machines. And she's like, just David is, or something like that. And Kappa says that, you know, he doesn't doubt that they're real because you know, she shows her hand that, you know, there's blood on there. But he says that um, none of what has occurred in her home with her knowledge is right in nature. He's like, a man sleeps in the sky while his mechanical image walks to earth. And you share your bed with this abomination. You know none of this is right. How can it be? Defying nature must have a cost or what will become of us. So yes, you and yes, the children and machine man will watch with his heart a million miles above us. So then there's like blood and then um, you see like gasoline, like they're going to set something on fire and stuff like that. So Cliff is woken by the phone ringing. He gets news. He, um, he wakes up on a ship, looks for David. He like kind of like, you know, squatting down like in a ball in the nursery. He tells Cliff to leave him alone. And he's like, get out. So Lana is reading news of, you know, spaceman family slain. So they, um, the, the people turned themselves in. They're part of like a hippie cult. She's like kind of concerned and, you know, Cliff's like, well, we're a long way from California, you know, so now when he's down there, David's up there alone because his replica was set on fire and he's like, you know, two years into mission for her to go. She's like, well, can't they make another one? He's like, no, because I guess they, they need the actual person or whatever. So that's basically like the first like 20 minutes or so of that. So it, it continues from there and, um, Basically, you know, the, the, like the cult leader said he was protecting nature and everything. David watches like a funeral broadcast. What ends up happening is Cliff makes a suggestion because, you know, David's up there. He's just like like in a daze, and, you know, because his family was killed. And then he suggests, he's like, well, what if we let him come in and use his body, you know, just so he can, you know, get get out and get some air and whatever like that. And. So she kind of goes for it and um, things kind of go from there. He up when he goes back in the ship for he like he like drew a sketch of the house and and Cliff's like, you did that from memory? He's like, yeah, because, you know, he, he draws a lot and he's like, you know, it, or Cliff's like, you know, if I could, it's like I'd hang this up in, in the house or whatever. He's like, well, if it's OK with you, you know, and you got the supplies and stuff, he's like, I could make you one down there then things start like getting worse from there. Cause then he, so it's almost like, is he drawing this out? Cause then it's, it's not just a sketch. He's like, well, you know, he, he wants to do an oil painting and he's like, well, maybe just be like an hour a week while he's doing his physical and stuff like that. What ends up happening is I don't know how much time has passed. I don't realize, but then it's kind of like he starts falling for Cliff's wife and things get like a little uncomfortable. And so, so that's all I'll say about that. Um, but it, it was weird yeah, there, there's a, a lot more that, that goes on. I won't won't spoil the whole episode, but 
yeah, that is crazy about the, the cult killing his family just because, well, yeah. And then, um, then the, the way it ends is, is kind of dark, but it, it, so it was a good episode. Uh, it was just, it was weird, but it, it was good. So that's all I'll talk about this week and then talk about, um, at least the next one or two next, next time. All right, now with Extraction 2. So uh, I I like this movie. I, I had to say, um, it was I just like the first one. And I had I actually had to think back. I, I remember I liked the first movie. I actually had to, I was, I was like, wait, how did that movie end? Because it, you know, it's it's been a, a few years. Uh, the last one came out, I mean, three years. It's, it was came out in 2020. It wasn't it like, um, well, not, I guess not fully. I think it was like around the holidays. It wasn't around like, you know, Christmas time. This movie, Extraction 2, picks up from where the second one ends, which is a little weird. You know, we, we had that big scene on the bridge, spoilers, and, you know, we see Tyler, Chris Hemsworth, you know, he gets shot and he falls back in the water. But in the first movie, I think it cuts to like eight months later and we see him. He's like by a pool or something like that. And the kid that he saves is like in, in the pool, like practicing holding his breath underwater or something like that. Something like Tyler used to do. So that's eight months. So I guess there's there's technically this what happened within those eight months. So uh, spoiler for this movie, Chris Hemsworth is going to survive in order to go to the swimming pool because that has has nothing to do with this movie. This one, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm I won't spoil the whole movie, but just you know, the, uh, uh, like first twenty minutes or so. This it starts off, you know, so after he falls in water, he washes down the shore or down the river or whatever like that because this little girl finds his body you know she calls out to you know some people and then some dudes with rifles grab him so it's like oh for my first reaction is like who the heck is grabbing him are, are they friendly or are they hostiles but apparently they're friendlies maybe they were looking for him you know because everyone was swarming here trying to you know resolve this big uh confrontation that was going on in the first movie so he gets like medical you know back evac evacuation whatever goes to dubai and you know in a medical chopper and then he's in a coma he must be in a coma because then you know next we see him he's he's lying in a bed he has a beard he's like on life support the doctor tells his his one partner nick the his she was in the, the first movie that you know they've done all all they can and then yaz i i forgot like who yaz was so i'm pretty sure from my understanding without bothering looking anything up because i'm too lazy i think yaz is her brother but they they were also into like this mercenary group that, that you know work together but he's like you know it's it's not fair to leave him like this he's kind of saying you know pull the plug or whatever but nick's like i'm not giving up on him and then one one day like the nurse is like trimming his beard and his nails or whatever and he opens his eyes so he's he comes out of his coma so then then he has to go through the whole rehabilitation thing so what's not clear is like how much time was he in a coma you know, enough time to grow a beard which doesn't take that long so it must be less than eight months is, is the only thing we, we can gather but you know he's he's injured like you know he's he however long he was laying there you know muscles at atrophy you know whatever stuff like that so he has to like go through the whole thing you know learning how to walk and just building up his muscles again and his leg might have been injured because he seems like you know he had a little bit of a limp for 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 a bit <laughs> when they're talking nick even says you know like, yaz wanted to pull the plug he's like oh no no i was you know whatever but then at one point, you know, Tyler tells Nick to just go. He's sitting in a wheelchair in a, in a you know, in his room in a hospital, uh, you know, hospital room in, in a wheelchair. What did I say? I don't know. Um, he tells Nick to go home and, and she's like, or what? You're going to run over my foot? And he's like, well, that's about all I can do. 
So he, you know, sarcastically says that, you know, he's real excited for the next chapter in his life. And, you know, and she's like, you fought your way back for a reason. You just need to figure out why. So then it cuts to Kajori, Georgia, not the state, the country. There's like some goat farmer dude. His name is Zarab. And he's he's told by a guy that he heard from the prison. They're extending his brother's prison sentence. So this Zarab guy, he's going to be like the big baddie in, in this movie. Um, and then in the Tkachiri prison or something like that in Georgia, some inmates are, are are drinking. They're having this punching contest. And you see his brother in there. And he's just, I think he finds out too that he's staying there. And it's just like, you know, what is he going to do? So then uh, the governor, he's a, he's a young guy, you know, not your typical older. He's a, he's a young guy, slick, you know, slick hair, suit. He's fancy car. He's, he's got a bunch of, you know, uh, security detail, I guess. They go and visit Zrab at, at the farm. And because Zrab had called him there, he wants to talk to him about signing off on his brother's prison extension. And the governor is like, well, you know, he threw a DEA agent off the roof and the, the Americans are all over us. He's like, you know, I protected him from being extradited. And, you know, I've even arranged it so his family can live in a prison housing with him, whatever. And then Zrab mentions that as kids that, you know, he always looked out for him because, or his dad wouldn't be happy. There's, there's like some scenes as his dad is like fierce. Uh, there's at one point where they're like little kids and these bullies come up to him and start like basically beating him up, whatever. And then the dad's like smacks him upside the head because he's like, you're supposed to protect your brother, you know, to with your dying breath or whatever. And, and that causes, you know, he hit him so hard, he like messed up his hearing, you know, because he has like a hearing aid, he must rupture his eardrum or something like that. So his dad was like fierce. He just really literally and figuratively pounded into him that, you know, he has to protect his brother. So Zarab is, you know, that's that's all he knows is his brother's in jail. Yeah, his brother did something really bad, but all he knows is he needs to protect him. So and he's, he also tells the governor, he's like, you know, you shouldn't forget who, you know, who helped put you in power. And the governor's like, well, you know, there, there's nothing that I could do. And, you know, they're walking along and there's like some guy digging his hole, whatever. And then Zarab, I don't, I'm not sure the meaning, if there's some, some symbolism or whatever, but Zarab is like, like, oh, one of our prize bulls is sick. And the governor is like, I told you, you know, told you what? And then Zarab picks up a pitchfork, stabs the governor in the neck. It's like the two middle prong, it's like a four prong pitchfork. I don't know if that's normal, but the two middle ones go through his throat and the other two are like, you know, hugging the outside of his neck. And then he just like falls in a hole. <laughs> this guy was conveniently digging. So I don't know if this is all planned. And Zarab's man, like you they're shooting like the government's escorts. So he's like, all right, screw you. <laughs> you know, you said, keep my brother in jail. I'm going to kill you. Even though there's nothing he could do. So Nick and uh, yeah, as they pick up Tyler when he gets released from the hospital, then in um, it's uh, Gmunden, Austria, I think. <laughs> There's this little cabin. Uh, Nick says it's a gift, and they're they're like we even you know he he's like well would you bring my chicken? And they're like we ate the chicken, and then they're, he's like well what about my dog? And they're like we ate the dog, and they're like no his dog's inside. Then she hands him like this shoebox, and she's like we packed up. You're, you know, that's all we found. It's like your whole life fits in, in one little box. And she's like, you know, maybe it's time to change that. Then, you know, they're about to leave. He's like, well, when will I see you again? And she's like, when you have something to celebrate. So then we see him, you know, trying to still rehabilitate. You know, he's doing some fishing, watching football. He finally like opens a box. There's like letters and like drawings from a kid. And then there's like a memory card with a video of his wife and son at the beach. And then he closes the laptop. 
So what um, I don't recall if this was I think this was mentioned in the first movie or not. But so his his kid died from leukemia. And the the reason he's no longer married, you know, losing a kid, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I couldn't even imagine. But a lot of people say that that a lot of times that that ends the marriage because it's just a reminder, you know, you, when you're with your 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 spouse and everything. But what had happened is he had been deployed, so he like left when you know he knew his son was going to die. And and the main thing is because he couldn't face, you know, he couldn't didn't want to just sit there and watch his son die. So. He kind of made an excuse and he ran away. He was, you know, he, he, and he feels a guilt and you know, he feels like he was a coward or whatever, but he knew he had to do this. You know, he wanted, he couldn't. And what he says later is like, you know, I couldn't fix it. And, and, you know, that, that's what he wants to do. That's what, what you know, he, he, he's watching. And then like later, you know, he's like shovels the driveway, he goes in town, he buys like a couple chickens, <laughs> whatever. And then you, you see like, they're, they're just like sitting in a living room. Like they're not even in cage. It's like, are, are they going to like poop everywhere or whatever? So we see the brother in, in prison. He goes to visit his family. You know, the wife's like, oh, don't wake the kids. You know, there, there's a son and a daughter because, you know, she's like, it's hard to, you know, to, for them to fall asleep. The son's still awake. The, the son's older and the daughter's, you know, she's a lot younger. And, you know, he, she says that it's, it's so basically the prison housing is a prison cell. You know, the, the, the three of them are in another wing or whatever, but you can hear all the, the yelling and whatever, you know, all the prison dudes in there. And she's like, you know, it's been a while since they've seen the sun or whatever. And she's saying all, all this stuff. He ends up like slapping her. And and so basically they're he's locked up, so they're locked up too, because he is. Which is crappy. You know, that's supposed to be his way to protect them, but it's it's like, no, it's his way to just because he and I think she even said something. She's like, you know, because it's like I'm not your property or like that. And I think that's when he slapped her or whatever. Tyler comes home one day to his cabin. And Idris Elba's there. It's like, what? Idris Elba's in this. He's he's hardly in this movie. It's like Thor and Hem- Hemdale, you reunited. So he's outside uh, the, the cabin drinking some tea. And he's like, oh, by the way, you're out of milk. And then, you know, he's like, well, I don't know who you are. So why not put my cup down, get in your car and, and fudge off? So Idris Elba, they never mention his name in the movie. They they do. And the, he has a name in the credits, but whatever. It's not important. So he says that they have a mutual friend who thinks that he can do a job. And Tyler's like, I don't have any friends. And so Idris Elba says, he's like, well, I'm not so sure you could do the job anyway. He's like, can you even pull a trigger like that? Because the way he's like standing. So he reaches for the cup that he put down and then it gets like shot off the stump. And Tyler's like, you know, holding a gun. And then Elba's like, that's why you haven't got any friends. So Tyler tells him, he's like, you know, why don't you go back and tell whoever you know, mentioned me that I'm not interested. And Elba's like, yeah. He's like, what if it was your ex-wife, Mia? Inside, he's like, Mia's not in trouble, but her sister is. She's locked up in a Georgian prison with her, her kids. So the, the, the prison dude, the brother, his wife is Tyler's, his wife is Tyler's sister-in-law, ex-sister-in-law. Because then he's like, you know, her husband's name is David Radini or something like that. And he tells the story about David and his brother and, you know, the hard life they had, the war, drugs, violence. And now they have like a billion dollar heroin and weapon organization, whatever. So he's like, the job starts in six weeks. So then Tyler has to do some training, you know, get back in shape. He calls Nick and Yaz, whatever. And, you know, we get like a training montage and all that. So they, they go 
they must, you know, they paid off a guard. They go to, you know, the, the power gets cut off. They're, they, someone put like infrared, like signs, like arrows, like directing him where to go. So he's going to have five minutes. And he, he arrives at the cell. So the mom wakes up the kids and the son tries calling for his dad. And she's like, he's waiting outside. And then as they're going, like the little girl drops a toy and it's like a squeak, like a mechanical or something. It starts making noise. And Tyler's like stomps on it. And he's like, sorry. But uh, a guard had, had seen them. You know, an inmate or not a guard, an inmate saw them outside. Then he starts whistling, and you know, everyone's starts whistling. It's it's just it's chaos. Alarm goes off. It's code red. You know, they start going. They end up getting surrounded, and you know, they they go through this common room, and, and the guys start rushing him. You know, he's Tyler's got a huge rifle, but there's all these guys. He's, he's going to start shooting them. I mean, they're even though they're they're prisoners. You know, he's not going to start killing him. And then they kind of figure that because even if, if someone gets shot, he, there's no way he can take them all out. Right. So they, they end up start rushing him and he's fighting them off. And, you know, he, he ends up, he does shoot like a couple, like in the foot or the leg, you know, with a pistol. And then he you know, puts a little explosive on his door. So they go through like the laundry room, they start to skate. But then, you know, um, at one point, uh, you know, they, they go down this hallway they get the kids out through like this. Um, it's almost like a laundry shooter, coal shooter. I don't know what it is. So Nick and Yaz get get the kids out, but Tyler and Mama are are still in there, and they get attacked by this inmate guy. And first, it's pretty brutal. I wasn't sure who this guy is. Was I thought it was just like a regular prisoner. It's like how is he there? But I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure it was the beat. It was the husband. He's attacking him because he calls her a bitch and he like slaps her and everything. And and he's about to kill them both and. And it's, I won't go into details, but uh, he's not going to be a problem after that. And, 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 you know, there, there's one point with a shot was like his hand is just, it's nasty, whatever. So they, they can't go out the way they came. And then they, they, so they, they, they go, um, and it's like a riot in there. So, you know, she's got like the broken shovel, you know, there's a bit of a handle. They go through like a common yard and this was like a really cool scene. And, and I, you know, I think it was like a one take scene. They're like surrounded and, and she's putting up a good fight, you know, uh, hitting and, you know, prisoners with the shovel and, and, you know, he's fighting and at different points, you know, he, he, he's, you know, just grabbing different things and shooting some people, but, you know, doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to kill them because that's not what he's there for. But at one point he gets hit in the back of the head and then he like falls to his knees, like big, loud ringing. And then, you know, he just like falls to the side and it's like, oh crap, this, this is it. And then, um, uh, the, wife uh i forget what her what her name is she she gets a uh, gets grabbed by some prisoner dude and then you know he he finally he snaps out of it he he gets up and and it's just it's 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 really cool because like at one point like someone throws a molotov cocktail and like he kind of blocks it but his like arms on fire and he's still like like punching and you know even though his his arms on fire and then he, he goes after the guy who grabbed the mom he you know picks up like a dumbbell and just like smashes the guy in the face and it's just it was just a, a crazy um, scene. They finally get outside and, and they get in the car with uh, Nick and Yaz and, and, the, and the kids. And you know the son's like, "Where's dad?" and stuff like that. And they so they start driving away. But the Nagazi, which is uh, the organization that the brothers belong to, they're like following them. So we, we get this big chase. It's it goes from there. Uh, and then you know then they end up going on a train. And then there's like more fighting on a train. The helicopter lands. People getting off. And it's just like. It's just so crazy, like all all the action scenes. It's like they don't, you know, pull the stops on, on this. It's, it's just it keeps going, and then what ends up happening, you know, and again, this isn't the whole movie. Just still, it's like first twenty. It's a two hour movie. 
But at, at you know, one point the kid finds out that his dad's dead and he asks if Tyler did it. And then, you know, he's like, he was going to kill your mother. So it was either him or her. And, you know, so he's not mad because, you know, he's he because the way he was raised and, you know, his at one point, you know, he when the dad and with the scene that we saw when he he's talking about that the kid's like too soft that you know he grew up hard and his son needs to grow up hard so he kind of has that like mentality like built into his head that you know he's supposed to be tougher or whatever and so that that causes some problems he ends up spoiler <laughs> this is the last thing I'll spoil he ends up uh stealing like a sat phone on the plane when they're like leaving and he he calls his uncle and says, you know, what they're, you know, it's like, it's like, did my mom or do this or arrange, you know, whatever. And so it, it goes from there. So then it just becomes basically, it's like a revenge story for the brother where he, he blames Tyler for killing his brother. And even though he was a complete scumbag and tried to kill his wife and Tyler, it doesn't matter. So uh, then it, it just goes from there. And crazy for so you know things get a little little ridiculous at 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 points but it, it was it was good i, I mean the, the the action is crazy and you know with, with like the russos involved you know you you kind of get get a sense of that and uh it's just really good uh I, you know so this came out i think it was like a couple weeks ago but i didn't, didn't get a chance to watch it last week so definitely if you haven't seen the first one you should watch it and if you have watched first one you definitely should be watching this one because it's it's just really good and um, I'd be totally down if, if there's a third one, uh, you know, and if this one is successful, I mean, I'm sure that's full on their full intentions that, that you know, keep this going because it, it's good stuff. OK, and then we're going to do things a little different this week. So the main feature is actually a TV show. Usually the main feature is a movie unless there is no movie in a rare occasions. But there was sort of movie with Extraction 2 still. I'm going to go with Secret Invasion as as the main feature. And normally with the main features, I don't spoil the whole thing. But because it's a TV show, I, I'm going to go on full-on details with this, a full-on recap. Because, you know, especially we, we need to talk about that ending. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, uh, I actually, I, before I get into full spoilers, I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of change things up. In case you're still listening, you know, before you're like, oh, no, 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 I, la, 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 I haven't watched it yet. What, I'll, I'll just give you my thoughts before I go into the recap, it was it was good. You know, I've, I've been really looking forward to this, and you know, one of the interest uh, one of the things that should be of note, if if you're a comic fan, this isn't this isn't Secret Invasion from the comics. And one of the things I, I don't know if it was Kevin Feige, I, I just read the other day, uh, someone either Marvel or Disney or I, I think it might have been Kevin Feige. They, he told like the the showrunner, the director, whatever. He's like, don't read the comics. You know, if, if you haven't read it, don't don't read it because this this is not that. This is a, a different thing, which is good. You know, so they're they're taking the name, and you know, obviously there's there's name recognition or you you know whatever, and um, it's so it it's good because it's it's not that. I mean, Secret Invasion in a comic that en- encompasses like all the superheroes. I mean, that was like a huge thing where where superheroes are getting replaced. That's not necessarily the case here, and probably because there's some limitations. You know, we probably have our budget constraints where you know you're not going to be able to get the you know big actors to make all these you know just cameo appearances because of scheduling or just what whatever con- contractual obligations where because you know I, I think it used to be where like when Nick Fury signed up for like 12 movies the cameos counted as one of the appearances so if you have 
you know, an actor locked in. And plus, you know, that was that's also a movie thing. So I'm sure movie and TV contracts, totally different things. And and I'm, I'm even sure like the, the payout and the profit, you know, the back end, however, it's, I think it's they're totally different things. So completely, even though it's all Marvel Studios, maybe that's a little different now. I have no, I'm, I'm kind of speaking on my butt now because I'm just, I'm making assumptions here. But I would imagine that there's got to be some, some different, process with it but maybe again being all under the marvel studios banner makes it a little easier to for these actors to jump back and forth i i don't know i mean i would would hope so because that would make this whole point of you know having everything under the marvel studios umbrella a lot easier and just have that consistency and and you know make things just you know a lot easier and and uh, and I will also point out, you know, my big hopes, and I know a lot of people's big big hopes. You know, I I still follow the Agents of Shield hashtag on Twitter, and it's a bit much. I mean, I absolutely love Agents of Shield. You know, I'm like one of the, you know diehard fan. You know, I, I will you know fight you to the end how great of a show it was. And you know, the big question is like, it, it it's not canon anymore. Is it canon, or whatever? Because you know, Marvel kind of said that it wasn't, but it is, and it's not. And on Disney Plus, you know, a lot of people were like, because like the, on the road to Secret Invasion, you know, Disney Plus put like, you know, you should watch, you know, Avengers or watch, you know, Captain Marvel, and they put Agents of Shield down there. So then a lot of people are like, it is canon, it's there, and a lot of people are hoping it's like, like, oh, Chloe Bennett, you know, Quake's gonna appear in Secret Invasion, which would would make sense, to, you know, if you had this scroll invasion, it's like who you you're gonna need some help. You know, Nick Fury can't do this on his own. Nick Fury and and Maria Hill can't do this on their own. So you would think you know, it would make sense if, if well, does Shield still exist or not? That's the whole big question. We don't really know because it kind of does, but it that doesn't. And there still would be other people that that can be useful. And because of like the the hardcore, it, it's a it's a tricky area, I guess, where you know you you have this hardcore following, and you could make so many people happy by putting in. And Agents of Shield, you know, whether it's Chloe Bennett, whether it's Ming Na Wen, you know, any anyone, just like put, give them a, a role. Now the whole thing is like, if you you want to say, well, sorry, but we don't, we can't have the show be canon, even though Sif appeared in there, Maria Hill, Nick Fury, even though you know we had characters that, that and there was crossovers, you know, loose crossovers in the beginning. We we don't want to lock into that because if we want to have Crusher Creel absorbing man. You know, he appeared in the show, then we can't use him. You know, and if we want to use uh, Victoria Hand, who was killed in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., spoilers, we can't use her. So there there might be some aspects where, like, okay, there's, like, little things that you did that we, we kind of don't want to address. <laughs> like Or, like, the Inhumans TV show? <laughs> we want to act like that never happened, unfortunately. So I kind of get that. But... By having you know Matt Murdock in, in Spider Man, it you know it, it's still a little looser. They're not necessarily saying that the Netflix Daredevil show was canon because we have this whole idea of multiverse. So the Netflix show could have been another universe. It could have been a very very similar parallel universe where you know you had the the Battle of New York in two thousand twelve or whatever. So they could do the same thing. You you can bring in someone like Chloe Bennett and say, okay, here here's this this you know powered individual whether she's an inhuman or or whatever you want to you know set that up they could have her there but maybe not necessarily be the same exact 
character that we had in the show. That would be unfortunate, but for me, as much as I love the show, I would be happy to have any of them return in any capacity. Just like if we get Daredevil back, if we get Punisher back, if we, you know, we have the Kingpin back, it may not be what we had before, but if we can get them, at least we still get them. And, you know, that, that I would take that, you know, it's better than nothing. But maybe they're looking at it as like, well, you know, if we do bring this, then we're, people are going to be in an uproar because we're not honoring. But it's like, okay, I'm sorry, Agents of Shields fans. You know, I'm there with you, but we have to accept that the show is over. That, you know, that was not Marvel Studios. They don't want to necessarily go along with that because they may not agree. They may have other plans that, that contradict things. And so we don't get Chloe Bennett. And, and the thing is, like, she even said, I'm not in it. I I'm not have no part of it. I have not talked to Marvel since Agents of Shield ended. You know, she's like, yes, I would be down with it. I love the character. I love the fans. But then even people are still saying she's going to appear. Hopefully, you know, whatever. And and I would be I would be I would jump up and like cheer if she appeared in episode two or episode five or whatever. But I just don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. So that being said, I feel like that has nothing to do with the show. Um, just want to point it out there. In episode one, there is no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Spoiler. So the, the show, it's 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 really cool. Like if you saw the first five minutes that was like released or like you had to get a password to go, you know, go online, whatever, where you see Agent Ross talking to this other dude. It's it's kind of intense in a way, you know, just this whole bit of, of paranoia because, you know, that's how it starts off. And I'll, I'll, I'll do a full recap on that part. Just the idea of these scrolls, because you know scrolls exist. They've they've existed since the '90s, since you know Captain Marvel, you know all that. So people are aware that they're there, that they could be there, and what they're capable of. The fact that they can just change your appearance and you know replicate someone else—that's that's like a scary thing. Because even if the scrolls that you know we've seen that Nick Fury's been working with. Even if they they have you know the best of intentions and they're they're totally good, it it, it just takes one five hundred you know to ruin things. And it's just like you know you may have all these these heroes. It, not everyone's gonna be good. You know humans are not all good. There are some humans that are despicable. So just like scrolls, there could be a lot of scrolls that are very kind and and everything like that. But then you could have some that have their own agenda, which is what happens. So just that idea, it, it's a it's a dangerous thing that you never know what what can happen. So they, they really they kind of play into that. And there's this, you know, this this big rebellion or fight coming that can jeopardize the human race. Because the scrolls they want they want Earth for themselves. Yeah, it, it turned out, you know, Nick Fury said it's like, you know, Captain Marvel are like, we'll help you find a planet. Obviously, that hasn't happened. So there, you know, maybe these scrolls are like, "Well, we're tired of waiting. So let's just take, you know, let's just kill off the human human race, human beings, and we'll just take this planet for ourselves." So with that, I would think like some red flags would be going off. It's like, okay, we need to we need to do something about this. We need we need to assemble an army and and but they don't do that. So that's that's my one gripe with this, where it comes down to three people uh, trying to stop this huge catastrophic potentially you know whatever event and yet whether it's a secret invasion but if it's a secret invasion it's not a secret fight it's a secret invasion on the scrolls part not on, on the defenders part 
So I just think, uh, Nick, you need to start like calling some people and maybe even talk to Avengers or anyone else, but it wouldn't hurt to have some powered people, you know, in, in your back pocket. For a first episode, it, it's good with the tension. Uh, it, you know, while it is a little more tense and serious because of like some of the stuff that Nick Fury's going through, you know, it, he, it's almost, and you know, he, he's always kind of been like that. Maybe, you know, he felt a little more like Sam Jackson than Nick Fury, but he, I guess he's always been like that. It's just, it's, it's been a while since we've seen him where he's kind of got that sass and that, that like, you know, smart aleck, you know, attitude. But, you know, he's also supposed to be, like, you know, complete badass, and you would think he'd be a little serious. So we, we kind of get some little, little the jokey part comes from Nick Fury, uh, you know, just little comments that he makes in that. And and that's good to, to lighten up the show a, a bit because it is in the Marvel Universe. But the bottom line is, is it is a pretty serious thing. So it's, for first episode, it's, it's good. And thank you so much, Disney, for only dropping one episode because... Again, the way this episode ends, it is like a holy crap. You know, they they just did that. And if if all of a sudden it's like, oh, 10 seconds later, you know, it's like what happens, you know, does this stick or not? I I'm I love the fact that we have to wait a week or you know, by the time you listen to this, you have to wait, you know, 3 days or you know, I don't know when you're listening. So it's a I I I just I love the week by week you know even even though you may want to know like what I got to know what happens I I love just ha- having to sit and just think about it and turn your wheels and like well what about this or what about this because I just feel like when it you just get the next thing like in a few seconds it just it kind of takes away you don't really have time to process it and then you like wait then something else happens and then you know that other thing kind of gets lessened so it's good I'll just say that. So now, if you haven't watched it yet and you're still listening, you can pause this, note the time or whatever, come back to it after you watch. Um, hopefully, you know you will come back. Hopefully, you have watched it. So here's going to be your, your full-on recap, starting now. So it starts off like the, the, the clip that they release. It's in Moscow. It's present day. Um, Agent Ross is like on the phone. He's talking to someone. He looks. He, he's like in some tunnels or something like that. And then some dude named Prescott is like narrating as he's walking to him. And he's actually talking to, to Ross later, but you know, the 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 talking starts as as Ross makes his way there. You know, so we haven't seen Ross since uh, Wakanda Forever. So Prescott's like, imagine a world where information can't be trusted. Not very hard, is it? News service says one thing, website says another. Society starts to fray. You know, all we can turn to are the people we care about. But what, and this is like the kicker here, because he's like, but what if those people weren't who we thought they were? What if the ones closest to us, the ones we've trusted our whole lives, were someone else entirely? And then he's like, what if they weren't even human? So Ross makes his way to the surface. He enters this building. He looks on, there's like lots of articles, post-its and photos, like strings, all this stuff on a wall. You know, stuff about a heist, terror in Munich. There's a shooting, 26 dead, London explosion, all this. He's just like looking all this. And then he turns and he's like, Agent Prescott, he's like, respectfully, uh, what exactly are you talking about? And Prescott's like, chaos. He's like, and that's only the beginning. It's like five global terrorist strikes within the past year, each one claimed by a different group. And Ross is like, business as usual. And Prescott's like, that's precisely what they want you to think. Argentina attacks Colombia. Colombia attacks Philippines. A violent chain reaction consuming the globe. Do you realize that the entire world is at war? And Ross is like, well, the atmosphere has been tense. And he, Prescott's like, 
There's an architect to that tension, Agent Ross. These attacks are escalating. If they hit the soil of the, the major power, and Ross is like, oh, so you, you think the same people are behind all of this? He's like, not people, scrolls. And Ross like chuckles, and Prescott's like, come on, Ross. He's like, you know the stories. This didn't start yesterday. It started 30 years ago when the scrolls found Earth. Carol Danvers and Nick Fury promised to find them a new planet, but now, now they don't just want any planet they want ours look can't you see it and he points to everything on the wall all these groups they're the same scrolls could be anybody anywhere at any time and ross is like and there's only a tiny handful known to live on earth that's barely enough to to what you have no idea what you're talking about ross there could be thousands of them tens of thousands and you would never know so Ross is like, okay, let's play a little game of Forest for the Trees, shall we? Yes, scrolls can shapeshift. Yes, they're looking for a new home. But as you say, the only scroll contact has been through Nick Fury. That means they're our allies. And he's like, then where is Fury? He's on Saber, which is supposed to be like a space station. He's like, and if I'm going to bring him down for whatever the hell this is, I need to give him something more than just theories. I need evidence. So Prescott walks over, grabs like a tablet. He's like... All these other attacks, they would be nothing compared to this. And he's like, this is the one that sets the world on fire. So Ross takes it. He like looks at something like you see, you know, glowing, but we don't see what it is. Prescott's like, I stopped filing reports at the office. Don't know who I can trust anymore other than you. So Ross is like, hey, look, I'm here to help. Okay, so let me take this and I'll give the information to Fury. And he's like, yeah. And then Prescott leaps and tackles Ross. He like grabs the cable, and starts choking Ross, and you know he tries fighting back. So, but then he manages to shoot Prescott in the chest. So it's like, okay, what the heck's going on? Why did Prescott attack him? Is Prescott a scroll? Why, why would he say all this stuff? Like tipping the hat. Then we see Ross is walking down a narrow street, and someone's like following him. But he radios. You know, obviously Prescott is like he's just so paranoid, doesn't trust anyone. And then he attacked Ross. So Ross is like, I needed an extract fast. Maria Hill gets a call. She's like in an SUV and she's driving, you know, she's driving. She tells Ross like where to go. And um, then we see like some guy, the guy that's following him reaches and pulls something out. So Ross starts following the guys like chasing him. And then people are, there's, they get to a part where there's, there's a lot of people on the street, even though it's like late at night, whatever the chaser like yells people in Russian sort of, I think that, yeah, they were in Moscow. So at one point, Ross gets hit by a car. You know, but he gets up, runs, goes to his building. He, he starts going up the stairs, which is like, is that a really good idea to go up? The dude's like right behind him because we see like from the outside as they're going up the landing, like the lights in the hallways are, are, are turning on. Get to the roof. Ross leaps to this other building, is chasing. Then Ross leaps again. He misses a building, splats on the ground. But it's maybe it wasn't that high because Ross is like bloody, starts like crawling. And then Maria Hill arrives and you know she gets out of her car. She calls his name and then she pulls her gun on a chaser. And she's like, you know, show your hands. And um, then he changes form. So the guy chasing him was a scroll. But it's Talos. So Talos is the, the scroll from Captain Marvel. And then she's like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, I'm chasing him. So Ross rolls over, and then he changes into a scroll. So Ross was a scroll. Then she's like, he was one of you? And, and Talos is like, no, he's one of them. End of scene. <laughs> so then there's bright beam of light, like in the middle of the forest. Nick Fury exits, this, and this little ship takes off. An SUV, SUV comes, pulls him up. You can see his leg is hurt. 
And then Maria, you know, she picked him up. She gives him a hug. And she's like, welcome back to Earth. So they go to a house, house, safe house. Talus is upstairs. Uh, he's like on like on a roof or whatever. He's looking at this scroll plant. He says that Soren brought the seed with her wherever she went. So I think that was his wife. And he says that it's changed since she planted it. It's adapted to the planet. So Nick gives him like almost a hug. You know, they're like you know, head to head and everything like that. Nick's like, I'm so sorry. And Talus like, me too. He's like, Soren loved you, but she worried that it would take something like this to bring you back to Earth. And I guess she was right. Nick is like, uh, tell me about Gravik. And Talos is like, let's just talk about you first, yeah? He's like, you know, we've been helping you for all these years to ensure you kept your promise. But after the blip, you were different. And then you disappeared. Carol Danvers disappeared. And so did Gaia. And then Nick's like, hold it, your daughter? He's like, disappeared to, to where? Talos is like, she was young, angry that our people don't have a, a home. Many of them are upset. I got kicked off the council, pushed into exile. But Gravik, Gravik, mate, he took your abandonment that much harder. So now here's the thing. The, the, the stuff with uh, Gaia, it's supposed to be when we first see her, we don't know who, who that it's her. I think it, it's clear, you know, if, if you know the casting, you know, it, it came out, you know, who, who's who's playing Gaia. So then he, he tells Fury, you know, Gravik is now the newest member of the Skull Council. He prays on the collective rage of youth, you know, displays scrolls. And he's, he's like, where is his ass? And Talos like, he's here in Russia. And Hill's like, scrolls are immune to radioactivity. And Russia has the most abandoned nuclear plants on Earth. And Talos is like, but these plants, they're not on the books. And we don't know where he is. And Nick's like, well, what else do we know about his plants? And Hill's like, he's already made them. This is what Agent Ross's imposter was trying to cover up. You know, schematics for a dirty bomb intercepted by Prescott. Prescott has been monitoring a new radical group uh, called the AAR, Americans Against Russia, which he believed to be the next scroll front for terrorist attacks. Nick's like, Gravik's trying to start a war between Russia and the United States? And she's like, that was Prescott's theory. And Nick's like, and he's going to use this bomb to do it? Talos like, well, we brought you here for a reason. If he succeeds, your species will cease to exist. So that right there, it's like, um, ding, 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 red flag, red flag. Uh, let's bring in everyone. <laughs> you know, we we need every single person available to stop these scrolls because the entire humans can cease to exist. So Nick gets up and curses. He's like, I'm going for a walk. And Talos is like, you're going for a walk in Moscow at night? It's like, you're going to stand out. But he leaves anyways. So then it cuts to like, I don't know if it's the White House. I think it was the White House. Rhodey tells the president, um, President Ritson. I don't know if that matters. I don't know if we've seen him before. Whatever. So Rhodey's like, we have a situation. And he's like, concerning? And he's like, Agent Fury, we've just received word that he left Sabre. And then the president's like, what do you mean left? And Rhodey's like, well, I can try to think of a different word. Abandoned, departed. He presents like Agent Fury is building up the most complex aerospace defense system in the history of mankind. He can't just leave. And Rory's like, no, I agree, sir. And unfortunately, we also intercepted an encrypted message from Agent Hill to Agent Fury. We haven't been able to decode it yet, but we know they're old friends, given the fact that I could reach neither Agent Hill nor Agent Fury. They're effectively AWOL. And the presence like, deal with it. He's like, yes, sir. So this seems a little, you know, thinking about this now, you know, I really didn't have a chance to think about it then. So my, my question is, are, are the president and Rhodey scrolls, you know, could it, could it go that far? That'd be kind of crazy. I mean, if, if they had infiltrated the president, the presidency, they would be, 
they could make their their crazy plans a lot quicker. You know, do a lot more damage than you know these little terrorist attacks. Well, not that they're little, but it just seems weird. But maybe I'm just being overly suspicious or whatever. So then we see Fury's walking. Uh, he's you know it's late at night. Just like a couple making out. This lady like looks at him, and it's just like, wait, is this lady? Why is this lady looking at him? This bright like rainbow ball bounces down some steps. And this girl comes after it, and it's like, why is this girl out so late? Her mother, like, pulls her away, and it's just, like, kind of staring at Fury, which is kind of weird. And then a couple guys come up, throw a bag over his head, and the van pulls up and throw him in a van. So then this uh, woman's voice with a um, an English accent, and she's like, a large black man in Moscow at night. Well, it could either be Nick Fury or the ghost of Paul Robeson. And she takes off the... the the hood. She's like, oh, it's Nick, whatever, because she was hoping it was whatever. And he's like, oh, good to see you too, Sonia. So she asks if he wants a drink, and he's like, sure. And he looks at a bunch of clocks on the wall and asks if she has a clock fetish that you know she's been keeping from him. And then while he's you know talking, looking supposedly looking at these clocks, he puts like some sort of like bug or something on this like owl statue. It's it's basically like a camera recording device, like on the eye. Perfect fit, perfect size, and. uh she asks, you know, what's he doing in Moscow? And he's like the same as you, you know, trying to squash a scroll rebellion. And she says that, you know, he knows the, the rebel leader, right? And Nick's like, knew him. And she asks, is that why he came down from the space station? And she's like, you feel responsible? And he's like, what do you know about a Heisen in Kazakhstan? You know, that's where the materials for the, the dirty bomb were stolen. And she's like, doesn't ring a bell. He's like, you know... I may not know when a scroll is pretending to be a human, but I sure as hell know when a human is lying. You know damn well what was in that storage vault. And she's like, the fact that you don't know tells me all I need to know about this new, rather old Nick Fury. I think Thanos' snap changed you, taught you that no matter how hard you fight for what's right, there's always someone stronger to undermine you. And he's like, you seem to forget that this old Nick Fury has 30 years of hands-on experience with the scrolls. I knew the nature of this threat way better than you ever will. And she's like, is that your idea of an offer of some sort of collaboration between us? So she says that the fact that her rather mediocre bagmen were able to grab him tells her something. Because in the past, he would have seen them coming a mile away. So this collaboration would be useless. And he's like, he says that he let them take him so that he could get to her. She's like, I mean this as a friend, Fury, but go back to your space station. You're in no shape for the fight that lies before us. She's like, I'll have one of my thugs drop you off back at your, at your safe house. He's like, that's all right. I'll walk. So 312 kilometers southwest of Moscow, this dude walks up to his fence and two armed soldiers ask him, you know, what does he want? And he's like, home in my own skin. This car pulls up and this woman gets out and she's like, take your natural form. It's Amelia Clark. And again, it's, it's not really a secret who, who she is. But she's like, you know, take your natural form. So he, he shows that he's a scroll. Soldiers open the gate and she's like, welcome to new scrollos. So they drive, you know, she drives him. She asks him his name. He says, Beto. And she gives him some scroll food, says they grow it there. So he's like surprised that, you know, because he, he hasn't had that who knows how long. We see like scroll children playing with like a soccer ball. She tells Beto that they're over 500 strong now. So that's crazy. There's 500 scrolls there. They didn't apparently know that. Um, he asks if everyone's part of the, and she's like, resistance? She's like, no. She's like, Gravid, Gravik provides refuge, but if you do choose to be a warrior, there is one advantage. You get to leave. 
Everyone else stays in the compound. The warriors keep our human forms. The longer we're attached to our shells, the less likely we can be identified by humans and scroll alike. So I guess that means like if, if you're going to pose as a human, you have to do this for a while, which makes me wonder how long has Ross been a scroll? You know, was he a scroll in Wakanda forever or not? So she has him like wait and she's like, someone will get him a proper room and she's about to go through some door. He's like, what's in there? And she's like, victory. But, you know, he doesn't get to go there. She sees this guy like bow down to another and a dude asks his name. He says, warrior, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just like scroll stuff like that. Then the, the dude's like, bring him his shell. They bring him this guy with a bag over his head. They make him kneel in front of the warrior scroll. They remove the bag. He tells the warrior to take his face so he changes into him. Then they put the the human like they strap him to this like a like a like a vertical table, whatever. And then energy zaps like the sides of his head, and they're like, "Now take his mind." So the good news for Agent Ross, which is it's just weird that like Nick and Maria, it's like, oh, Ross was a scroll. Oh, oh darn. Did, did they not really care about him? Did they not really know him? There's no attachment. Uh, it's just, it's just like, oh, he's a scroll. Oh well. I mean, do they know? So potentially, Ross could still be alive, because if it, my, my impression from this scene here is when scroll is going to replace someone, they keep them locked up so they can, if they need to, they can access their memories. And then if if they're like, oh, I need a refresher, or this came up, and I'm not really sure. And then they can go back, zzz, try to you know dig out more information from from them. So I th- and that's what they essentially did in the comics. You know when like Jessica Drew or whoever lecture were being taken, you know they they were kept locked up in case they needed them for anything. So that's what we can only hope for for Agent Ross's sake. Fury's uh, camera thing like it's like pulses and Sonya's you know she's talking to some some dude and, and uh, she's like scrolls have infiltrated the ranks of major world powers. And then this man's like, where's the proof? And so Fury Hill and Talos are watching because they're the only three that are fighting against this whole thing. Sonya's like, how about the arrival of Agent Fury? For a man who's sworn off Earth, he would not have returned without cause. And uh, Fury's like, you got that right. (laughs) And Sonya says that Gravik has something very big up his sleeve. So that the immediate threat remains the bombs. You know, five specialists from Moscow are capable of building... An explosive, but she's betting on this Vasily Papishtrin, this uh, former Chechen rebel. He owns this high-end gallery in the city center, so he restores uh, pigmented paintings and radioactive bombs. So the dude she's talking to says he's like, "Well, order a raid now," and she says that she wants, or she's like, "Or we can wait for a scroll operative to pick up the device so that we can follow them to their hideout." So Fury wants to go visit the bomb maker, but Hill says that Sonya will already have agents there and. Fury's like, well, we'll incapacitate them. So Talos like, are you talking about attacking, you know, MI5 operatives? And Fury's like, you know, we're no longer in just a war with Gravik. You know, they're in a, a race with Sonya Fallsworth, who's you know celebrates a scorched earth policy. So meaning she will annihilate any and everyone who's ever heard the name Gravik. And he so Fury's like, you want to save innocent scrolls? You'll have to hurt some people. And he's like, Gravik knows mercy's your weakness. It's time for you to prove him wrong. So <laughs> one of the things I liked about this scene, because uh, Fury's like chomping on, he's just sitting there chomping on popcorn or something like that. 
And uh, the way he like offers the bag to to Hill at the end, and then she like kind of reluctantly accepts. It was kind of funny and weird. She's like, "All right," and she's like, "Takes some." But I'm also looking at the scene right here. Maria Hill, you know, so far she hasn't really accomplished, you know, or really provided a lot. So this is like, why didn't they get Chloe Bennett? Someone you know can actually, you know, not saying that Maria Hill can't hold her own. I just want Chloe Bennett. So guy is like reading. We know, I know, we know it's Gaia, Amelia Clark. She's she's reading. She's sitting close to Gravik in this like dining area. Um, this scroll Pagan comes in and tells Gravik that Fury's in town. And he says that their man says that he's nothing to worry about because he's washed up. He walks with a limp. He can barely see with his you know good eye. Gravik says that they go tomorrow and they don't stop until Earth is theirs. So Pagan tells Gaia, you know, goes to her table, tells her to come with him, tells her that she'll be driven. And to take cash to the address that he gives her. And he's like, you deal with Papistrin and no one else. He'll give you two bags. You get them to the Moscow warehouse undisturbed and intact. So Pagan's kind of a jerk because then you know, she gets in the car. She goes to close the door. He like kind of stops it and doesn't say anything. And then you know she closes the door. So it's like, what the heck is your problem, dude? Gaia checks out the address. She sees a guy in a suit like... um. He's sticking out like a sore thumb. Then this other guy comes up, you know, to get in the car. He's like, oh, I thought you were supposed to have, have a coffee. So Fury and Hill pull up in an SUV, and he's like, you know, what's our MI6 status? In the car, the second guy that, that came in jabs the first guy in the neck with something and knocks him out. So the second guy was really Talos. So he must have taken the other guy out, took his form. That's why he didn't come with coffee. Guy doesn't see. She's not aware of all this because she enters like the the bomb maker's place, the art gallery. She, I, I, for some reason, I, his name is Papistin, whatever. But I don't know if they call him Keller. Maybe that's another name. Fury and Talos go around the back. Gaia seems to um, have what she needs already because you know she goes in there. She's like in and out, and she's already walking away. And she has like the backpack. Or she must have two backpacks, or whatever. Fury and Talos they get ready to question the dude, and Hill's still in the SUV. She happens to see Amelia Clark walk by about like half a block away, and then something clicks in her mind, so she gets out the follow. So it's like, okay, maybe Eagle Eye Maria Hill, you know, is is so talented she can see this, but she radios that she has eyes on a possible person of interest, so she's pursuing on foot. It's like, okay. So the bomb dude tells Fury that you know they'll have to talk some other time because he's about to go meet his wife. And Fury asks Talos, he's like, is there any info on him having a wife? And Talos is like, his ex-wife. She lives in Miami with a soccer player. And Fury's like, that's what we call a lie. Everybody gets one. Nobody gets two. So then the, the dude, <laughs> he wants to talk in the main gallery because uh, Nick sat on his chair. He's like, that's a Louis XIV's chair. <laughs> Um, so he wants to go talk. He's like, let's go into the gallery where there's more natural light. And Fury's is like, oh, is there more, you know, comfortable chairs out there? And he's like, no. Then Fury's like, what about dirty bombs? And the, the dude's like, dirty bombs? He's like, I do not know this term. And then he's like, boom, goes a dynamite. Lie number two. I just told you, everybody gets one, nobody gets two. So Fury aims his gun and the guy's like, you're going to shoot me? He's like, maybe, well, probably. Talos grabs him, slams his head against like a shelf, and Fury's like, but not right now. So Talos like, where are the bombs? And he, he goes to slam him again, but then Keller puts his arms out to like stop the impact. And he's like, the name's not Keller or something like that. He does this like crazy backflip and knees Talos and Talos kind of laughs. And he's like, scroll. And then uh, this not Keller dude says, your name is Talos. And he kicks him and Talos goes flying into like this concrete pillar. Fury's like, 
Talos, and he's like, I got this. And Fury's like, you sure? Talos doesn't seem to be doing too well, but he says this is his fight. So it goes on. Uh, Not Keller, the other scroll, says that he's betraying his own people. He throws Talos into the shelf, and then Fury shoots him twice. And Talos look, and he's like, I said no. But then Not Keller reverted to a scroll form. I think uh, the whole thing is because Talos is all about mercy and everything, he he didn't want to kill this other. He's still a scroll. He may be bad, doing some bad things. He didn't want Nick to. That's why he's like, "This is my fight. I don't don't kill him because he's a, he's a fellow scroll." But Nick apparently had no choice. So guys continue walking with Hill behind her, and then it's not really clear. It's like, does she realize she's being followed? Maybe because then she turns and she goes like, you know, underground. She goes through this thing like she's in the train tunnels, and then a uh, guy ambushes her, like knocks her gun right away. There's a fight. Guy runs. Talos arrives and then asks, you know, where did he go? And and Hill's like, not he. And then he runs. Guy makes it to his ladder, and then he like shoots and and says he like stop. Last warning. And she stops like halfway up the ladder. She's like, that's what you always say, but there's always another. And Talos stares. And then this is where it's revealed to us. If you didn't know, he's like, Gaia? And he sighs. He's like, give me the bombs. And she's like, no. He's like, I know you're angry. This isn't you. This is not what your mother would have wanted. And she's like, mom doesn't know what she wants. And Talos like, her last words, find Gaia. And she's like, what? And he's like, she's dead. And Gaia's like, How? And Talos like, why don't you ask the people that you work for? He like pulls the ammo out of his gun and then he you know, sets it down. And he's like, why don't you just give me the bomb, please? She's like, I can't. And he's like, just hand it over and you'll just walk away because you know that I'll protect you. And she's like, you can't protect anyone. He moves towards her and then she like hits him like away and she climbs up. And so he gets away with, with the backpacks. So guy makes her way to the street. And she's like ducks in this alley. She's just like kind of stops and she starts, she's upset about her. You know, she just found out her mom is dead. You know, she had no idea. Fury enters his pub. The bartender's like, you can wait. <laughs> and and then he like kind of looks in the mirror, like behind, you know, the bar. This dude in Russian says, he's like, you can stare all you want, but you'll never be the man you used to be. And then Fury says back in Russian, he's like, say again, comrade. So he orders a bourbon and a pint for himself. He's like, and whatever my friend is having, you know, he's like, vodka. So I don't know if this guy knew who he was because he says you'll never be the man that you were. I, it's not really clear. So Fury takes his his bourbon and, and pint. He goes and sits at this back table where Hill is, is sitting like in front of a chessboard and he, she has like a broken nose. And she asks, you know, it's like, oh, you're making friends with the locals? And he's like, how do you... <laughs> this scene was kind of funny. He's like, how do you think we kept the Cold War from getting uh, hot? He's like, spooks like me buying shots. And she's like, you can't say that. He's like, no. You can't say that. Oh, Nick Fury. This, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying it either, Nick Fury. She says that it's good to have him back. And he asks if that's sincere or if she's just covering her bases. And she asks if he's going to tell her why he abandoned Earth. And he says that you know he's building out Saber. And she's like, well, you know, traditionally, we tell the truth during our chess games, which is, you know, sitting on the table. And she's like, you know, maybe that has changed, too, though. I don't know. And Nick's like, okay, let's just say I had a crisis of faith. And she's like, so why'd you come back? He's like, it followed me up there and I owe it to Talos. So she's like, are you sure you're not talking about someone else? And she asks if if he's going to move and he says he hasn't decided. And she's like, see, that's a problem. The Fury I knew was always three steps ahead. And he's like, if I remember correctly, you call me. 
she's like, upon Talos's request, your lack of contact over the past few years sent a pretty clear message. He's like, meaning? She's like, you're not ready for this, Fury. It's like, there is a very real threat out there. You were never the same after the blip. You always told me there is no shame in walking away when the steps are uncertain. So check your footing. Otherwise, someone's going to get hurt. So then later, Fury's just kind of like, you know, sitting in, in bed thinking. He thinks back to the blip where he just like fades away. Then we see Gravik staring out a window. Gaia enters this like conference room, hands the bags to Pagan. He like looks inside, like nods. He's like, good work. And she's like, I barely made it out. Someone was waiting for me. And he's like, someone you can identify? And she's like, no. And she's like, maybe we postponed a strike. And he's like, to you know, contrary, thanks to you, we have the bait. So then we see this woman. She hails a cab at night. Um, the, the cab pulls around to this old building. The driver gets out before the, the passenger does. The passenger opens and Gaia steps out. So Gaia was posing as this lady. And then the driver turns out as Talos. So he thanks her for meeting him. And she's like, you don't see me because I'm not here. He's like, I understand you're taking a risk. She's like, a risk? Is that what you explained to mom? That following you could get her killed? He's like, your mother died when you were working for her killer. So do not take me down that road, Gaia. It's like, you have one chance to save yourself. And I think you know that. I think that's why you're here. And she's like, the attack is planned for tomorrow. Unity day. There are three bombs. And Gravik knows you'll be there. And he's like, how? She's like, I don't know. There are so many operatives in the field, a hundred at least. And he's like, fracking pods? And she's like, most of their identities are kept secret, even from us. So that just means if, if there's hundreds out there, there's many other people, you know, pretending to be human. So he's like, your mom would be very proud of you, you know, for coming to see me. And she's just like, tomorrow, there are three couriers, including me, all points near this one square. I'll mark each bag with infrared spray. So Talos waits at the safe house. Fury and Hill return. He says that Gaia's come back. So they wait around the square. Hill sees Gaia with uh, the two backpacks. Talos mentions infrared. Fury um, t toggles something on his glasses so he's able to detect it. You know, and uh, they watch Gaia walk. But then their view gets obstructed by the fountain. And when they see her walk on the other side, she doesn't have the backpacks anymore. So Fury stands up. Which is weird because there's two backpacks. There's supposed to be three bombs. I, I don't know what's up. And there's, there's she got rid of the backpacks, but then there's two other people. So I don't know. Fury stands up and he says he's got one of the couriers going northeast or northeast and the other one's going south. So they start to move and there's like a lot of people now. Hill and, and Talos, um, they lose their guy. Fury gets a slightly higher vantage point, but he doesn't see the backpack yet. He turns to move and that one little girl with the rainbow balls, like standing nearby, like in a fancy dress, because it's Unity Day, whatever. And she's like staring at him. And as she turns and walks away, it's like, what's up with that? Is that a scroll? It's got to be, right? Hill has eyes on a backpack. Talos is practically running after the other guy, I think. And then Fury follows the girl. She stops and kind of turns to see if he's following, maybe. But when she goes, like, walks around this, like, balloon vendor, then this old man walks by on the other side. So, it's like, the little girl must have turned into this man, right? Because then he's, like, looking back at Fury. He moves around his van, and this woman continues walking the other side, looking back at Fury. So, it's like, holy crap. You know, he's trying to keep up with all this. But also, it's like, no one around is seeing the changes happen? Because, uh, you know, someone's got to, you know, how, how can you be so sure that absolutely no one is looking that direction? So his lady keeps looking back and walking. And Nick just kind of pulls out his gun. And he's like walking with his gun in his hand at his side. 
So the dude Hill is following looks back at her, and then there's like this cotton candy vendor and this lady. They, then um, uh, the, the turns into his dude. Talos is is still quickly going after the, the other guy. Hill's uh, guy tosses the bag up in the air, and she catches it. Talos grabs his guy, and then Hill sees that the bag is empty, and she's like, "They're decoys." And Talos, you know, tosses. He look got the, the bag from the other guy. The bag is empty too. So Fury finds himself now face-to-face with Gravik. So he raises his gun, and Gravik raises his, and he has like a detonator. Then behind him, boom. Then their second one goes off, then a third. People are like running and screaming. Fury sees Gravik, raises his gun, but there's just too many people and there's smoke. Hill helps like someone up, and then Fury like calls out to her, and then bam! She gets shot in the gut. Fury's holding, Nick Fury just killed, just shot Maria Hill. She falls back. And then he raises his gun to shoot again. But then the real Nick Fury, so it wasn't Nick Fury. It was a scroll posing as Nick Fury. The real Nick Fury raises his gun, but there's still a lot of people running. So not Nick Fury raises his, but then boom, there's a fourth explosion. So it turns out not Nick Fury was really Gravik. He just turns and walks away. Fury goes to Hill and she's like, it was you. And he's like, it wasn't me. And she's just laying there and I guess she's dead big pool of blood and all the people just like running by like no one's like oh here's a body with blood oh well you know they're panicking for themselves so they apparently killed off maria hill the only thing is like could she maybe revert to a scroll maybe it wasn't her i mean there's a bit of blood i don't know like if a scroll bleeds would it be you know, red blood right away, or would it be green blood? I think they have green blood, right? So I don't know if if they would have red blood right away, then it would change. But it's like you know, when they died, they they get, they revert back. So maybe we just haven't seen. I, I, I it's it's hard to believe they would kill off Maria Hill, but you know, maybe they want to say the stakes are high, and if there's no collateral damage, you know, no one's gonna take it serious. So it'd be dumb because if if they really do kill her, now there's only two people in this fight. It's crazy enough that there's there's only three now potentially Maria's dead. And this is what I was talking about because if the credits came up, then you can see right away. Oh, Maria Hill is dead, or oh no, she's not dead. She's fine. She's just uh, passed out, or it wasn't her, or who knows what LMD? Do they have LMDs? what's going on so this is you know it, it's it's frustrating and whatever that we have to wait a week but it's also good because it, it really gets you thinking and sticks in your mind versus boom there's the next episode so that was a that was the first episode and uh uh it's it's crazy just the fact that i don't i, I think the only downfall of this is that if this is such a huge thing that there should be more people involved. And yes, it is a secret invasion and they're doing it covertly, you know, the, rather than just to make it super. And I think the scrolls realize that if we go in, you know, guns blazing, then all the superhero, you know, Avengers, whoever are going to try to stop us. And, you know, as guardians and, you know, say they may realize that they have, they can't just do it all at once. I don't know. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So it's, um, I, I guess that's it. You know, no, no more Maria Hill, maybe. I, I don't know. And um, also, 
that's it for this episode because that's going to be the end. So that was I, so I already talked about how I thought about it at the beginning of this. So it's I, I can't wait for this, this show. And um, part of me is like only six episodes. That's a bummer because you know you want want more, but six is all they need to tell a story, I guess. So don't drag it on. Just you know get to the point. Just like this. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I've been talking about Silver Age Superman comics. I did a Superman comic last uh, two, two weeks ago, whatever, where Superman was a jerk. He killed Lois and Perry and Jimmy. Um, then last week, two weeks, whatever, last week, Superman's blackmailing Lois Lane from her life savings, posing as her blackmailer, being a jerk. So uh, this week, I don't know. Maybe it'll be another one. Who knows? But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash heck. <clears throat> I'm losing my throat, so I didn't need to get, get through this. All right, so next week we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I really don't know what to expect. Uh, I'm not sure if there was early reactions. You know, Steven Spielberg seemed to be excited about it, but... Who you know? Who knows what what that means? I think he's he's like I thought I was the only one that could make these movies. You know, he was he was happy with it. So we'll, we'll see. I I'm excited to see it. You know, I I really enjoy these movies, so I'm I'm happy to see you know what they're gonna do. It's interesting that you know it's 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 you know more modern times because indie's getting older, or whatever. So we'll see what happens. Other than that, you know, we'll, we'll do either one or two more Black Mirrors. I, I don't know about that. It'll be the season finale of Lois and Clark, one episode of uh, Crowded Room, and one episode of Silo. Which, um, how many episodes of Silo are there? There's uh, ten episodes. So we got this week and one more week. Oh man. Um, and then uh, that's that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that'll be enough. Um, I'm not sure what else is going to be picking up, but maybe I'll be able to catch my breath before Comic Con, which I don't even know what's going on with Comic Con, as I mentioned earlier. But that's going to be it for this week. So I hope you are doing well. I hope you are finding time to relax. I have not found time to really relax because I, I feel like I've just been reading and watching so much. So I'm <laughs> I'm kind of looking for some things to, to end. I hate to say that. It's so bad where it's like, oh, man, I can't wait for this episode to be over so I can move on to something else. But it's like, no, I don't want it. Uh, that's But that's my problem. So I, I don't mean that as a negative way towards this show. Obviously, I'm talking about them because I, I'm enjoying them. But I hope you are doing well. Hope you're doing fun things. And I really, really hope you remember to be good to each other.